hello, Legionnaires, and welcome to, according to this, it says the Friday Night Chill Stream, because I brought up the wrong item to read. <laughs> it's RPG Digest. I think it's episode 141. I don't know anymore. I'm out of sorts, apparently. Jesus Christ. I know, right? That's how we're going to start. We're going to start this stream on failure, because then we only have upward to go. Oh, no, you brought the shovel. I brought the shovel. Yes, I did. Um, so, yeah, it is episode 141. In segment one, we do deep dives, read-throughs, and uh, generally learn how to play games. And sometimes, you know, help, help you guys learn how to play games. And segment two, he now provides us overviews, fundamentals, and the occasional how-to of how to play a game. So, yes, that's, uh, that's RPG Digest. That's okay. None of this goes out to the YouTube side. No, it's so. fine. It's fine. And oh. Seth? Seth is everywhere. I think he's a stalker I know. now. I don't know. You no spoilers, man. <laughs> no spoilers. It, if, if if I know no one did, but if you watched if you watched our stream last night on the on the Legion of Myth game uh, gaming Twitch channel, then uh, you, yeah, he he gave out a spoiler for my segment today. So don't ask him. I hinted at the spoiler. Don't don't tell him. Yeah. Um, I actually thought last night's stream was pretty good, but uh, now that I have it up on the screen. <laughs> I have the right one up, the red one, not the blue one. Um, I'm, I'm going to finish this. So, yeah, uh, who am I? I am that guy who can't do his damn job. John Derp, Maxley. Derpity derp. Derpity. I, I am dead. Yeah, I am John Derpschlo. <laughs> derp, derp, derp. Your favorite. Derp, derp, derp. Along with me, as usual, is. Hmm. Nope, that would be a spoiler. That would be a spoiler as well. Is some guy who doesn't want anything spoiled today talking about we're all free league today? Brett Heathen Dog Grissomer. Hello, everyone. Here we go. I, I oh. am told. Oh my goodness, look at this. What? Everyone buy a lottery ticket. Crafty has a Sunday off. My oh, goodness. Hey. Uh, let, let me thank the folks and then we can dive oh. into our week. So uh, I want to thank all of you wonderful people who support us monetarily. Your gracious donations. Friday was a good night, by the way. Help us provide giveaways, produce more content, and generally give back to Legion Myth community as a derp. A whole. God. It's going to be. We have just over 4,300 YouTube subscribers, and we are thankful for each and every one of you. Check the description below for the links to various Legion Myth sites, social media, Discord, merch, and more. Max, they all derp, derp. It's just a fun word to say, though, at the same time. I have to admit. Oh, uh, if if you want to see four people just talking out of their ass <laughs> for about two hours, <laughs> I, I highlighted the stream on the Legion of Myth Twitch channel. It's called the least PC game stream ever, part one and two. I'll I'll see if uh, if if you remind me. I can't do it from work anymore. If you remind me, I'll try to get that over to the uh, YouTube and Rumble side for that channel. Oh, okay. But worst case scenario, put a link in uh, our shout out section. It was worth it. That's the stream last night. It was it was fun. I thought it was fun. Um, you know, at some point later on, when the game gets harder, we'll probably have to be a little more serious, but eh, not much. Uh, I, I thought I died uh, twice just because I was talking rather than hitting one button. One button would have saved my life. Press wait, you number died one. Twice? I wouldn't have died. I thought you died once. No, no, I, I died twice. I died twice. Okay. But both of them were the same thing. I was talking and not and not playing. Didn't press number one. Died. Oh. The, the the game right now is so easy that if I press number one, I can't die. Even with everything being at two hundred percent power, because there's four of us. So well, it was one hundred fifty last night. Oh, was it? Yeah, it it gets it gets to be two hundred when there's when there's five. 
Oh, okay, okay. That's right, because you can have up to six people playing, I think. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, l last night, I mean, I couldn't even tell where targets were. I noticed oh, when no. I saw when I saw uh, the clip Mark Hawkman made of you, um, there are a couple options you can turn on to help, but it's still all full of colors. So I turn on health bars, because then I can see red health bars for the enemy and green health bars for you guys. And that's helped me find... Well, to not light fire over shares of zombies. Because they look like enemy to me. <laughs> they, they do. They're, they're enemies, 100%. But now they have green bars. Oh, well, then they're friends, 100%. <laughs> uh, but, but I still can't, like, when we were fighting that spider, uh, the one that he clipped, I'm looking at where I'm shooting my fire, my flame out, and I'm like, I'm not even aimed in the right direction. Oh, there's the spider. There's the queen spider. Yeah, when you're not actually playing the game and you can focus, you're like, okay, got it. I'm, I'm like, shooting stuff this way. Spider's over there. <laughs> Too many colors. Too many colors. But yeah, that, that was fun. I'd like to see more streams like that, because I think whoever's on, it doesn't matter about the personnel, but whoever's on, um, if you can have that kind of interaction and commentary and keep it going, keep the energy level up like that, I think that's, uh, that's good stuff. I think that, that'll increase the audience over time. Uh, and crafting gamer thank you very much he gifted a legion of membership now somebody new has access to the members only live streams that who is it call him out don paleo don paleo don paleo welcome but crafting gamer is the one that gifted it so thank you crafting gamer for that gift hello cbk Black. we have in here we have uh, crafty who's got a day off that's weird that's why see that's why i couldn't talk i was stunned there you go yep that's it crafty's at home that's crazy Game with ADHD is here as well. The Crafting Gamer put out another Robotech video. So cool. Check out those Robotech videos over on the Crafting Gamers channel. Uh all right. So uh oh happening. Anything interesting in your well, week? What are the tribes and tribulations of your week? I want you to go first, because uh your your work is is uh becoming an abysmal black hole of death and suffering. Uh, and we all want to hear it. I wouldn't call it that bad, but uh, hold, hold on just one second. Got an image for you. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't normally do this, but today I have to. Uh, all right, this is from Crafty. He's watching on the big screen today. Oh, look at that. There you go. God, That's geez, how that it a, should be done. <laughs> is that a 1994 projection TV? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I like the consoles, though. Was that a Genesis on the right side? I don't know. I took it down. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, my week has just been the same as it's kind of always been. When I go to work and think that I've got little to do, so I'll start learning like the new portions of it. That's when I get called into doing what might be my real job. Uh, I had a, had a conversation this week where it looked like somebody's going to fight to have me do my real job finally. But at this point, I kind of don't want to. Well, I, I don't know how to say it. I mean, that's not the right way to say it, but it's, uh, you've waited this long. You've waited for it to break more and become more of a problem. Now you want me to come in and, uh, and fix it. Still having all the same limitations as two years ago and with less backing. Fuck you. Um, so yeah, uh, but it is what it is. In the meantime, I'm, yeah, they're not letting me learn programming quite yet because, uh, government they don't want me doing it on my own time which i refuse to do on my own time anyway got legion missed up to do my own time uh so i'm learning how to use excel that's right i am going to be an excel master good job yeah it's uh part of the wargaming side of it so 
cool thing is I do get to see how the war games are done. But yeah, Excel is not exciting at all. No, no. Uh, pivot tables, man. I'm going to be a master of pivot tables. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what that is and I don't want to know. Yeah. Good man. Good. <laughs> um, other than that, no, I'm slowly getting over this. Uh, I've been calling it a malaise. Slowly getting over that. Uh, right now, uh, the bit, my big fight is I'm fighting with the uh, United States uh, is it, uh, trademark patent office. They're, keep kicking everything back. It's not good enough as far as the Legion Myth logo goes. I'm like, it was approved six years ago under the initial rules. All I'm trying to do is get it approved for another six years. What the F is the problem? Oh, that picture isn't good enough. Oh, you need to send hyperlinks. I did send hyperlinks. Are you not reading them? I can see it in the document that you were sent. But uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. They give me a bunch of flack over everything. And it's coming down to crunch time. Like if this doesn't get resolved by September, I lose the trademark. Oh, and this started last year. Nice. You know, government you know, works at the speed of government. So this week, I'm going to be focusing on getting uh, that taken care of. So but, I have uh, a window to steal it. I have a window. Possibly. Well, it's, I mean, you can't steal it right now. It's a, no, no, no. Only... I have to wait. I have to wait till it expires. Yeah. And then immediately put in the paperwork that's already completed. Yeah. And, uh, and pay someone to fast track it. Bribe well, you it. can't pay someone to fast track it. Then what you can do is you can pay a lawyer to just verify that all your stuff is good. Uh, I've avoided that this time around because... I've literally sent them what they, they've asked for. So I might have to get a lawyer involved just to say what's going on. Why are they not accepting this? Which is fine. My lawyer's free because, you know, prepaid. But yeah, why? why? I'm just resubmitting all the stuff that I did before. It's no different. I still do this. We still have t-shirts. I'm not trying to add like RPG Digest on there. It's just the Legion Myth logo that is already. So, yeah. um, anywho. But yeah, uh, you can conquer roughly 15% of corporate America with just pivot tables and V look at yes. Yeah, that those are the things I'm learning too. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um well I, actually I kind of started I'm starting from beginning. That's the stuff they're trying to get me to learn, but I have to learn. I mean, I don't use Excel, it's not part of my job, so I have to learn all the intricacies that get me to that point. Yeah. Um what else? What else? What else? What else? Friday night was actually a pretty good stream. Apparently, you know, I went back to ranting and, uh, you know, people watched, stayed watching and uh, donated some money to Legion of Myths. So apparently you guys want to hear me screaming at the rain for all the messages I get saying, you know, I'd watch you if, uh, if you weren't like, you know, so vitriolic, if you weren't, you know, yelling all yeah, the time. That person is the minority. Well, <laughs> maybe not a minority, but doesn't give money. So <laughs> shut up. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, to, but to, to be fair. Everyone has a voice. That is true. But a voice with money behind it, for some reason, is I hear louder. That one. <laughs> yeah, you, you can hear that one a lot better. Is it is it a trick of, of human ears? Maybe. I don't know. But that's just I hear green. Figure that one out. Yeah, it's weird, right? Synest uh, uh, synesthesia, I think it's called, where, where you see, hear things that, you know. Hear colors? <laughs> yeah, hear colors, smell, sound, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Uh, uh, anything else? Oh, um, I reached, I finally reached out way too late, but I finally reached out to Kevin and Sean to find out because theoretically Kevin Sambita and Sean Robertson are supposed to be here next week. Have you heard anything about that? No, no, because, uh, I, I, 
for over a week now have forgot to send them or say for God, I'd remember it like midnight after I'm like in bed. Oh, crap. But yeah, I finally sent out an email to them. So I'm waiting on response to see if they still want to do it next week. I haven't advertised it. I haven't talked about it. I haven't propped it up. I haven't put anything on Discord like, oh, bring, bring us your questions, comments, concerns. Part of me hopes they say no for next week. I mean, other than the fact I do like to talk to them. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I want to make it beneficial for them and for us, you know, as well. And I don't know if I can do that with this short notice. The, the ultimate goal is, is I'm supposed to get the or thought. Pro I wouldn't say we completely 100% agreed on this, but the thought process was that I would get the package, that Titan Robotics uh, pack Kickstarter package, and then do an unboxing video and talk about it here and then talk about upcoming Palladium products and talk about how it was made and you know, just shooting the shit about gaming, what they've been doing, so on and so forth. And some of those questions that we have on various YouTube videos, Discord. But uh, with no, <clears throat> literally no marketing, no advertising at all saying that they're going to be here. I don't have the package yet. I don't know if they still want to do that. They do. We'll be talking to them next week. <laughs> If they don't, we're going to wait until uh, they think it'd be better. I think that's... Uh, I think that's all that, that I'm aware of that's going on. Oh, I'm a bad, bad person. But that's, well, every, yeah. that's every week, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not new. I need more people to make videos about how bad of a person I am so I can increase my clip video to, uh, to more than just the two weirdos that I have on there already. So help me out, guys. Make more videos about me. Yes. I'm a narcissist that way. Exactly. And, and the worst light is the best light. Yes. Yes. I mean, even if you have to obviously clip crap together to make sure it's taken out of context, do it. Yeah. Do it. Do it. I don't care if it's obvious, like Max Headroom type uh, clipping here. I don't care. <laughs> do it. Does anybody know who Max Headroom is anymore? Probably not. No. <laughs> Patriotic Gestalt, thank you very much for the $10. Really appreciate it. Glad you are here today. No message with it. Just ten dollars. I like that. I like that. Silence yeah. is golden. Yep. Look at that. It is golden. It's kind of a gold color. Right? Exactly. Yes. And the thing <laughs> is, we can hear that money. <laughs> yeah, we can hear that money. That's right. It's like cha ching. Wow. <laughs> you guys are so greedy. You just do this for money. Not for money, but we like money. Yes. It's a difference. Yes. So. All right. So that that's all I can think about for me this week. What uh you anything not a lot i mean uh next week is the last week of school for my son which means my vacation's over <laughs> i here's the thing during during the summer vacation the two months and change where he's home all the time i would rather go to work <laughs> and and I firmly have, have firmly believed since I was 14 years old that that work is for suckers. That work is what? For suckers. Mm. Yeah. You're making somebody else very rich and you are getting a pittance comparatively. So you're a sucker. You know, that's how it is. But I'd rather work. Because my 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 son is at that age. And uh, I, I actually talked to uh, Garthon about this, but uh, he had he had girls, so he didn't have this because girls are are much more uh, uh, vocal and, uh, you know, better with words. There is a point in the beginning of your child talking. It's cute. No matter what they say, it's cute because it's trying, you know, it's not not making much sense. It's funny, whatever. 
And then there's when they're when they're grown enough, uh, you know, teenager type thing, you know, what they say is probably going to be hurtful to you, but at least it's goddamn coherent. Right. They're, they can properly tell you what what they're feeling, what they've seen, you know, what they've done right now. My son is in the middle. Where he wants to convey ideas that are in his head to you, but is not equipped to do it in a way that doesn't want doesn't make me want to blow my brains out. It's like, it's like he's slowly waterboarding me to his point and I I have trouble. I have trouble with it. I'm sorry. So that's where I am. That's where I live now. That's, that's my box. Even dogs like use your words. Like I am. (laughs) I know use, use somebody else's words. All right. (laughs) Don't don't use your words. Your words suck. It's, 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 it's very much like a, Years ago, I had a friend come up to me and said, hey, Brett, you know, I'm, I, there's this girl that I really like and you know her. Tell me, you know, tell me about her, stuff like that. And I want to, you know, I want to go out with her. And, and I'm like, she won't go out with you. How do you know until I try? You know, I, I, I just got to try. I was like, OK, this is what you got to do. There's six billion. Well, there at the time, there was over six billion people on the planet. If you want a shot with her, pretend you're anyone else. Pick <laughs> any of them and you'll have a better shot. <laughs> it's it's kind of like that you know like if you want to convey a point to me use at literally almost almost literally anybody else's words and it'll work out does he read a lot yes that's weird no he he reads a lot he understands quite a bit he just can't convey the information in a way that that doesn't feel like it's some kind of new soviet torture okay all right his nephew's like that yeah it's it's usually boys that that have that transition period in their in their conversation ability. It's usually boys because girls, you know, are are more verbal most of the time. I'm still going through it. Yeah. <laughs> One day I'll come out. I'll come out of the other end through puberty. There it is. Oh, oh, and uh there might be a time during this stream where my wife pulls me aside because there was some kind of uh, my, my mother-in-law wanted to talk to her very important, had to talk in person today. She's there right now. So it could be something important. So I might be able to, I have to walk away okay. for a little bit. Just don't make me edit a video. I, I would never dream of it. So he's gone for 15 minutes in the middle of his own segment. Damn it. I don't want to tell you. She'll probably be home before my segment. So there you go. Yeah, well, no, if you watch the stream from last night, you're going to find out he's transitioning. I am. You said it on the stream. It's in, as you say, it's in black and white. It's in sine waves. <laughs> <laughs> it's in peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys, baby. All right. Um, that's all I got. I think we get, are we ready to start talking about gaming yeah. stuff? Let's hit it. Okay. Make me drink Bud Light. Nor you Yep. Just like we said last night, it's a good thing you're pretty. All right, let's roll it. <laughs> that was said. <laughs> now now that you said that it's actually out there for people to watch, she's going to uh, go try to look that up, and I'm going to get yelled at. Yep. <laughs> so worth it. All right, for segment one today, we're going to talk about the arc. What is the Ark? The Ark is your home. It is your settlement. It is the last bastion of refuge for your motley little crew of mutants to try to uh, 
subsist in this world that has gone crazy because the ancients decided to nuke it. Why not? You're going to go out, go out the bang, right? So, so we're going to talk about the arc today. Uh, so the second segment of the next video will be on zone travel, and then we're done with Mutant Year Zero. Next week, we move into Mutant Gen Lab Alpha to find out what the differences are there. So let's get right now. Now, one other thing I want to say about the arc before we go into proclivities is the arc is actually part of the character creation process. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, as, uh, as we go through. So let's get into the proclivities, and then we will talk about everything we need to talk about. I can't find them. Oh, there we are. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Please follow that QR code or refer to the description below for the link to the charity we support, which is the Wounded Warrior Project. Thursdays and Saturdays, you can watch the Dirty Casuals on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Fridays and Sundays, you can watch the Friday Night Chill Stream and RPG Digest on our YouTube and Rumble channels. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences, and if you like our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. I gotta fix that audio. Say that every time I hear it. Right? What is that? All right. Uh, let's uh, let's get this full screen. Why is looks weird to me? I don't know. Because you don't see this. Oh, it's all better now. Everything is better. <laughs> uh, what page are we going to? We are talking about the arc, correct? The arc is talents, mutations, conflict, trial. The are ninety six. So I'm guessing it's more like one eh, hundred. Oh, it's close. One. That, that's actually the one thing about the Vason book I like. The numbers on the on the table of contents mm. are almost exactly the same as the PDF pages. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I, well, I think this one does the new Roman numeral stuff for the first few pages. But no, oh, fair. All right. So got the overlay up. We got the arc. So I'm gonna skip a bunch of this part portion of the arc because for the purposes of our type of deep dive. It's not really relevant. I'm not reading everything word for word. Know that it's part of the character creation process, and there is there are considerations to it, which we'll talk about the titles, but then we're going to move on to really what matters. Zone location. Now, there is a map in the book. Uh, this is page 101. It goes to 280. Well, let's go 280 for just a moment. It's going to be... There we go. There's a map in the book, and each one of those squares is a zone. Okay which we'll get to in the next video. So and where your arc is going to be in one of those zones. Yes, your arc is in one of those zones. And it's a choice by the group. So uh, what page was that? Did I say it was 101? Yeah. The zone map just showed you that. Now, type of arc. We're going to look at this for just a moment because it will give some ideas. When I think of an arc, I generally think of Fallout 3. Not the vault portion of it, but the first little village that you get to with the rickety walls, the nuclear bomb in the middle of it, um, the weirdos that walk through the town. But it could be an airplane wreck. It could be a bridge. That's actually in Fallout 3 also. Um, it could be a farm, a gated community, a junkyard. You get the idea here. I'm not going to read them all off. The oil rig one has always been one that has me scratching my brain. Why? Unless you move, unless you move to some different location, which you could easily do, why would there be an oil rig in the middle of America? Or in New York, in the middle of New York City, basically. They found, uh, or no, no, uh, technology advanced enough to where you could you could refine oil from 
extremely impure sources so you had access to it in different places maybe i mean it doesn't make me angry i'm not like sitting here like oh my god it's just it's one of those things where like, oil rig what but you could also make your zone where you want you could make it you know out in the middle of the ocean if you really wanted to mm. be tough for adventuring but you could do it uh or just say texas is flooded <laughs> boom but uh all right prison you know go go all uh um walking, walking dead, dead. Yep. yeah Scrap Village, Shelter. Scrap Village is, is kind of like the Fallout thing that I was mentioning. Right. Shelter, Shipwreck, Skyscraper. You see, you see these things on here. Trailer Park. You know what? That's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start in the Trailer Park. We're going to play Trailer Park Boys, the, muta the mutated version. <laughs> the mutated version. There you go. Got the arc position. Arc map. You will draw out your arc to a small degree. It doesn't have to be exactly perfect. You don't need to be a cartographer. It just gives an idea of where things are located in your arc. I, I like using a strip mall. Because you have nice compartmentalized locations. You can say some are run down, electricity doesn't work, uh, leaky ceilings here, you know, uh, weird underground places to explore there. You can add flavor to it. That, again, that's a personal preference of mine. And you can also make your den in that area. You could say, you know, my den is here under, you know, in the clothing section of what was once a Coles or something. What's a den? A den is your home, your room. Your, yeah, it's it's your it's your hovel, your home, your your little safe space with your your two pillow fort, whatever. Sure. Arc map. The elder. Determine where in the arc the elder lives. He's rarely seen in person these days, but his den is still a hub of activity in the arc, and this is where the chroniclers and the dawn vault, which we'll get to actually at the end of the next video. Uh, we'll talk about that. Most often can be found. Mark the spot on your arc map. Bosses. There are different boss types. Despot Commander, Agitator, Revolutionary, Kingpin. You can add those to your game. Uh, again, not going through all this because these are things you're going to sit down at the table and decide as a group how this is going to all come together. And then okay, the other... Tell, NP tell us the purpose of the arc. The purpose Why of the Ark is because that's where you need to come home. That's where you're going to turn in artifacts. That's where you're going to try to get food. That's it. I stress the word try because of how the game starts, not because of how it should end up. It's, it's your one little sanctuary. It's your one little safe space. Yes, it can be attacked. In fact, your, uh, GMs are encouraged to attack it, but not to the point of every session is just you defending your Ark because then everybody's going to die and you're not going to have... There is an end game. The game is one of hope. Even more so than when he covered death in space. <laughs> it, is a, it is a game of hope, but you start off in a bad spot. So your arc is like the one good spot. It's where you can clean the rot, hopefully. It's where you can uh, use your contacts. There aren't contacts out in the real world. You're trying to explore the real world to maybe, maybe find some contacts. Everything you know is in the arc. If your character dies, guess where your next, next character comes from? The arc. If you have a relationship with an NPC, which every character does, that NPC is in the arc. And that's discussed in my character creation video if you want to take a look. So is, does that answer your question? Yes. Oh, uh, the one thing that I would say, and this was based on a side comment I got about Heathen Dog trying to fuck with the game, mess with the game. Uh <laughs> it, it was this, is that uh when I was having the conversation with the person, I was thinking of like, oh, no, I don't have a problem with, with there, there are always consequences to actions. But, but uh, I wrote down a note here, if I can read my own writing. But I think of Mutineer Zero 
very similarly to Earthon. Drink. What I mean by that is that there are no alignments. There is nothing that says you have to be a good guy. But if you really want to succeed, there's a difference between being a jerk and being evil. If your character wants to be a jerk, okay, then there are consequences to those actions. Sometimes you don't see them, and sometimes they're not until later. Sometimes they don't happen until you piss off so many people. And then sometimes they just don't come to fruition at all. The guy's just a jerk. Deal with it. But what you don't want is you don't want evil. There's already enough. The world is already trying to eat you. Your goal is to survive. You're not trying to be the last survivor. You're trying to survive as, like a, as a species, as humanity, even a mutated form. So ultimately, being evil isn't going to get you anywhere. So why would you do it? Unless your goal is to just ruin the game. Well, and no, Mike, as an evil character, your goal is to uh, murder the elder, make it look like an accident, and make sure that you attain all of his power, and then rule the Ark in perpetuity. And it would never happen. <laughs> Not not in that not in that simplistic fashion. I mean, it could theoretically happen, but you wouldn't be able to do that. And and I wasn't saying, by the way, I wasn't saying that Heathen Dog's character is being evil. It just it came up through the conversations of somebody commenting about what are you saying with that arc uh, or with uh, that enforcer or boss or what what is it enforcer or boss you're talking about? Anyway, the 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 con the concept is is yeah, you're going to need some people that might have to be a little brutal. It's a, it's a post apocalyptic world. It's a Mad Max yeah. type thing. At the yeah. same you time, though. You you need the you need those assholes just so everyone else can survive who who cannot act in that fashion. Right. Some some people just cannot take someone's life and then sleep at night. They can't. They'll and the, you know kill themselves with grief. That's what'll happen. But there are some people who can can murder babies and sleep like a sleep like a lock. And sometimes only... you need those people. You need them on your side. <laughs> not somebody else's side but sometimes you need those people so the whole can survive my, my only uh my only comment on, on all that because i don't like telling people how to role play and i don't actually you know as much as <laughs> as much as we do it i don't like telling people how to play uh, at their table you do you at your table whatever you do there but a good game master who expresses the history of this no character would go after the elder. If you do, you've expressed the game improperly. Mm. Now, it's not my it's not my part here to impart every single word of this game, especially the game master section stuff that we're not even going to go over. It's just to express the game. So Heathen Dog, when he says things like take out the elder, I get where he's coming from. It makes sense, but nobody in an arc would do that. That that would degenerate the game. I'm sure somebody's going to write in a comment somewhere, my table did it. Okay, your table could do it. Theoretically speaking, it could be done. How are you going to get around all the little idiosyncrasies that your game master knows about that the players shouldn't know about from having that? So um, being an asshole, you know, might makes right. Oh, absolutely. But it's like, I think it was Mar Hawkman putting there, being suicidal, being wanting to, to win or be right more than the survival of everybody isn't something that would uh, that'd be successful for any campaign. Uh, and this was again this was not about him it was just the conversation came up because somebody commented on on uh what he was talking about his enforcers hey, i just want a bunch here. of wives J just because they're yours don't start bitching all right yeah, see on. there you go <laughs> all right let's let's move on
Um, now we are going to show, okay, population, that, that's going to be uh, an important thing. It says uh, somewhere in here, it says start around 200. Uh, I usually just start at 200. But again, I've really only done one shots. Now, population is important. There are out-of-game, meta-game, whatever you want to call it, factors to this, and we're going to talk about that starting now. The arc is not necessarily, it can be, but it's not necessarily a role-playful portion of the game. If you're a role-play purist where you can only be in character and you can never do anything else and being out-of-character ruins the game for you, well, this game's already ruined. It's actually one of the things I like about the Free League games. It caters to everyone. Are you a social character? Well, guess what? We talked about social conflict last week, didn't we? Well, he didn't. But we did. <laughs> uh, do you like to beat things up? Well, we talked about real combat last week as well. Do you like to explore? Well, that's going to be in the next video. Do you like to build things and see your society grow? Well, that's today. It has something for everyone. It has the exploration, the combat, the social... Um, the, the, the stronghold or the arc building, and there's one I'm missing. I forget what it is off the top of my head, but uh, it, it has all of that built into the game. This is actually something where it says to do it out of character. Now, development levels are the most important feature of this, and that's what we're going to dive into now. And I probably should have moved my screens around, but ah, too late. So my head's going to be focused that way, unless I zoom in more. All right. So just struggling to survive is not enough. The people need hope for a better future, or you will perish. The end of the world is not only cause for despair, but also great opportunity, and that is important. If you play it as a game of hopelessness, you either have a game master that hates you, you're not looking for the light at the end of the tunnel, or you're just trying to be an opportunist to see how quickly the game can end. It has given you the ultimate freedom to create a new society the way you want it, not shackled by the chains of history and tradition. If only you can agree on which path to take in the Dawn world. That's what the new... Yeah, the, we'll call it the, the new society is called. Except everything, a setting, or mechanics... What? Except what? Everything except a setting or mechanics, my group... Oh, okay. Well, I mean, there are other settings. I don't understand the mechanics. Somebody made a video today about the mechanics of this game being meh. Okay, I get you. Know, not for everybody, I guess. I love them. I love the mechanics of this game. The development of the arc is measured in four numeric values called development levels, devs. And this is what you're working. When you go out and explore, obviously you're looking to improve your character, right? Experience points to, to increase your attributes, your talents. But ultimately, for the purposes of survival, you're looking for development levels. So how do you do that? Well, there's four. You can increase your food supply. The Ark's ability to feed the hungry. Guess, guess where you are? You're hungry. hungry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, that's great. I forgot. We're going to come back to this page. We're going to look at these, but you can see there's uh, food supply, culture, technology, and warfare. We'll get back to that in a moment. And here's an example Ark on a beach cruise ship, which is another pretty cool idea. Yeah, lots, like lots that. of rooms, oh, lots yeah, of rooms definitely. for uh, everybody. You can have your own den. Oh yeah, lots of storage. Uh, so many uh, places to prepare food. Uh, has medical facility. It's, it's great. The people's ability to express themselves in writing, art, and other forms of cultural production. Why is that important? Because, well, 
I'll get into specifics of it because I, I don't want to lie here and, and conflate too. But by having more culture, you actually have more understanding and you start to come together more as a people. Now, you can talk about real world politics if you want and say, well, this society is, you know, communist. This society is, uh, is totalitarianism. Right. Right. Stop right there. Stop right there. No one has that conversation unless they have a culture. Right. Now, exactly. The only way to sustain a culture is with the three basic necessities, food, shelter, and safety. Once you have those three in a reliable fashion, then people can start worrying about politics and morality and ethics, and then, then your, your culture can develop. Mm -hmm. But if you're in constant fight or flight mode, you don't have those, those three basic necessities reliably, then culture cannot form, which means your society cannot grow. So your the reason why- but your society won't. It'll be stagnant. The reason why I said what I said about politics is because I saw it in the games that I ran. It came up too early. Mm. All right, guys, do we, want, do we want a democracy? You don't have any of that right now. No. Right now you have, was it Maslow's hierarchy? Is that, is that what it's called? I, uh, I forget. Hierarchy needs. Uh, right now you are worry, worried about growing. Now you need to increase your culture. Absolutely. I don't care what you end up with. I don't care if you end up with a direct democracy. There is literally a cultural addition to your arc that you can make called suffrage in the game. We can take a look at that later, but you need a high culture. I think of 30 to implement it. You start the game off with a total of 12 culture or sorry, not culture, 12 points across these four. Yeah. And if, if you, if you caught that just the food alone, zero to nine is you are struggling to feed yes. people. Yes. They do not have food safety. People go hungry every day. Yes, you you cannot build culture with uh with with uh, with your food supply like that. You just can't. After every mission, the game master rolls to see how many people in the arc die. Your population is dwindling. This is why you want to increase these four. I, I know you only see three there, but the other ones, the food was on the other page. But we have technology, the people's ability to understand artifacts. Remember, we talked about artifacts. You know, basically old timey wimey stuff, cars, radios. Coffee makers, yep, that is actually an artifact. Uh, all, all types of guns, the ability to understand what it, we look at in our world today as being normal. If you want to have a good society, look, air conditioning, electricity did a lot of good stuff for society. <laughs> and then warfare, the arc's ability to defend itself against attacks and stomp out enemies both outside and within its walls. You know, it doesn't matter how much technology you have if you don't have any palisades to stop the zone ghouls from coming or the rock ghouls from coming in and eating you all. Yeah, that's the security aspect. You, your your arc has to be safe. People have to believe they are safe. Yeah. At the start of the game, you get to distribute. Oh, okay, it's right here. Distribute twelve points between these four development levels. Do it any way you like. You can set a development level to zero if you like. Later in this chapter, you see what they actually mean in the game world. During the course of game, you can increase your four devs in two ways. You can let the people undertake projects. And this is the out of character aspect where you guys at the table. Yeah, because even though you're not the elder. You are. You're speaking for the people. That's the benefit of being a player character, mm. even outside of the bosses. You are speaking for the for the society. It's just one of those aspects where, you know, I, I had people complain about, well, why wouldn't the bosses, why wouldn't this? The bosses are worried about their own little fiefdoms. They want survival as well, but they want, you know, but they like the control that they have. 
and they hate another boss over there. You are looking at it from the, the totality of the society, and you've been given the charge as player characters. I don't care how you role play it out or how you describe it. You're the council. The elder appointed you. The chronicler said you guys were the first five we saw. Whoever, whatever makes sense for your table, you are the ones that decide what happens for the arc. Why? Because why take it out of the hands of the player characters? Like, you're playing the game, have the influence on it that, that you're supposed to have. If you don't like that, I don't know what to tell you. I, I really don't. I, it's like, but the player characters are the ones that develop the, the, the projects. And the PCs can turn in artifacts to the Dawn Vault. Artifacts are worth a certain number of points, yada yada. People can start figuring out things. So, why can't I just show somebody how to use a firearm? Because the game is developed in a different universe that has different physics. <laughs> where sometimes you might think it's easy to point and shoot. Well, guess what? Now you're trying to teach them how to reload it. Imagine, uh, what was that movie? Uh, not Braveheart, uh, Robin Hood, the one with Kevin Co Costner in it. Mm -hmm. And the, I mean, how dumb those people were. Go, da, 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 you know, They weren't the brightest people out there. They might have heart, they might have soul, but what, something you might think is easy to teach actually comes from a long line of learning this, learning that, learning the next thing, learning that. Yeah, it's common sense. Put the you put the bullets in, put the magazine in the right direction. You, you know, uh, let the chamber go forward and you pull the trigger. Well, how hard is that? Well, to somebody who has no clue, why is there a cylinder in here with holes? Looks like these things fit and maybe it goes this way. But you turn it in, and the chroniclers write it down, they test it, they learn it. Now it's a natural part of the arc. Yes, now, now it can be taught to everyone yes. who needs to know. It is now part of your civilization's lexicon. And that's how the civilizations grow. On, just like everything else, on the backs of people who came before. In this case, on your backs as the PC. You go get items which create knowledge you share it with the arc the arc benefits as a whole gets better gets stronger can feed people more mm -hmm. can can have lights on stuff like that all because of you now are you are you going to get all the credit you deserve for that probably not because people people suck so you're not going to get all the credit the elder is because he's a dick and deserves to die see i'm I, still I, going I, there yeah, that's fine <laughs> Oh, no, it's because we didn't talk about the elder, and, that, and that's fine. Because because you you once you get into the game, that would never be a concept. I mean, you might actually. I, I wouldn't be as so abhorrent abhorrent. Wow, I wouldn't be so against somebody being like the elder needs to die because I could see machinations, but the rest of it just it's because we haven't talked about the elder. Uh, the people's project during the course of the game, you can develop the arc by having people undertake projects. A project can be anything from building a palisade or starting a mushroom farm. To setting up a tribunal or opening a theater a project does not only involve your particular pcs directly but is undertaken by a large success sorry section of the people and that's another thing to understand when you put these projects together they're not done in secret no and all well i wouldn't say all the players but we'll we'll go with this for sake of argument all the players have to agree so if heathen dog wants to build a palisade and i want to build the mushroom farm we got to get the players on board the other player's like, well, I think this is more important because we need this development level. That's talking out of character. Right, this is meant to be talked about out of character. Heathen Dog thinks it should be Palisades because we need to be protected. And it's going to take time to build these things. So you talk about it as a group. If you can't come to a decision, well, it's going to be however your table wants to decide is how it's decided. Maybe nothing gets done. 
or maybe you go with the majority or maybe you go half and half on the projects and say it takes twice the time to get them done. I, again, that's you handle at your table how you want, but it is something that's basically decided on by the PCs, by the group. Uh, list of all projects. We will look at the projects. Uh, okay, where are we? Zone Expeditions, which we'll talk about next week. Oh yeah, choose your project carefully. The projects you undertake determine the kind of society you create. If you keep going military, guess what? <laughs> you have a lot of hungry but uh, well-trained soldiers. This is one thing I take issue with with, uh, with the game. It's a personal preference issue, but it is an issue. It says, at the start of every session, no, I suggest you do this at the end of the session. For consistency's sake, it me, it, it's more important to do that in GenLab Alpha than here, but here's why. At the start of every session, as long as one or more PCs are in the arc, the player should hold an assembly. This means you step out of your characters for a short while and instead represent the entire people. Consider as players, not as PCs. See how many times put that in here? What projects you think the people should undertake? An assembly follows these simple steps. I'll be honest, I don't think we ever follow the steps directly, but discuss which projects you think the people should undertake at this time. Remember that you can't start a project if the ARC's development ratings are too low, and we'll look at that in a little bit. You basically have prerequisites to projects. You cannot choose a project that is completed before, with some exceptions, like Palisades. If Because, I mean, if you want to have Palisades going all the way, all the way out got that maze to get into your arcade you know you can try um if one or more projects are already underway you don't need to start a new one after a few minutes of deliberation each player can nominate a project that he thinks should be undertaken by the people players don't need to agree on one project but as we'll see projects will be completed much faster if they do i, I gotta tell you in the in the groups that i did the agreement was required wasn't my rule but uh, agreement was required Every player has a chosen. Oh, sorry. Every player that has chosen a project notes it down on the arc map and the arc sheet at the back of the book. I, I can show you guys that later. Also, note how many work points remain to complete the project. Oh, I forgot about work points. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, you, you only have so many people in the arc working on things, so you're not going to be able to just get everything done in one day. The list of project below tells you how much work a certain project needs to be completed, measured in so-called work points. Number of work points is always multiplied by the number of PCs in your group. Thus, a palisade needs four work points for a group with four PCs, but only two work points for a group with two PCs. Apparently, if you have less workers, it takes less work to do. Uh, that a project has been started doesn't mean that it will be completed. This is actually an important fact. For a project to progress during the session, your characters must work on it. I'm sorry, it highlights characters here, but I highlighted must. Your characters must work. Do you back in character for this? Of course, it's not just your PCs who are actually working, but their interest is used as an indicator of the commitment of the people as a whole. So if you've got your group split in half or split in quarters, you're working on multiple projects, well, it's going to kind of be represented by the arc. Now, why does it say characters must work on it? Because while you're doing this, you are not out in the zone exploring. Why do you have to be there for this? Well, because the people are following your lead. Whenever you like, whenever you like during the session, as long as you are in the arc, you may choose to work on a project. You can only do this once per session. It doesn't matter if you as a player started this project or not. Describe 
what you do and roll dice for one of the skills listed in the by the project. Yes, every project not only is prerequisite, but has a uh, list of skills, usually two or three that you can use to roll to succeed at the project. If you have useful gear, roll gear dice for it. You can push your roll normally. I hurt myself building a house. Uh, you can Happens help or hinder. An, what's that? Happens all the time. Yep. You can uh, you can help or hinder another PC, but then you can't roll for yourself during the session. I, I don't see the point of hindering, but if you're trying to make a point, I suppose you can. For every success you roll, the remaining work points for the project is reduced by one. So if something takes 10 work points, you need 10 successes. After, the, after 10 successes are accomplished, it's done. You've completed it. That could take 10 sessions. That could be one session with all of you pooling your efforts to it. There are no PCs in the uh, at the start of a session. Don't hold an assembly. Again, you can read deeper into that as time goes on, or as you enjoy the game. Uh, when a project is completed, draw a circle around it on the map. Effective, a completed project is set out in the project description. We'll look at that bonus. Usually it is only a development bonus, but hey, I wouldn't say only. <laughs> development bonuses are awesome. Even if we only got two points, what'd that do for us? Nothing. But you know what? You're closer to the next step. And as people are starving, dying uh, of rot, of malnutrition, of sunstroke or heatstroke, whatever, you're, the closer you get, you're, that's closer to survival for you. But some cases goes beyond this. Determine the development bonus roll one or more D6. Destroyed projects. Uh-oh. PCs and NPCs can sabotage projects. This is what happens when you piss off one of the other bosses. Again, you're going to say, well, Max, you said, why would you do that? You're trying to survive. That's a player character thing. Using the Earthdawn reference again. Hey, Heathen Dog, are there evil nethermancers in Earthdawn? Sure. Should that be a player character? Okay, so are there evil bosses in, in Mutant Year Zero? Sure. Should that be a player character? No. Okay, there we go. Uh, again, your table can vary. You do what you want. But If the project was complete, roll as many D6s as when the project was complete and reduce the development ratings accordingly. So wait, this, this is kind of funny it doesn't give a limit like up to the bonus that, that you got from this item. Mm -hmm. So it very well, by destroying this, you could lose more development points than you got for the whole project being completed. Uh, let, let, let me, let me do the math on that real quick. The project can also be destroyed by attack as a destroyed project erased from the map. If the project was complete, roll as many D sixes when the project was completed and reduced. Yes. Yes, you could. I wouldn't, because I wouldn't do I can tell you, I've never had it happen. Okay. Uh, okay well, I'm sorry. I've had a Palisades broken, but I just removed, I, I just reduced it from what the actual result was. Okay. See, so yeah, that, that would be understandable. But this one, if you roll badly, when, when you complete the project, let's say, oh, you, you get two D six development points and you roll a two and a one, you only get three, but when you destroy it, you roll two D six, you roll a four and a five, you lose nine. Yeah. People are disheartened. They, uh, you can find, you can make any excuse you want for it. You know, some people, that's not realistic. Well, it's not pure math. People's emotions are involved as well. If you want, if you want Plus, to go that you know, route if, with, if you, if you add on to your hospital, and that add-on gets destroyed, well, it was connected to the main structure. Part of the main structure was destroyed as well. So you lost more than you gained. You could, yeah, yeah. 
I, I, I'm just going to tell you that it, when I did this, when those Palisades were broken, I didn't... I only took off what, what, it, what it gave. I think I did that for simplicity's sake. Understood. But uh, I don't That's have a problem with... the book, so... Right, right, right. right. I, I, I don't have a problem with either way. We're, we're, do what works for your table. But yeah, I mean, but the point is, is that you can lose development levels. You're trying to build this up, but if some jackhole wants to sabotage stuff... Scrapping a project. People can de deliberately destroy an ongoing or completed project. This must be decided at the assembly, and all, all players must be in agreement. Why would you want to scrap something? Do you get uh, some kind of resource back if you'd stop it before it's completed? Yeah. Um, if something else in-game took precedence, like you were out of the arc and you you found a violent tribe and now they know where you live well we're gonna we're gonna stop that water purification project and now we're gonna start making guard towers there you go there you go and instead of just saying you know what i, I don't know about the destroying part but the stopping absolutely i can see we'll get back to that later but we are now taking 100 percent of the resources that were used for that and we're going to put it over this way uh, but the game gives you the option for all of the above. And I would say as role players, you always have the option for all of the above. Where's my mouse? Uh, all right, we're not going to look through all of these. We're going to look at some. We're going to skim over a few. We're going to look at the titles of all of them, but we're only going to read a couple. Defenses, it's the first one. It's probably the most common one. Palisades, earthworks, or even a moat. Protects the arc against enemies on the outside and makes it harder to slip in or out unnoticed. So this helps you uh, know who's coming into the Ark, who's leaving the Ark, who's attacking the Ark, to defend the Ark. Development requirement, none. Well, that's good. You can build these whenever you want. You can dig a hole in the ground and try to fill it up with water whenever you want. Thank you. Thank you, game. <laughs> right. I appreciate it. Skills, force or scout. Now, those two don't seem to be related at all. But So why do you think that you can use your force skill or you should okay. So if you don't remember, the force skill is to move stuff. Sure. Your force skill or a scouting skill. Why would either one of those work? Well, force skill I understand just because it's going to take a lot of manpower and and uh, a lot of a lot of earth moving to do any of this stuff. Palisades, earthworks, or a moat. You, you, it's it's gonna it's gonna take blood and guts and and muscle. Now the scout thing, I imagine, if you want to do it smarter, not harder. You would you would do a more high tech approach where you would uh, in, instead of you know building a moat or giant walls that are eight feet thick, you would build some kind of uh, security system so so people can't sneak in or uh, it, it trips an alarm if someone tries or it's a it's a small you know small pits of bamboo spikes or whatever you know that that doesn't take a lot of a lot of uh, you know strength and and manpower to do but they have to be properly placed at just the right spot to have the right effect i imagine it's something like that okay i, I would say uh, the the scout one works because uh, again your table your rules and that does make sense the way i envision it force i think you're spot on you're just brute forcing it you're dig you're you're putting in the legwork to get the that uh the uh the rebar up the the uh uh dig in the holes putting poles in the ground whatever right remember you're not doing all the work no, people are doing the work so but through this effort it's getting done the flip side of it the scouting is you know what like you said working smarter not harder huh 
instead of worrying about uh, you're just getting a nice circle around here, what if we put in the revetment at uh, these locations because the ground is softer there or the ground's harder there, you know, whatever. We've got stumps that are going to trip people here. We don't really have the means to get rid of them. So what if we just kind of booby trap them instead of uh, removing them? We don't have to work harder. So either way, you're scouting out the look. If you choose to do it, you're scouting out the location. If I choose to do it, I'm just like, make it happen, you know. So, but yeah, again, you kind of went a technological route with that. And I can see that being the case as well. Like, uh, you know, how, how can we make this? Although it doesn't really fit into the scout role, but you can justify it how you want. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, I thought it was, I've always thought it's funny that these two are such opposites, but used for defenses. That's because you can scout a great location to set up those defenses, or you can just put them in place and have enough of them, put the hard work in and just, they're there. Either way, does it affect your arc? Yes, in the exact same way. So it doesn't matter. And when you draw it on your map, it doesn't matter. It still provides the same. So work points, two times the number of PCs. Development bonus, warfare plus 2d6. So that means you add 2d6 to your warfare. I don't have my dice next to me. But uh, anyway, so if your warfare starts at a three, if you average them out three, 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 right? Because you have 12 to start the game. You add 2d6 onto that. If you roll a seven, oh, that puts it at 10. Oh, 10 bumps you up to the next level. I did say we were going to go back to that chart, and I should do that now. Yes. There we go. So I can't zoom in too much on it. So food supply, again, not going to read the whole thing. Just give you an idea of what it is. And I'm going to do the food supply one, because I think it is the one that's uh, the most, to me, it's the one I feel is the most important. They're all important, but this is the one I think is the most important. So when you start the game, you have zero to nine. Now, theoretically, could you start the game, Heathen Dog, with a 12 in food supply? Yes. Okay. What are all the rest at then? Zero. <laughs> all right. See, Heathen Dog pays attention. <laughs> at from zero to nine, the struggle to find grub is desperate. The people only have a meager stockpile of food left in the ark, and whoa, and whatever edible plants and animals individual mutants oh manage to grow or kill. Wait. Oh, I okay, I was reading that wrong. Uh, so they only have a meager stockpile of food left in the ark and whatever ed- edible plants, animals, individual mutants have managed to grow or kill. One ration of grub is tr- uh, typically traded for one bullet. One grub, one bullet. If you have five bullets, cross your entire party. Starvation, okay, so 10 to 19. Starvation still isn't far away, but the people have enough grub to cover their day-to-day needs, as long as the harvest or the hunt isn't threatened. So, what does a good game master do? He threatens your harvest. Threatens the hunt, yeah. This this is the level of uh, living paycheck to paycheck. Yes. You know, you have enough, as long as nothing goes wrong, you're fine. But say that real slow, all right? It's not going to work out. You got to get higher. Yes. You can get two rations of grub in return for one bullet now. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it's great. Decrease the session body count by one. We haven't talked about that yet. But I did say at the end of the session, you roll to see how many people die. How come no one died in zero to nine? No, that's, that means it's, it's the max. This is reduce it by one. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So if you have 10 in the beginning, does that mean this thing reduces by one food supply at the end of the game? No, 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 no. 
Okay, we I, I don't I don't understand what, what session body count body, ca- <clears throat> body count just determines how many people are left in your arc, and once you get to a certain point, your arc can't be self sustaining anymore. Okay, then I have a problem because in zero to nine, there's there's no reduction. It should be a greater reduction. No, no, no. You're, you're misreading it. The reduction okay. is maximum from zero to nine. At ten to nineteen, you reduce that maximum by one. So if you roll a d six oh. at the end of every session to get rid of uh, uh for yeah to get rid of people, well, if you roll a five, well now it's a four. Okay, I get it now. Okay, see, I I, I didn't know there was a flat d six. I think I think it's two d six. I we'll we'll get to it. I, I forget. Uh, almost. Uh, so now 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 we're up to twenty to twenty nine. Now you're starting to become respectable, right? Sure. Almost everyone in the arc can fill their stomach every day, and there's even enough to put aside for hard times. Woohoo! A bullet will typically buy you three rations of grub. That's, that's pretty good because you can use two points for healing and one point for eating per day, right? Decrease the session body count by two to a minimum of zero. Excuse me. Now, now I think it is 2d6. Because that that wording did not appear in 10 to 19 when you're only reducing it by one. If it's 2d6, the minimum is one and a one. We'll we'll, we'll find out in a moment here. I I forget. I think it is 2d6, but we'll find out. I remember you start with like 200. So you don't have a lot of bodies to begin with. And 30 plus. Now you're at the max food level. No one in the arc needs to go hungry. The people have the luxury to care about the state of what they eat and drink. And they have refined their skills to cooking and brewing. Or refined their skills of kicking, uh, cooking and brewing. A bullet will normally buy you four rations of grub. Decrease the session body count by three to a minimum of zero. Now, okay. they all have this. Again, we're not going to read all of these. I'll put them on the screen long enough for you to take a look at. Uh, let's look at the second one for culture. Most people can read and write to a basic level. Some forms of cultural expression, like a place of worship, simple stage plays, or exhibitions of scrap and artifacts may exist. You have your technology expo. (laughs) Gladiator games. There you go. Technology. Let's let's do the third one for this one. The people master the basics of mechanical construction have most likely built a workshop. They can build new roads in the zone. That's important. And can create more advanced machines, such as a printing press. Ooh, nice. Wait, wait, knowledge to the people? No, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> Heathen Dog Coalition starts in the arc. <laughs> exactly. Reading, and then who taught war- them that? Fudge. And then warfare. We'll look at number four, because we went two, three, four. The arc has a standing army that can protect the people, but also attack enemies out in the zone with great force. This is when you start domain play, I guess. Mm-hmm. The arc is defended by scrap cannons and flare thro- uh, flamethrowers. Battle level four. So, um, and I, we, I think we might look over the battle level stuff. I forget. Or is that in the game master section? I forget. Anyway, you see how these things grow. You are not in any position to feel healthy until maybe three, but four. And part of what you do. So what makes a campaign in Mutineer Zero? Why are we exploring this stuff? Why do we care about the Elder? Why do we care about Eden? Why do we care about any of this stuff? Why do we care about these side quests or those compendiums I have down there, which is the Mutant Year Zero name for modules? Because they bring you development points. And you are not going to get all these development points in four sessions. It's going to take time. The death spiral of this game as a character happens to be your attributes. The death spiral of this game in terms of a campaign is your arc. If you are not looking to improve your arc, you will lose. It's that simple. 
or you have a bad game master. Now, having having seen all that and read it, my first question is how do you grow the arc? Because I was expecting at level three and definitely level four of each thing, population would grow. But all I saw with food was population decreases no matter what. So how does population grow? It doesn't really. That's why and you're trying. That's why you're trying to find Eden. That's the premise of the game is to. I don't want to spoil too many things, but it is in the main book. The premise of the game is to figure out with the, the there's a lot of background with the elder that would be passed on out there to the player characters, either through role playing or through notes or through just this is the history of the world. The elder has told you that there is an Eden out there. But that going out there is not safe at this point, because the elders dying. Uh, food is you see how the development level of the arc is crap, right? Everything is turned to hell in a handbasket. And it's whether you're ignoring the elder or the elders like, fine, go out there, do what you got to do. Just don't bring the rot back. However you do it at your table, you're going out there because it is time to improve. But before you can improve, you have to sustain. Once you sustain the arc, then you can go improve. And that's where Eden comes in. Well, there, there's there's the rub though, because sustain is not what I'm seeing. It's just it's just you're you're slowing down the 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 uh the sand in the hourglass when everyone dies. That's all you're doing. Even yeah, if you well, have 30 and everything. At at this at this point, yeah, but by the time you have 30 and everything, you're self-sufficient. You can send out armies. At that point, you are one hundred percent either looking for Eden or Role playing through the idea that you're building another arc and and reforming society, or taking these zones around you and turning them into fertile farmland. At that point, how do I say? It? At that point, I would say it goes outside the scope of the initial creation of the book, and you're into your own sandbox game. At that point, hmm. you do what you want, and there are concepts given in the game master section on that. The game isn't supposed to end if you have an Eden. If you find an Eden, it's, it's supposed to end when you guys are finally like, we made it, dudes. You might be the king of your arc with your nine wives. Mm -hmm. I might be the king of my arc over there. Now we have a new role playing game. We're at war. No, uh, no, no. no. Uh, the, you can also think of it this way. Uh, taking that logic to a conclusion by building your arc on the dreams of finding an Eden. The it, 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 it can be the elders actual grand plan pulling the wool over all of the rubes eyes to trick them into hope. And then by the time they realize there is no Eden, their arc has turned into Eden. There you go. That's, that's possible. The only thing that I would be careful of with that, I think it's a good idea is remember that this game is combined with gen lab alpha mutant Mechatron and Mutant Elysium. And when we go through those and you see how these build together as a self-sustained game, 100% that could be not only could be done, but I think that is a, a great. I don't call it twist. Alternate re, uh, alternate uh, uh, play, because there is really only one methodology given in the game master section of what the future holds here. Mm. Yet it tells you 
that no, you don't have to do this, but it only provides one out there. So what do you do at your table? What do you do at your table if let's let's go the route we talked about earlier? You've got uh, the evil character, the evil party that is to say, we're gonna crush everything underneath our heels and we're gonna take over the ark. And somehow they developed that ark up. They killed the elder. No more stories. Any chronicler who sided with the elder, they're taking all the chronicler stuff. Don't know how, don't know why, but people stayed with them. It's Mad Max all over again, right? Could you do that? Yeah, you absolutely could. That's your table. That's not the spirit or the intent of the game, but you could do it. What do you do at that point? Well, that's up to you and your table. You already have gone off the rails. Make it up. What do you want to do? Do you want to have that Mad Max society? You know what some dude duct taped to the front of your artifact car? Do it. Like, and, and again, I always have to say this because people yell at me behind the scenes. I'm not yelling at heathen dog at all. I'm trying to put it out there for everybody out there. You can make this as sandboxy as you want. The spirit of the game, though, is that you honor the elder. I stress the word honor, not uh, <laughs> not always listen to. Uh, and that the survival aspect of the game, I would almost call it. You've taken martial arts, right? So the way my seafood described it to me is martial arts don't start until you have your black belt. Of course, we didn't have belts, but that like you're training up to that point. Oh, now they have your black belt. Okay, now now you've learned the basics. Let's let's do real stuff. Well, it's kind of like that here. You've got to get the arc to a point where hey, we're we're good, but you're never going to be good enough until you either conquer the zone or you find Eden. People are always going to die. The rot is going to kill. Things are going to come in. Yeah. You can and you can't make babies. You cannot make babies. That is an unfortunate situation that has happened with the mutants. Now, somebody's going to get really pedantic and put the, the exception to that in chat, and that's fine. But at this point of the game, you cannot make babies. So how are you supposed to improve? You're supposed to improve by... Finding Eden or making Eden. All of that is good. So does that make sense for everybody out there? No. <laughs> <laughs> and and hey, I'm going to start this, but we'll, we'll get to it in a little bit. All right. So let's look over a few more of these things. Got hunting party. Cannibalism. This one's for heathen, dog. Beautiful. Uh, if the Ark is on the brink of starvation, the people can resort to desperate measures. Fight... <laughs> Or, or manipulate. Some people just need to be beaten into eating. Yep. Other people need to be convinced. It does cost work points, but look at this. Your food supply goes up by 3d6. Oh, but your culture goes down by a d6. Well, if you're that worried about food, to hell with culture. Right? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Increase the session body count by, by a d6. d6. That makes sense. You had to eat them. Okay. Soil and yeah, green, I'm, man. I'm all about that. Yeah. You can make cropland, uh, pigsty. Um, there's some that I want to look for here. Museum. Let's look at something like, why the hell would you want a museum? Well, first of all, what's the development requirement? Well, actually, the culture, it's only developed. For some reason, I thought it was higher. It's only a culture of five. So you can that's build a museum. Yeah, that's not high at all. Uh, you need to use the skill comprehend because you have to understand the stuff you're talking about in there. Uh, two times number PC. Culture D6, technology D6. You get two development oh, bonuses. I like it. D6 to boast. Uh, both once you build that. Zone wrestling. I don't know what that is. Uh, metal cage where the strongest mutants fall. Oh, one, one mutant or two mutants enter, one mutant leaves. One mutant leaves, that's right. <laughs> A metal cage where the strongest mutants fight each other for bullets and glory. 
Less physically inclined mutants bet on the outcome. No weapons are allowed in the cage, but mutations are considered fair play. See, here's the thing. This is pretty cool. It, it increases your warfare by a flat D6. Why? Because you are training a, a, a larger percentage of your population than you think in the art of killing folk. And so that's going to make your defense that much easier. Because yeah. those now, are the guys who are going to want to be on the wall. Now, remember, you can only build one of these. But hey, who cares? Um, statue, sundial. I'm, I'm going to scroll slowly. You tell me when to stop when you want to see one. Okay. Uh, and there, there are a couple I'm going to look at once I see them. But uh, by so, the way, whatever. This is this is the one. That, this is a scrap. Uh, yeah, scrap fortress. This kind of reminds me of the whole uh, Fallout thing. Yep. Let's go back here. Marketplace. Okay. Bartering has always taken place in the Ark, but with a designated marketplace, trade is more organized. You have to have a food supply of ten and a culture of ten. Okay. Uh, it, you use the skill manipulate to create it. I don't know why you're convincing people. Well, I guess, yeah, because everybody's standing around in the open air. Bar it's like the stock exchange. You're like, guys, guys, let's make a marketplace here. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we have to create lines. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> They're like, lines? No. I don't Work points that. is two times the number of player characters, which generally means that it's going to take two sessions to complete it. Generally means. Uh, development bonus, food D6 and culture D6. Double whammy. Yeah, it ain't a post-apocalyptic game till you, till you break out the cannibalism mechanics, right? Uh, stable C. I know what I'm looking for. Tribunal. What is tribunal? I don't remember reading that one before. A court given the power to mete out punishment on mutants who steal, murder, or disrupt the order of things. Corporal punishment is the norm. Well, that's good as the Ark can hardly afford to keep people locked up for very long. Hard labor or even exile are also possible penalties. Yeah, exile is not something you want. No. And I don't care how tough you think you are as a player character, exile is not something you want. That's the culture. That's interesting. Culture I guess that warfare. makes sense. Yeah, well, that, the warfare thing makes sense because you have a tribunal, you have to have a group of police officers to enforce it, and they're going to be trained in busting heads. So I get it. Calendar? Wow. Ooh, distillery. Got to do distillery, right? Of course. This contraption of tanks, bottles, and tubes can be used to extract a great number of chemical substances from burning wood or plants. One of its many uses is to brew a booze. And you guys remember the importance of booze in the game, right? Food supply five, but technology 15. Because you have to get all those well, things. Yeah, to... you, don't, you don't want people going blind and shit. You calm down. All <laughs> right, you got to have the technological level to make sure it's safe. Well, you don't want the meth addict blowing up his house either. Well, ideally, you wouldn't want meth, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's what the technology 15 is also for, like to make sure that, hey, reduces the price of booze in the arc by half. There you go. Army, uh, need a warfare of 20 before you can start building your army. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, that's why everyone starts with militias. Culture of 20 for schools. A bank. bank, a bank. A place where people can deposit their valuables and be reasonably sure they're kept safe. Reasonably okay. sure. Warfare 10, because you're going to be fighting for the bank. And yep. Culture of 20, okay. Uh, printing press, generator. Generator is one I wanted to look at. Okay. So, got to light those lights up. You can't do it until you have technology of 20. Mm-hmm. Once you have technology of 20 or higher, then you can build a generator, so... 
a machine built of wires and magnets capable of generating an electrical current. Technology of 20. You also have to have a workshop built prior to this. And a steam engine. And a steam engine. Yeah. Vehicle from the old age or mutants on a treadmill. Wow. <laughs> that that right there is a greeting card I want to see. Okay. Close your eyes for a moment and envision GenLab Alpha, the rat running on the treadmill. Yes. Go get him, Mousy. <laughs> but look at that. Look at the development bonus you get from it, though. 2D6. 2D6 tech. Yeah. Heliograph. Okay. Is that like telegraph? Quickly is sending it? messages. Yeah. School. Oh, uh, we're almost done. Oh, that, is that it? Nope, it's not it. You can Roads. build a road. Roads. Transform one of the paths in the zone into a road, which can be used by carriages or motor-driven vehicles. This project can be undertaken many times. Every sector to be traveled by a road counts as a separate project. Uh, I thought this did... Oh, okay, it's just half the time. For some reason, I thought it made the travel automatically safe, too. But I guess I'm wrong. No. So, and the death bonus only counts if the road leads to another settlement. Check it out. Food supply plus D6, culture mm -hmm. plus D6. But only when the road reaches another settlement in the zone. The dev bonuses are for the entire road, not for every sector. So okay. if there is a settlement three zones away, you have to make three roads in these three zones to get those two D6s. And what, what that's set up for is uh, to prevent the, the civilization. <laughs> you know, in civilization, you build roads all the way around your entire yeah. city. Yeah. <laughs> it's to prevent that. Oh, look, I got roads. No, no, you have to have the roads go somewhere. This is like trade routes, but yeah. Right. For some reason, I, I don't know why, but I could have sworn that roads made traveling safe because that's what I was going to show up. Collectivism. All private ownership is outlawed. What? All mutants must work for the common good and all resources are distributed equally. In order to do that, you have to have a food supply of 30, though. So you have to max on the food supply and yeah. cannot be combined with free enterprise. Of course not, because this is this is commie bullshit. You can't have free enterprise with commie bullshit. The reason why it's in the game, though, is it is it is. I thought this was culture again. See, some of these I'm not remembering correctly, but uh, yeah, it's this is why the politics comes in. But look at this food supply of 30. You're not thinking about this day one. By the time you have food supply 30, you probably got a few roads. Some people you discovered out there, maybe not big arcs like yours, but you know, some people yeah, making it on their own out there. You probably got some artifacts. You're probably in a place where you can start contemplating philosophy and not just, you know, how hungry you are. Suffrage. All mutants of the peoples get the right to vote about issues that are important to the arc. Culture 30. Cannot be combined with autocracy. Which would be heathen dogs. Oh, definitely. Yeah, this this suffrage thing, awful, awful idea. No, no. So let's see what the difference is. You get 2d6 culture for this one. What do you get for autocracy? That should be right around here. Explosives lab, that just sounds good. Settlement road. They're not in alphabetical order is the problem. I'm not going to go back too far. Okay, let's go down. Suffrage steam. Oh, no, there it is. There it is. One boss becomes the sole ruler of the arc. Heathen yep. dog took all the wives and now he's in charge. Yep. His word is law. Oh yeah, warfare 30. You can only do that if you're a despot. Yep. <laughs> you got the, the heathen dog junta. Hey, hey, warlord. I prefer warlord. warlord. Well, I'm going to pronounce it junta. Um, cannot be combined with suffrage, but you get warfare plus 2d6. It's time to conquer things, baby. Heck yeah. That plus some, plus some uh, uh, good, good defenses. A militia and an army yeah yeah we're, we're gonna go out and bust some heads now the thing is 
is these make sense you can cry about it you can call it commie you can call it woke i don't care you call it whatever the hell you want but these things all make sense there are juntas in the world there are warlords the samurai there are you know feudal japan uh you you're going back to an era where collectivism actually works on a small scale so maybe 200 people that works out well yeah. the 50 people that are remaining by the time you get to that point you know? yeah there's that yeah uh but your game you you go whatever direction you want as a role player i like to do things that are different than me so i may actually go with the autocracy or the uh the kami because i like to do things that are different than me explore them all because look at the benefit you get a uh, technology well this is free enterprise but technology 2d so here warfare if you're playing something where you're trying to conquer remember this is out of character aspects this isn't role playing so if you're trying to conquer why wouldn't you go autocracy so just think about it that way as well steam car well i have personal issues with it well i get that but oh, i think that's it your nope. character is not you so calm down you can have a railroad and a train technology 35 okay at this point if you haven't found eden yet you're just trying to build up your yeah you're trying to make eden i i, I, I shouldn't say it that way what does it do nothing it makes you able to build a train well what the hell does a train do wait a minute hang on the yeah. requirements for the train is 30 but you need a railroad first and the requirement to make a railroad is 35 that don't make no damn sense well you can build the train now where are you going to put it <laughs> i no, guess no, you're not allowed to build a train until you build a railroad it says right there special makes it possible to build a train yeah it's harder to build the railroad which is the prerequisite for a train than it is to build a train that doesn't make sense you think a horribly pressurized steam engine that could blow up at any second would be a little more delicate than some yeah. rails and wood i'm not gonna disagree with that well and also even if and, and again this is pedantic about game terms more than anything else this isn't a problem but let's just yeah, I would make this 35 just for the purposes of because it says possible build a train. Just just Actually, make it I'll this. Just switch them. I'll just switch them. 30 and 35 instead of yeah. 35 and 30. Yeah, Actually, that's, that's I fair too. Make, I, I, I would make uh, train tracks much lower than 30. Not much. Okay, lower than 30. Because th th 30 is the, is the pinnacle, the highest level. That's fourth level. I, I'm pretty sure you can start making a train track at level two. Making a train, on the other hand, I think that's a minimum level three or four. Yeah, I get that. I can see arguments uh, all around this. I mean, you could say that, you know, making a train track, especially considering the dimensions of it and how exacting it has to be, could be difficult. I'm not, again, I'm not going to get into that. I'm just saying I can see arguments for both, but I, I do pretty much agree that either they should both be 35 or flip them. Yeah. But hey, no, you do your, your table. You do your surgery. No longer need the bone saw. 35. The bone saws of the arc have learned the anatomy of the mutant body as well as use of either uh, or either or oh, ether. Sorry, ether. Oh. Not either. The use of ether or other forms of anesthesia and can perform simple surgical operations. They could kind of already do that. Technology 35. I get it. Other requirement distillery. Hey, you need to disinfect your stuff. I get it. Nope. I get it. Uh, Dev bonus none. I don't get it. Special, any roles to heal a critical injury at the surgery clinic in a plus two modification. Mm. The session body count, oh, is another reduced by one. Okay. Yeah, you don't get a, you don't get a development, but probably because you're pretty much at max anyway. I mean, you're already in the max zone. You don't yeah. need anymore. But, all right. Um, okay, you, you get it. We got, we'll talk about the Dawn Vault and then we're done. And we'll move on to the zone. So, the Elder no longer controls the Ark. Uh-oh, but weren't we talking about the Elder and 
Well, the elder has gone sick, and people are trying to figure out what to do. The elder no longer controls the ark. The old man's word is no longer law. But one of his commandments is still held in high regard by the people to collect artifacts from the old age, study them, learn from them. Keep them in a safe place. The elder called this place the Dawn Vault, and it will be in your ark somewhere. Usually near where the elder exists. Uh, yep, scroll up here. When you grew up, it was strictly forbidden to keep artifacts that you found for yourselves. Now, most people didn't go out anyway, but still. Everything had to be turned over to the Dawn Vault, studied and filed. In theory, that is still the rule, but as hunger sets in and the old order falls apart, mutants increasingly keep artifacts for themselves or even barter them for grub. Remember, you used to be on a little bit higher level and things are fake. This is why you're forced to go out. The elder can't, the elder is sick and or dying and or dead. Can't help you anymore. You're only relying on your stories of this thing maybe called Eden, which you might build, you might find, might not even exist at all. Gotta say that without too many spoilers. <laughs> but uh, the, the goal is like, we're dying here. We have to do something. Be fruitful and multiply. I mean, you can't. Uh, go forth and find something better. Or make something better. So, uh, as Hunger said in the old order falls apart, mutants increasingly keep artifacts. Okay, I already said this. Still, the Dawn Vault remains and is guarded by a group of loyal chroniclers who refuse to abandon the Elder's principles. Following his will, they continue to collect artifacts, study them, and teach what they learn to anyone willing to listen. Now, why would you turn in your stuff? If it doesn't matter anymore, why would you turn in your stuff? Because it, uh, it raises the, the collective knowledge of the entire arc. Boom. Collectivist. You can find artifacts during treks through the zone. Read more about that in chapter 8, which will be next. Apart from their primary use, artifacts have two numeric values, dev requirement and dev bonus. Just like projects in the Ark. All artifacts are described in the artifact cards, which I showed off in the first episode we did, and in chapter 14 of this book. The development requirement is the minimum level in one of the four development levels that the Ark must have reached for all of the people to be able to easily understand and use the artifact. Oh, I get it. I get it. For, so, for example, uh, if, if, uh, if an Ark has, has a warfare rating of five and they find a minigun, which which would have a, a dev requirement of say twenty or twenty five, they just don't get it. You yeah. can't gain information from it because you're too stupid to understand, let alone teach someone else. And if you try to take it uh, take it apart to you learn it, you're more it apt together. to break it than yeah. What's it? Yeah. Imagine imagine right now. Let's let's do this for just a moment. You have a coffee machine. That's all it is. Coffee maker. Add water. Throw in some coffee. Hand that to somebody from the Middle Ages. Not even an idiot. Hand it to somebody who's smart from the Middle Ages. What's going to happen to that device? It's going to get wrecked in a day. Yeah. It's made out of plastic. It's got these weird things inside of it. I'm not saying, I mean, they're, they're starting to understand a little bit about electricity back then, just not to the level. Obviously, they didn't have electrical power plants. But conceptually, how do you put that together? And... It might not be stupidity. It's just pure ignorance. You have to learn certain things. You have to get to a certain technological level. Be like, oh, those wires and magnets do this thing. It makes that. The water goes, got it. Hey, uh, I think I put the coffee in upside down, though. <laughs> oh. All right. 
Uh, the development requires a minimum level in one of the four that the Ark must have to reach people. Again, I want to say this. I love this sentence. The Ark must have reached for all of the people to be able to easily understand and use the artifact. At this point, you don't roll to use things. Or things within that have been taught. Or, or sorry. Learned or donated. This is explained further in chapter 8. Scroll down. Don't need the example. Attacks against the Ark. I'm not going to go into this, but... The Ark can be attacked, and things can be ruined. And that's, uh, that's when you get to battle levels and so forth. Why am I not covering that? Because at this point, you should be playing the game. And if, if you're worried about uh, miniatures combat, no, it doesn't have to be. You can. But uh, it's a matter of that you're trying to keep your Ark alive. When the battle starts, each side rolls a number, base dice. This is army versus army stuff. And it's affected by your battle level. This is why you want to increase. Every time you look at those four things, well, why wouldn't I just increase technology the entire way? Because your people are going to starve before you get it up there. Why wouldn't I increase food the entire way? Because you, in order to improve some of that stuff, you need to have technology. Why wouldn't I just go balls to the wall war? Well, that'll last to a point. But as people, again, are starving, dying, and beating each other up because they're Neanderthals. It doesn't mean that they all have to be equal. But you do want to raise them up together to some degree. You can have one at like 25, one at 15, one at 17, one at uh, 12. I'd be careful that 12 one. That's the half of your best. But you can do that. So you roll. Uh, this is more like a domain level combat. I can do a separate video on that if it's necessary. And... Let's, let's look at uh, the chart, though, so you can see. Minus, we're just going to look at the top and bottom. Minus, enemies flood into the Ark and destroy everything in their path. The people are hacked up and shot in droves. There's no winning this battle, and all you can hope to do is save yourself and escape. The people's population is decreased by 4d6. And roll 1d6 to determine how many projects in the Ark are destroyed. Worst case scenario. This is, yeah, this is worst case scenario. Best case scenario, the enemies break against the Ark's walls like an ocean waves against cliffside. Any attackers aren't killed, run for their lives. Some are even taken prisoner. The pop people's population is unaffected. So, and of course, even with a plus one, you lose a little bit because war kills people. Stalemate, well, you lose a little bit more. 3d6, yeah, it just goes in order. 1d6, 2d6, 3d6, 4d6, Session body count. I think this is the last thing. Life in the Ark is hard. Violence, hunger, and rot. Claims victims almost every day. At the end of every gaming session, one of the players, which one is up to you, rolls 1d6. Find the guy with the most unlucky dice. Because you want those ones. The result tells you how many inhabitants of the Ark have died. I don't think it goes in. Oh, it does. Uh, wait a minute, what? Have died oh, in, in the meantime, beyond any PCs or NPCs who might have lost their lives on screen. So, you know, role playing. Sure. The GM is responsible for keeping track of the ARC's current population figure. That's there's an ARC worksheet. You can keep it there. She should always note it down on the ARC sheet. Yeah. The figure will steadily decrease during the course of the campaign. See, it says it right there. Figure will steadily decrease during the course of the campaign. Unless you find some solution. That outsiders move into the Ark, which again, that's where you look at Gen Lab Alpha, Mutant Mechatron, or, Gen, or uh, Mutant Elysium. 
or that you somehow find a way to bring children into the world. The people are doomed. It is only a matter of time. The feeling of doom, I want to stress here, is you are doomed in your current situation. The point of playing, or one of the points of playing the game, is to undoom yourself. If your game master only has you doomed, let's just see how long, like death in space was, right? Let's just see how long you survive. There's no hope at the end. You're going to die. Let's see how long you last. Believe it or not, that is not in the spirit of this game. Game masters, whether you follow what it says in the book, make something new, or, or find other ways to work around it, the goal is to eventually have hope. But the player characters have to work to get to that point. It's not just like, oh, you know, all right, you solved everything by completing one mission. No. No, you have to build up to that through the development levels, through role-playing, through those other things they find in the zone. Maybe making a backup arc. I don't know. Modified body count. Sessions body count can be decreased when the arc's food supply uh, rating increase. Wait. wait. Body count can be decreased? Oh, body count. I'm session okay. body count. The yeah. amount of okay. people who die. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of people. Okay. I was thinking that backward. Good catch. Right. Uh, the session body count can be decreased when the arc's food supply development rating yeah, we, we, we saw that. Yeah. As you go higher in development ratings, you get minus one, minus two, minus three yep. to the roll. On the other hand, the Ark can lose additional ha uh, inhabitants during large-scale attack that we Yeah, that's when the, the whole battle thing happens, and then if, if they don't break on your defenses, some people are going to die. So there you go. We're going we're gonna to leave it there. I, again, I skipped certain parts of this because I, this is kind of drier area of the game. Can we put that on the screen? Yeah, let's put that on the screen. Uh, oops. It's kind of a... Mm, drier area of the game where we didn't have to read every description out there. We didn't have to look at every, uh, uh, you know, I call it domain combat, uh, the, the mass combat siege, siege warfare, just know that it's there and you have options and your game master could have you going out looking for something, meeting some, some, uh, some zone ghouls or well, while the arc is attacked and you come back and like, what the hell happened? Good, you weren't around, you didn't get killed, but now you have to look at there. who died, who lived. Did one of your NPCs that's noted on your character sheet die? You know what, actually I should do this. Let me share the screen. Before we get to the chats, let me share the screen one more time here. And that's page 120, in case I forget. Let's go to the end of the book. As soon as it decides to load. There we go. Come on. Come on. That's a zone log, which this will be next video, but that's the arc type of arc it is the coordinates the coordinates is on the map there uh didn't really look at it but the but the map does have coordinates f21 you sank my battleship i get it okay. yeah right development levels food supply culture technology projects and we know when it's complete it's very simple that's all you need bosses population water source season oh we didn't talk about season uh Yes, uh, was it summer is hot, fall is wet, winter is cold, and I forget what spring is, if I remember correctly. And those are things you have to fight through as you're dealing with zone travel, as you're dealing with the arc. So you're not going to have to deal with hypothermia in July, but you might have to deal with heat stroke. Sure. So, um, one twenty. So, so that's the. Uh, All right. What do well, we have let's for? Let's go to some of the chat here uh rex teal says could there be a mix of both force and scout uh like uh, you make a moat with the help of beasts of burden 
I I believe, and and Max is gonna is gonna yay or nay this. Uh, I I believe the reason it says either or is because the the game mechanics rely on it being based on one of these stats. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I've I've already forgotten if only one character can roll or if all characters involved can roll. I I think I, 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 think, there. I think it's all characters involved yeah. that roll. But but. I, I believe each person can roll either force or scout, depending on which yes. one is higher. Yeah, 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 so, absolutely. So yep. you so you do get kind of a meld. It it depends on on uh on your characters, mm -hmm. your characters in your party. I mean, and after thinking it through, you're right, by the way. Or whatever, your force is gonna be high, everyone's gonna roll force, right? Yep. But if you're all if you're all scouts, well, if you're all like frontier folk, then you're all gonna roll scout because that's your highest stack, that's your highest uh die roll. So you're gonna do it. So, and, yeah, and it is, it is a mixture, but depending on your party. And thinking through clearly here, yeah, every character can roll because those successes turn into the work points. Right, exactly. So, and if your party is all scouts, like he said, you're scouting out great locations. You just find some strong people to get the the rebar revent. Uh, uh, what was it? Yeah, revent. What's it? Shit called the the corrugated metal. Um, the trees palisades roped up uh, whatever you know moat built whatever it happens to be that you're putting in the way you get the strong people to do it you just scout up the locations to, to have it done well yeah and easily and easily yep then we have crafty saying assembly ship upkeep etc all things that i really like about year zero games like coriolis forbidden lands meet year zero it's these things that make it osr for yeah. me domain play and upkeep yeah i mean uh uh hearkening back to first and second edition D D. Uh, that once you reach, you know, between eight and 10th level, each class gets its own type of domain play. You know, you can you know, create your own church or create your own keep or create a thieves guild or whatever, you know, a, a, a laboratory and, and you, you get minions, you get folk who want to learn under you. Yeah. You know, I, so, I, I think forbidden lands does it best, but I really like the, all the years your engine games do it. And yeah. it's, does Vason do it? I, I didn't read that part. I, I purposely okay. did did not read anything to do with the mechanics because it's it's not my problem. Okay. Yeah. Kevin says uh, a GM could extrapolate additional levels on the four charts at thirty one to forty five. You could have improved tech in each area. Same for forty six to sixty. At some point, you could increase your population. That one would be if only if you are on the path of you know, the old man tricked you into creating Eden rather than finding it because he knew Eden was a myth, but myth is necessary to keep everyone alive, but I don't hate you. So we're just going to, you know, build our own Eden. And at that point, when you have a positive or if you can somehow get a, 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 a positive count in, in your population, you basically made it. Yeah, I would make the ability for mutants to have children a very high yeah. number. You know, that, that would be a tech of 60 and a culture yeah. of 30 and a warfare of 20 and what the other one? <laughs> oh, oh uh, food, food, food. food of 30 plus two. Yeah, you would yeah. need all of that to, to come up with the breakthrough of, you know, creating, uh, creating, uh, you know. But that is a perfectly yeah. viable storyline because you sure. fought your way through that. You fought to that point. Look, we got a 60. We're not dealing with the Eden nonsense or, you know, it's it's veracity. We're just, we just want to play, go out in the zone, explore, blah, blah, blah. You you could change your table to do any of that. Absolutely. All right. Next we have point blank. 
Uh, it ain't a post-apocalyptic game till you break out the cannibalism mechanics. That's fair. That is fair. Yeah. <laughs> he's not wrong. Uh, here he is again. Uh, you could definitely do Book of Eli concept in this setting, especially with the searching for Eden aspect. Gary Oldman controlled the arc. He's not wrong. Uh, if, if, you ever, if you've never seen Book of Eli... It is uh, it is uh, Denzel Washington's character who's roaming the land looking for a, a, a place to to drop this knowledge he has, and Gary Oldman is a warlord, and he has he has control of a settlement very arc like where you're you're a scrap town type thing, you know, and his warfare is high, but his food is low and his technology is low, and and he wants this secret thing that Eli has in his possession because he heard it is a civilization maker. Okay. I haven't seen it, so. Yeah. That's why I didn't want to spoil it. I didn't tell you what it was. And Rex Teal says uh, the players are supposed to yes. at least have a chance. Yes. At least have a shot. Yes. Now, dice rolls could go against you. Honestly, if you keep rolling 2d6 and losing 12 people. <laughs> That's what happens, man. I mean, have after a while, if if everyone tries, they, they, they keep rolling boxcars. You got to just let the game master do it, so you have someone to blame that's not your group. <laughs> well, it does say a player. Course at this point, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, now, again, a good game master can find ways of still keeping the uh, the threat up without having to start over. Especially if you're if you're involved, if you've been playing for months. You know, I will say three or four months, and you're already pretty involved. But you just you just know that everything is going difficultly but but moving forward the only problem that you're having is you keep rolling box cars on the people that die the game master can can look at that and say you know what you guys are doing all right i'm not gonna make this easy you don't just get the i win button but this week nobody dies you know or maybe you find a village it only has 10 people in it but you can increase your population yeah, by 10 you people. absorb them into your own yeah and that's great or or if if you actually get uh one of the uh one, one one of the four stats to level four as a bonus as a as a congratulations for good job you have now maxed out this this part of your society uh you only roll a single d6 this time instead of two d6 yeah there's nothing Sorry. wrong with rewarding players as long as you keep the threat and the survival elements there yeah yeah, you don't want to take away the threat. Like the, that's that's the goal. That that's that's the that's the goalpost, right? You don't want to you want them you don't want them to artificially get there, just because they they increased food to thirty. No, no, it still sucks. It just doesn't suck as much. So you know, you're yeah. not gonna die. You're not gonna die starving. But you still got rot, uh, <laughs> zone ghouls, sickness, just general yeah. general infection. Yeah. Which uh, oh, your 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 technology is only ten. Yeah, you don't have antibiotics. Uh, crafty says what happens when you run out of people this oh, group yeah. seek out you could you could do that however you want to handle it personally i'd say you lost you died could do that yep yeah you're done you, you get you need up. to get nervous when the arc gets down down to about half population you really need to be nervous depending on your setting if your setting is you know the heathen dog setting of uh of make your own eden you better hurry up and make that eden yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, cannibalism looks great up until you're at half population. Then it's like, <laughs> eh, do I really want that again? 
I don't think so. No, no. I, I should have done cannibalism earlier. I should have done it earlier. You know, it's now, funny. I'm watching. It's not good. Stone Heaton, I'm watching Stargate Atlantis right now. What was one of the big problems in season one? Hey, they woke up the Wraith thinking that there's a food source out there. Well, guess what? There wasn't. Now the Wraith, they're all like, what? <laughs> so it's Fallout meets Stellaris. Yeah, there you go. All right. Let's, uh, let's end this and let everybody uh, like, subscribe, share. Appreciate you being here. We're going to now talk about zone travel. By the, by the way, if I'm a little bit more hesitant on the arc and the zone travel, it's because I haven't dealt with it as much. So, uh, especially the arc. You don't really deal with that in one shots. All right. This, this, is, this is not for the video. This okay. is just for me. What happens when you find a way to clone people? That means you have technology of 60 plus. Yeah. And all of your other problems are already gone. You've, you've, you've already thought your way out of all the problems. Sorry. You, you don't need to clone people because you figured out how to have babies. You figured it out. Good job. Yep. I mean, you can only clone people if you want to. I want to clone the elder. He's cool. All right, fine. Ooh. Whatever. He just made a good point. Yeah, this is definitely not for the video. So there is a fifth Mutant Year Zero game coming out. So there's Mutant Year Zero. Mutant humans, right? Everybody here in this game, other than the elder, is a mutant. Can't procreate. Mutant Gen Lab Alpha, which is anthropomorphic animals. It was scientific experiments on uplifting animals, and there are certain ones. Hilariously, you know, based on the computer game where you're a boar and a duck, those aren't two options in the game. It's weird. Um, mutant Mechatron robots. Well, you're not procreating with a robot, right? No. Mutant Elysium. On the try, though. <laughs> yeah, well, ask the Japanese. <laughs> uh mutant uh, elysium purebred humans with uh with a list of problems of their own mutant ad astra is it ad astra or ad astrum is supposed to be the next mutant game coming out that they're working on i wonder if that's going to be clones because i can't think i can't think about what they're going to do different like what what do you add into this mix mutant humans mutant animals robots and purebred humans. What else can you add to that mix? The only two things I can think of right now are clones and aliens. I don't know if aliens would fit, though. But, you know, if, if an alien civilization is, is going to slip in under the radar, it's going to be after the post-apocalypse nonsense. Sure. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. And their, their arc is their crashed spaceship. Well, did it crash? I thought it was still Probably. floating. I well, mean, it's, it's an arc, right? If, if, if you want to keep the feel of all the other games, it has to be in disrepair and you have to repair it. And instead of looking for Eden, you're, you're looking for a power supply to get you up out of the out in orbit. So again, that's so much. Mutant Year Zero is that. Mutant Gen Lab Alpha is actually the opposite. It is perfection. Well, that's not attainable. That's stupid. Mutant Elysium is... Uh, not perfection it is um what happens when humans have technology clans it's subversion i, I don't want to use the word degenerate it's uh what's, what's the other word it starts with a d when civilization is decrepit it's um declining de no de degeneracy is yeah. pretty much it yeah um whatever yeah um and then so you so they already have i mean they already have that kind of 
perfection. These each of these, the arc is different. The arc is actually outside in the real world, but all these other ones, I forget what they're called already, but they are actually homes where humans went to hide. Basically, the rich and scientists and so on and so forth went to hide. Like, oh crap, a nuclear war. Let's go there. Let's go inside the mountain. Uh, and that's what you'll find as we go through Mutant Year Zero. Mutant Mechatron was a bunch of robots that were supposed to be slaves to humans. Where have the humans gone? Uh, Mutant Elysium is where the rich and almighty went, oh, you know, to, to be rich and almighty. And well, then they decided to factionalize. So it'd I, be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what Ad Astra does. So anyway, it's going to be clones. Be, everybody looks the same. All your characters must look the same. <laughs> I don't think that would be fun. Hang on, I'll be back in a sec. Okay, sounds good. And Astra means to the stars. No, no, I get that. Yeah, because one of the... Um, I forget what they're called. I don't have my book in front of me. But uh, what one of the the, the foundations, the, the houses, the... Let's see if I can go here. This is page 120. What the hell were they called? I, I think it says it in this book. If not, it certainly says it in Gen Lab Alpha. Zoom in. Oops, zoom in. What are the things called where the humans went and hid? Uh, war breaks out, doing any research for the first time of conflict, everyone tries to save themselves, rich and powerful from monumental projects to escape the surface of dying earth, going deep underground to the bottom of oceans in the cold darkness of space. Yeah. So deep underground, that's Gen Lab Alpha or Elysium. To the bottom of the oceans, that's Mechatron. And there were more than one, by the way. Uh, in fact, Mutant Mechatron is MM7. So that was the seventh one. And into the cold darkness of space. So these seats in the, uh, these seats, sorry, God, I can't read. The seats in these final lifeboats for mankind are desperately few. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of the game. It's already in the lore. It's just interesting to see. Uh, at any point, will you go through the timeline or the product line and what order the games are in? No, probably not. It's not that I don't think it's a good idea. It's just I don't... Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the purpose of that would be for Mutant Year Zero. I mean, because Coriolis... To be fair, Coriolis was technically first, but it was kind of second. When we talk about Coriolis, we're going to find out that's where Free League got its name. Yes, the, the, so as a published adventure, Grey Death does bridge the gap between each book. Yes, yes it does. As a published adventure. But even when you play Mutant Gen Lab Alpha, or Mutant Mechatron, or Mutant Elysium, at the back of the book in the Game Master section, it says, okay, now that the characters are out in the real world, because I've already spoiled that part. Mutant Year Zero is the real world. All these other ones are still locked up in their enclaves somehow. That's the word I was looking for, enclave. Uh, they're, they're locked up in their enclaves. Unfortunately, in order to stop whatever problem is happening within that enclave, they have to free themselves for whatever reason. Under weird control, found out that they're prisoners being blasted by robots, a robot that's whose dome is breaking, whatever. Um, so ultimately, they all come out into Mutant Year Zero World, and there are plenty of options given in the books, plus you can use your own imagination to figure out what they would be doing when they get out there but yes i do have gray death i've skimmed through it i have not read through it that was a while ago but it does bridge the gap you see them as three different games now they're, they're prequels 
I mean, you can play them as different games, absolutely, but uh, they're prequels. Mutant Year Zero is like the mainline game. Mutant Gen Lab Alpha, Mutant Mechatron, Mutant Elysium, and Mutant Ad Astra, if they come out with that, those are, those are prequels. You actually play those before you play Mutant Year Zero, if you want the robots and mutant animals in the game. Now, if you've already done the prequel stories, we'll call them, out of Elysium, Mechatron, and Gen Lab Alpha, there's no point in doing that. You don't have to. You already know what that story is. But those stories are about the escape from their quote-unquote perfect society. All right, I'm back. Yeah, I don't know, Crafty. I don't think that Mechatron sells. I, I, I don't know because, uh, yeah, it's weird. So, all right, yeah, I was, I was kind of giving them a little rundown of uh, the differences between the games where you're going. Okay. So it's on my screen properly this time. Zone travel. All right. And once again, we are going to be skipping sections of this. It's ready here. All right, for the second part, for the last video in the Mutant Year Zero series, deep dive series, that is, maybe I'll make uh, specific ones later, we are going to finish up talking about zone travel. Now, I'm not going to talk about the Game Master section of the book. We're not going to talk about artifacts. I wanted to present the player's portion of the book. One, because I could talk about this game for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. We did. We, we Yeah, we did. Uh, but... When you start to consider that I'm going to be, I'm going to have three weeks worth of Gen Lab Alpha, not five or six. It's going to be three, I think, of Gen Lab Alpha, Mutant, uh, Mechatron, and Elysium. This is a pretty big series as it is. So, uh, yeah, I, if you at this point you either know that it's something you're interested in, probably want to get the book, or or you don't. Hopefully, you're still watching the video though. Either way, <laughs> but. Uh, but there are also a lot of spoilers in there. A lot of tidbits of information would be hard for me to skip because it is the Game Master section. And it actually irks me that the Game Master section is written in a book that players would buy. Because I yeah, think that adds extra needless work to a Game Master because the story is fantastic. But now the players have all the access to it and don't think that they're not going to page through and read. That's just dumb. Yeah. Um, maybe cut the equipment section out and put it into the main book, but whatever. Anyway, so... So I'm not going to cover a lot of that. So there's some nuance. So a lot of the stuff like that heathen dog has been saying that might look like there's frustration on my face. It's not frustration at him. It's frustration that I know that the answer's there, but it's going to be a spoiler for you guys. And I don't want to do that because I think that you should be able to play the game as it's written. And I don't want to give that away. And the same will be true for Gen Lab Alpha, Mechatron, and Elysium. Also with those games, I won't be covering the stuff that's directly the same here. I'm going to point you back to, oh, you want to know how to do combat? Go read Mutant Year Zero. We'll just talk about the changes. So those are going to be shorter, but it's still going to be three weeks each. So that means we've got 12 weeks left, no, nine weeks left of just Mutant Year Zero content. So, so we're going to end this up today in, with zone travel, which is when we looked at that map, those little squares that were on the map. Before we do that, I've got a little something to tell you. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. The focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of Hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. 
The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. Join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash legionofmyth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Chill Stream, where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Please like this video and leave a comment to appease the algorithm gods. Share this video on your favorite social media platforms to help us peer out of the shadows cast over us. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to Legion Myth for more tabletop RPG goodness. All right, let's get this off the screen here and present the zone travel. Share. Boom. There we go. Zone travel. Some of this I'm going to read, some of this uh, we're going to skip over because there, there are lots of, uh, we'll call them broad examples in here that I don't think need to be covered. Uh, the zone, the wasteland surrounding the Ark is a labyrinth of decaying ruins and dark forest. It is a vast mass grave full of crumbling monuments to the ancients' hubris and arrogance. And yet, you have one in your Ark. Oh, actually I want to read this comment. It's right, it is apropos right now. These games seem to have an issue with once you've played them, you know the quote-unquote hidden truth that learning through play is a big part of playing the game. The first time you play through, yes, yes, I agree. But I think that that first time you play through is absolutely amazing. After that, when you get up to here, when you get to the mutant year zero point of the game, which is again what I consider the main game, the real world, uh, where everything else is a prequel to it, you can handle it how you want. I absolutely feel you should play through the story, if you want to call it that, the proper way once, just to see how it was written. Tweak it if you have to, because you know things go off the rails. But it absolutely is a great way of putting it together. What is going on here? What? Um. So, sorry about that. Okay, so. Yeah, so as far as the uh, learning the hidden truth, but you can do it differently after the fact. You can run it as just a survival game, more like Forbidden Lands, another freely game which we'll cover after Coriolis. So there are options, but I really did enjoy the story. I'll throw one last thing out there before I go back to reading this. Coriolis, the mystery of the icons. I think it's fantastic. However, by the time you get done with it, what it does to the Third Horizon... This is, again, another uh, Coriolis, another free league game. I don't want to play in that. <laughs> I would love to play through it and then end and go back to the way it was beforehand and play with that type of intrigue, not how it ended up. But you could just continue playing the game you, with all that new history that's involved. Something more relative to Heathen Dog and me. Earth Dawn Change. First edition history is different than the fourth edition history. There's a big war in between there. Things happen between the Therns no longer control certain aspects. You pick where you want to play and how you want to play it. But I do feel that for the Year Zero engine games, uh, sorry, for Mutant Year Zero, you should play through at least the spirit of the story one time. And then after that, do what you want. It's absolutely replayable because the zone changes. 
Hope that makes sense. All right. Out there, feral savages and mutated monsters roam, and if you're lucky enough to survive the beast, the invisible lethal rot will sooner or later kill you. We really didn't talk a lot about rot. No. Uh, we just went into it a moment last week when we, when we were in the combat section. But uh, yeah, remember, there's permanent rot, which when what happens when you're full up on permanent rot? You are no longer a player character. Um, zone map. First thing you do before starting your campaign is define your zone. Create your own zone based on your hometown or any suitable metro, uh, metropolitan area. That's why the oil rig does work. You, you, can, you can find something, you know, to fit in. I just thought it was weird. Uh, or use one of the two pre-made zones described in this chapter with maps on the inside cover of the book. And I think one of them is New York City, if I remember correctly. So the zone, oh, sorry, the zone map is a central component of the game at the start of the game. Most of the zone map is empty. During the course of play, you will fill it in with content. This is another thing that Free League does really well. It gives you a blank map and says, figure it out. Oh, yeah, the elves are up here. Rockles are down there. Technology is right about here. Whatever. But from that point forward, when you enter an area, I know I'm speaking some forbidden lands there, but when you enter an area, well, what's there? I don't know. Let's roll. You could be right next door to another village. How, how do we not know that they were there? Well, because you didn't explore that location. Or you might be next to nothing but crap. Who built the ark here? You know, the elder so did it burn him burn him there you go <laughs> yeah so uh you can make notes directly on the map itself or use the zone log why would i write on the map because you can buy new ones they're just paper maps and part of especially with forbidden lands but even with mutant year zero is the idea of filling up a map looking at all the things that you did on there all the things you discovered and then when if you play again see how the map changed how how things showed up differently there you also find a template that you can use to draw your own zone maps Sectors. Each zone map has a grid overlay, the squares that we talked about. Each square in the grid is called a sector. Probably should have used that term, but I didn't. A sector is roughly one square mile in size. The map, as well as the sector, is not only a tool for the players, both are used by the people, too. Stalkers have divided the map into sectors to help exploration, and they draw new things on the map as they explore the zone further. Now I'm skipping the examples zone one and two. Um, so here's an empty map, and you start scribbling things in there as uh, as they see fit or as they come across. Now, some things can be hard coded in. I actually think that uh, the stuff you see on here is I forget, but uh, the dead apple. Yeah, that's New York City. That's the other map. That just sucks. That's too much water. <laughs> I don't want to live there. Everything's gonna be wet, nasty. Zone travel. All right. Trekking into the zone is not a venture to be undertaken lightly. Prepare yourselves well. Game masters, let them, through the proper mechanics of the game, prepare themselves well. You don't have to screw them over. Now, I wouldn't give them anything. Dude, you have two bullets. That means you can buy two grub. That's it. Sorry, but you don't have a lot of food in the city. Maybe you need to build up your food sources before you uh, do that. Well, then we'll just sit here and wait till I can have more. Well, every day, then, somebody's going to die. You've, your goal is to move, and you have to struggle. You're going to be struggling at first. Oh, then it's easy after that? Not necessarily. No, no you're on the struggle bus for the rest of your life. It's just that, how, how good are your shocks? 
Exactly. That's pretty much it. And what you're struggling over today might not be what you're struggling over tomorrow. Think about it. today you're struggling over did you get a point of grub? You know, six months from now you're struggling over the people you pissed off they're coming to attack you. Plan where you want to go and how long you'll be gone for carefully. Bring plenty of grub, clean water, and bullets. Yeah, especially if, if you're in New York, like, look at all that water. Yeah, man, you don't want it. You don't want that water. That's not, that, that water's not for you. Yeah, well, everything in the game is rot-filled. Everything is infected by the rot. That's why you need, uh, is it the scavenger? I think it's a scavenger that can find you clean food and water or make you food, clean food and water. So, right, he, oh, it's salt water. No, that isn't salt water. That's mutated goo algae, glowing phosphorescent algae water. Yeah, no good. Bad, bad stuff. <laughs> so that's, that's three, three eyeball fish water. <laughs> Weapons, preferably firearms, are a given. But remember, what happens every time you shoot? You, you shoot away money. <laughs> yeah. every, every time you fire a bullet, you may have saved your life, but you might not eat tomorrow. So <laughs> exactly. You got you to gotta weigh that. I would get really good at melee weapons <laughs> get really good at that weapons preferably firearms are given if you can have a gearhead make you some rot suits they won't make you immune to the rot but they can help a little if you can find a rot eater uh, that's a, that's a mutation type to bring along that's a big bonus and finally the most obvious advice of all never walk into a zone without a stalker to lead the way the game is made so everyone would want to be as diverse as possible. Yes. Because ev whenever you walk into a zone, you are literally walking into the unknown. You have no idea what is going to be needed to survive. So you want as much choices as possible. Yes. And to do that, you take as many classes as possible with you. Yes. But for all enforcers, we can beat everything up. Uh, not everything yeah, needs to be beat up. You're going to die of food or no water or spike traps or whatever, man. Yep. Yeah, you have you have like 18 Achilles heels. Exactly. Exactly. And and at the same time, remember, and I say this over and over again because even the book says it. Game Master, there's no reason to screw over the players by adding in extra difficulty. No. The Let the natural difficulty of the game express itself. All right. Uh each time you enter a new sector, your stalker can roll to find path. If you have several stalkers, only one of them may roll. If the terrain is very difficult, the GM can make you roll to endure just to get into the next sector. Hmm. We talked about that last week, and when we talked about skills, both the days you weren't here. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what are they talking about? No. Um, uh, each time you explore, or each time you enter a sector, you generally need to explore it. Yes, that means the GM describes the general terrain and any prominent ruins or other landmarks. You tell her what you want to take a closer look at or what you want to avoid. In a new sector, you can also run into all kinds of threats, but also find priceless artifacts. Remember, this is what your scavenger, uh, scavenger, their stalker is for. Mm -hmm. Your stalker can make a roll to find out how bad it is. But remember, one role is to determine the threats in the zone. The other one is to find artifacts. Well, it, sorry, it's a talent. If you're just looking for artifacts, you are not going to find the threats in the zone. It, I think it's better just do the generic one and hope you stumble across the artifacts. But you know, your mileage may vary. A typical sector takes four hours to explore, including any encounters. 
This might seem like a long time, but bear in mind the zone is a twisted maze of overgrown ruins, and it's one mile. It's mile. It's by a mile one square. mile. And yeah, that's the four hours is actually pretty generous. Yeah, exactly. As you know, if you're talking rundown buildings, you know, roads with holes in them, uh, you know, all all types of just dilapidation, tetanus waiting at every turn. Yeah. Wait, wait. Uh, what's your technology level? Arc ten. Yeah, tetanus waiting at every turn. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You need to proceed very carefully. Sectors with especially difficult terrain can take even longer to explore. Well, fairly open sectors can be explored in half the time. The GM has the final call, and it talks about that in the GM section of the book. The Stalker. You notice this keeps coming up now. The Stalker. Mm-hmm. A Stalker who finds the path. That's the skill used. Remember, that's a specialty skill. So only the Stalker only gets stalker it. Stalker has it, yeah. Yep can use a stunt to reduce the time it takes to explore a sector by half, typically from four to two hours. He can also rush you through a sector in quarter the time and avoid all threats. But you will miss any artifacts, grub, or clean water in the sector. That's basically, look, we just want to, we're trying to get three sectors over. We need to get there quickly. We don't care what's here. Let's go. He makes the roll. You're good. Doesn't make the roll. Well, you're push it, asshole. Push it. Um, vehicles. If you're traveling in a vehicle, the time it takes to explore a sector is also cut in half, sort of. This effect is cumulative with the stalker's stunts, meaning a mounted stalker can use a stunt to explore a typical sector in one hour and rush to the same sector in about 30 minutes. However, very difficult terrain can make it impossible to use a vehicle. By the way, lots of uh, sectors are impossible. Yeah, for for example, uh, all the the uh, picture of New York. To get in and out of Manhattan, guess what you got to do? Take a bridge or a tunnel. Tunnel? I don't recommend it. Those <laughs> pumps stopped working a long time ago. Bridges? Eh, they can be out. And travel can be literally impossible in a vehicle. You're going to have to swim. Bridges? I'm from Minnesota. I-35 bridge is something I drove across, across a lot. For those who don't remember that crashing, like what, 15 years ago or however long ago it was. Structural failure. It doesn't happen all the time, but it does after about 100 years of no maintenance. Yeah, as you say, yeah, with no maintenance on it, that might (laughs) just happen all all the time. time. Yeah, yeah. So even a bridge that looks pretty sturdy. Oh, it stayed up this long only because you haven't sneezed on it. Yeah, right. it's you shaking it. It's like it's like that Seattle bridge. Was it from the seventies or whatever it was? Yeah, it was. It was all twisted like this (laughs) in the in a in a light breeze. Yeah. Uh, nighttime only fools so me would travel in a zone at night all exploration takes twice as long in the dark and zone ghouls and other predators tend to stalk the zone in great numbers at night so why would you explore at night i got nothing it's because you hey i can see in the dark you're the one person who can (laughs) all right a stalker can use stunts to find grub and rot-free water in the zone. Water will most likely be plentiful in the zone, depending on where in the world it's located, but almost all water is con- contaminated by the rot. Don't forget, you must eat and drink every day to avoid trauma. Here's a question for you, Heathen Dog. Why wouldn't you just have an entire party of stalkers? Okay, well, a lot of times here, only one person gets to make the role for these important things. So you would only need one good stalker. And, and again, if you are all the same class, you have a whole bunch of weaknesses in your, in your gameplay as a group, and you're going to be killed by something else. You know, uh, sure, 
yeah, everyone can find grub and water and it's all great. And everyone knows exactly how this land works. But the, the first time you go, you come across some kind of uh, rot diseased animal or former humanoid and you have to fight, you know, you're, you're, he's, he's clawing you to death and you're in a slap fight, you know, like you need an enforcer for stuff like that. You need a gearhead for the, for, for the gear to survive the rot that is out there. Even though your stalker can navigate you around the worst of it, there's still some of it. You're going to need that added protection. And then the other classes bring other things to the table, but yeah. How many, how many stalkers would you want in, let's say it's a party of, uh, of six, of six, five, one game master, five players. How, how many stalkers okay. would you want? One, two, three, four, five. Uh, if it's a party of five players, I'd want one or two. If it's a party of six or seven, I'd want two. But uh, yeah, that's that's the max. I, I would want two. Three is the ultimate max because then you start. After that, you start, you know, uh, competing with each other more than helping each other. But I'd want one, uh, definitely one, and maybe even two. Even at a table of five, probably two. Uh, because they, they can do different things, sure. especially to start the game. Now, maybe after your stalker is built up and they start overlapping skills and talents more. Yeah. yeah that one can fade away and, you know, something else can come in, but I would want, I would suggest two stalkers and a gearhead to start. But, uh, all right. Oh, uh, we're, oh, grub. A stalker can use stunts to find grub and rot through water. Water will most likely be plentiful in the zone. Oh, oh sorry. Where is it? Oh Yeah. Don't forget that you must eat and drink every day to avoid trauma. Every day. It's one a day. So when you have explored a sector, you don't need to explore it again if you return. That's important. Once you've been there, you can just drive through it. You now know your way through the sector and can pass quite quickly. There is an exception to that because somebody's going to say it. What if you just skip it? No, you, you have to explore it. If you just even go if through, the, even if it's the quickie explore where you don't find it, where you don't have a chance to find grub, water, or artifacts, it's still you mapped it, you know the road, take the road. You at That's least it. know how to get through it, yeah. Yeah. As a rule, there are no threats or artifacts in sectors that are previously explored, but the gym's free to break the rule. And I would break that rule if you did the quickie version mm-hmm. the next time you go through. Um, the stalker can use his skill find the path to look for artifacts bullets grub and clean water in a previously explored sector as long as the gem de- 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 teams deems there's more to find so that goes back to what we were just saying if you just go through that quickie method there's still stuff there right yeah scouting from a lookout point one of the best things a stalker can find in the zone apart from artifacts is an elevated position from which to watch nearby sectors a normal ruined building is not enough it needs to be a tower skyscraper or bridge from such a lookout the stalker can view adjacent sectors and explore them he can roll to find the path in the sector he scouts at little or no risk i thought there's a caveat to that uh only one roll is allowed per sector and uh, and lookout post but the stalker is allowed to roll again when he actually enters a sector the stock the stalker Oh my god. Stalker can, if nothing blocks his view, roll to explore all eight adjacent sectors. Remember, they're squares, so there's eight around it. For some reason, I thought that there was an exception to that. Like, uh, Anyway, let's move on. How the GM handles zone travel and creates the environment that the PC's explorers discussed further. Alright, zone expedition is something beyond just a minor journey through a zone. It is a bigger project that involves the entire people. This is, zone expedition is something, we skipped it, but it was in you know, might have scrolled by it last video. To undertake a zone expedition is therefore a decision that must be taken at an assembly. See the previous video or 
That is. When a zone expedition is undertaken, the assembly must first agree on its goal. In game terms, it always be to increase one of the four development ratings of the arc. Grub, culture, technology, or defense. More than half of the players in the group must be in agreement. If not, the expedition doesn't happen. Players, just, just agree. Because, you know, just come to compromise. You know what? We'll do Heathen Dogs today and we'll do mine tomorrow. Or at least that's what he tells me. We do Heathen Dogs today and then we do Heathen Dogs tomorrow. And then we do Heathen Dogs on Thursday. And then finally I leave the group and say, screw you guys. <laughs> and finally, everyone just does what I say without the, all the constant slowy bitching. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh... When assembly is agreed on the goal of the expedition, you need to decide on the target location. Choose a sector on the zone map and what the people believe it contains. To select the target sector, you must first pick a starting sector. The starting sector must be one that has been explored previously by the PCs, but it must also be located next to an unexplored sector. If no sectors, uh, whatever. Then so we'll so you, you have to get the horse to water. Yes, you have to lead the horse to water, and then after that, you have to see if they'll drink the rot-infested water. Yep. Then roll 2d6. The result indicates the distance in sectors between the starting sector and the target sector in a straight line into unexplored zone territory. Decide together in the group exactly where the target sector is located. This rule has always blown my mind, and since I've never actually seen it in practice because of how I played, I don't know how it works in the game. But it seems weird. We want to explore here, okay? We've actually explored all this in here, so we can get to this point. It's literally only two sectors away. Yeah, but I rolled a 12 on my 2d6, so you have to travel 12 sectors to get there. It's a big you-can't-get-there-from-here type thing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, finally decide what kind of rune or other structure that people believe is in the target sector. Okay, It needs to be something they that always can be believe it's Eden. God dang it. Not everything is Eden, but it could be Eden. Yeah, but it could also be your mama. Shut up. My mom is that fat? Your yes. mama's so fat, she is Eden. They ate her to create Eden. Yep. Uh, remember, cannibalism. It's there. It's your Don't friend. have to lose that. That's how you lose one person out of a D6. Just your mama, because she's so fat. She's so fat, she's the only person lost to cannibalism. <laughs> um, you, some examples are for grub you can find old supermarket a lush valley overgrown farm culture a museum library movie theater technology factory workshop airplane wreck and defense military base stockpile of explosives or just shelter expeditions with pcs if pcs join expedition play it out using the normal zone travel rules so what does this uh, previous part say before we even read on that means you're sending them out to the slaughter Hey, well, we're going down this way to explore this zone over here because it's the next place we want to explore. We actually have the people of the zone checking out that area up there. Why would you do that? Why would you risk the people for that? Would you risk the people for that? Sure. Would you? Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, these things have to get done. And the quicker we get them done, the better it is for everyone who survives. So. That's how it works. Okay. You have to sacrifice the few for the for the good of the many. I, I would do it as well. I wouldn't do it right away though. I, I would well, do no, it. No, I would do it sooner than later because your population's dwindling, right? You start it out, you start the risky stuff sooner. In in my mind. You know, you you do you do cannibalism when you're closer to two hundred than not. You you do these <laughs> zone expeditions when you're closer to two hundred than not. You take all the risks early on for the big payout. And then you play it safe. 
that that's mm. how I would do it. I I mean that's it makes sense. I don't know. I I see it both ways. Like I would rather build up a little bit of internal infrastructure and technology to make that travel and explore a little bit outside here before we just start sending people out. You go that way, you go that way, you go that way. But you know, again, your mileage may vary on that. Um, if Crafty says, sounds like if you do not have a stalker, the party's kind of screwed. No, I, well, I started that. Come on, man. Oh, did you? Okay. Sorry, I can't see the star. I'll, I'll answer that later. It's not that cut and dry. The other expedition members are NPCs. If you reach the target sector, the GM decides whether it actually contains what the people believed. So is it your mama? If so, the chosen development rating increases by 2d6 when and if the expedition returns to the art and if returns with its loot. So if it is your mama, you might actually come back with 2d6 development levels for food. Yep. So wait, you have to guess right to get anything? Yeah. Well, you, you, you can't just find stuff. Like, I didn't know this was there, but, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you absolutely can just find stuff. Yes, that's uh, that's part of the stalkers know the zone rule. You can find artifacts, and but you have to specifically do this. If you're sending an expedition out, you're basically saying, hey, you you weirdos, you go through the Stargate and tell us what's there. We think it's this, but eh. We know it's next to the gate. We don't know what's uh, what's actually, you know, deeper in there. And maybe, maybe it was a supermarket. Maybe I heard of a supermarket. Hey, didn't we see that there was a 7-Eleven? written on some scroll <laughs> at some point you know didn't didn't he say that up in the northern corner that he used to buy these weird smoky sticks and sweet drinks i think we should go check out that corner there might be some stuff there who knows you know you, you can do something like that and then send them that way and then come back with grubber they'll die or cigarettes or cigarettes yes yeah which can be traded for what who knows that's culture right there, baby. Yeah, that's culture. <laughs> if no PC joins the expedition, it simply leaves and is handled in a summary fashion. Make a note of what the target development rating and target sector of the expedition is. In the next ses session, session that means that takes some time to get there, roll a D6 on the table below at any convenient time. One or a few survivors stagger back to the Ark. They're hurt, exhausted, unhinged, or all of the above. The GM decides what has happened to the expedition and if someone or something has followed the survivors back to the Ark. Come on, man. That's a biohazard. You know something followed them back. Of course. You know, you, you, you didn't teach them to, to make a whole bunch of left turns. Everything, you know, it all came back. It all came back. It sucks. Now, with the max is the expedition returns a triumph. Woohoo! It's mission accomplished and the chosen development rating is increased by 2d6. 1d6. Wait, 1d6 expedition members have been lost along the way. Okay, so uh, every expedition, even one that is completely successful, you still lost a D6 of people. See, that's why early on, you do this early, you make the big plays early, and then play it safe. Artifacts. Items from the old age that still work or can provide the people with useful knowledge are the single most important reason to venture into the zone. If you find a powerful artifact, you will be praised as a hero in the Ark, but also envied by many. Um, well, they this, only envy me because I have nine wives, but whatever. Yeah, it's fine. Well, those are your nine artifacts. <laughs> those are my nine artifacts. Uh, this is where, this is part of where that uh, dichotomy comes in of, do you give it to the Chroniclers? Or do you keep it for your own use? 
you're going to want to keep them all for your own use. Sure. But what's that going to do? If you start doing that, you start looking like a dick. Well, and what happens to the arc or what doesn't happen to the arc? Yeah, it, it, you, you don't get any development points for it. Yeah. And if you do start to look like a dick, too much of a dick, again, Game Masters, don't mess with the players day one. But the, the, the bosses are going to want you to use that for them. And if you say no, well, they're going to they're gonna take action. They're going to do some stuff. And bosses have a little bit. minions and yeah. enforcers. And, yeah. Uh, you're they're, a party of stalkers, so all you can do is run away. Right. You can do it really well, though. Oh, yeah, fair. Don't come back. No. no. Um, finding artifacts. You can find artifacts by searching the sectors of the zone. When the GM says you have found an artifact, draw an artifact card or roll on the table. Yes, it is random. Or the GM can decide what artifact you find if he wants to. Yeah, if it's Unless, part of a plot he's developing, then you'll find a specific artifact. Yep. You just read the rest of that paragraph, so I'll move on. Oh. Comprehending artifacts. You, I'm going to skip some of this. It's getting a little bit too much for me. It's getting a little bit too much into, you know, what do you do with them? Look, play the game. You have options with the artifacts, okay? Unless you really want to know how to comprehend them. The rot. Some say the rot is the lingering effect of the ancients' weapons of mass destruction. Others say it's the result of some experiment gone horribly wrong. How about all of the above? Spoiler! Um, maybe it was just nature's revenge on the human race for consuming the Earth's natural resources too greedily. Oh, yeah. No, this is no M. Night Shyamalamalakum nonsense here. <laughs> the whispering or the happening or the treeening, whatever you want to freaking <laughs> call it. No, it's not that. Just it, just go ahead and, and erase this from your book. Whiteout is made for a reason. This is one of the reasons. Get whatever, rid of the shamalamalakum. Don't do it. Whatever the reason is, the rot exists. Whatever the reason is, it's not that one. It's, it's it, the the rot exists. Who cares why the rot exists? It was because of eating your mama. There you go. See, see, she came with baggage. <laughs> she she came with chlamydia. She's your mama. You should have known. For you, for the people, it makes no difference. All you know, all you need to know is that the rot kills. It's out there everywhere. It's stronger in some places, weaker in others. The effects of the rot are unpredictable. That is true. It can be anything from shivers and a, and a fever to hair loss and vomiting blood. That last one's kind of bad. Yeah. Hair loss, I'm already experiencing that. Screw you, I don't care. But vomiting you have the blood, rot. That's that's a that's a flag. <laughs> said, he said it here first. Heathen dog has one permanent rot. There you go. The worst thing about the rot is that it permeates your body and builds up inside you over time. That's why there's a rot meter on the character sheet. Mm -hmm. When you are contaminated by the rot, you suffer rot points. Mark them in the check boxes on your character sheet until you get permanent rot. Then you turn the check mark into a nice big X. Every sector in the zone has a rot level from zero and up. Up is bad, by the way. When you go into a new sector or zone, you will usually not know the rot level. So be careful and make sure you can get out quickly if you need to. And when you learn the rot level, don't forget to note it down on the zone map or zone log, especially if it's, I don't know, three. Yeah, that would suck. It really levels... goes up fast. I mean, it, it, it goes from zero to 100 really fast on this chart here. Really, it's just zero to three. That's how fast. That's a lot yeah. faster than zero to 100. Well, I know, but you know, you know what I mean, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Well, this determines this determines how frequently you take rot points. Oh, okay. So, hey, guess what? Your arc 
is located in a zone oasis. Awesome. Well, you'd hope. <laughs> like, like, wouldn't it be great to start your art in a hot, hot spot? No. Yeah. No, no, it's great. Uh, your 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 body count is two d six plus one. Two d six. No, two d six times two d six. If it's in a hot spot, you may as well oh, just in a hot spot. Yeah. So a weak rot in these sectors, you get one rot point every day. So when you uh, explore, uh, you'll get uh, you'll get one rot point going through that sector. But it's only four hours. So you're gonna get a you're gonna get a rot point for going through that sector because you spent uh, spent time there and you explored it. Strong rot, one rot point every hour. That means that, in normal exploration, you get four rot points for that. Yeah. Now remember, rot eaters can help get rid of it, and the rot suits can help uh, slow it down. And there are things you, and you can wash yourself. You know where you should not wash yourself? In the in the water in a rot two uh, or level two zone. Yeah, it's probably a bad idea. That's that's just adding rot to the rot. <laughs> and then finally, hot spot. Here you will die quickly. It just pretty much tells you. Yeah. You get one rot point every minute. Minute. That's bad. How do you make it through that zone? You don't. You there leave. you go. What you do you do out. on the map? You put put a giant red X on that place saying, nope, not going there. Big stop sign. <laughs> rot attack. You can also get rot points from individual events or actions in the zone, such as consuming contaminated grub or drink. Sure. Wading through rot water. Remember what I just said a moment ago? Yep. Cleaning yourself is great, but not if the water is, you know, rot filled. Or coming into contact with contaminated creatures such as rot ghouls. In these situations, you suffer one or more rot points directly. This is called a rot attack. Eating or drinking one ration of contaminated grub or water will typically give you one rot point. So you're out of grub and you found or you killed. I don't care because, you know, somebody say found it's contaminated food. Who cares? You kill a bunny. And you're going to eat it. It was in a rot two zone. Guess what that bunny has? It has rot. Yeah. Poor bunny. Affects the rot. Every time you suffer a rot point, you must immediately roll a number of base dice equal to the total amount of rot points. That sounds good, right? So, if you have seven rot, you're rolling seven Seven dice. dice. Seven base dice. Why does that matter? I don't know. Uh, Because, uh, actually no you know what now that i think about it it might not matter here i might have just uh, said, almost spoken incorrectly let's keep on for every one that's a one you roll you suffer one point of damage which is as we talked about last week trauma to strength i don't like that gearhead okay rot suits gearheads can construct primitive rot suits from bits of scrap typically they provide a protection rating of three against the rot this means you get to roll three gear dice every time you suffer a rot point if you roll one or more successes, the suit absorbs the rot point. Hey, good suit. But for, for every every boom boom you roll, the protection rating decreases by one step. This can be repaired just like any piece of decontamination when you're back in the ark or take refuge in other rot free area. One rot point will leave your body every day. Oh, that's nice. Just goes away. The pounds just melt away. There you go. I must, I must, I must decrease my rot. Okay, that didn't work. No. Uh, Half of your rot points go away immediately. 
Wait, oh, I'm sorry. No, if you wash, wash your, body your body in clean water, half your rot points go away. Yeah, the only problem is that water is now not clean. Well, dump it over the side of the the fence or throw it on that boss you don't like. Actually, no, no. Look at the small child that that is dying of dehydration while you put it over the fence. Do that. Heathen Dog is prepared for this whole post-apocalyptic thing, but not in the good way. <laughs> no, not in a good way. <laughs> Permanent rot points. Here we go. When you are contaminated by the rot, there is a risk it will stay in your body forever. Like, like Heathen like Dog's like one point. Yeah. <laughs> like Moscow video. Every time you're about to lose one rot point, roll one base die. If you roll a one, that rot point stays. And it's like herpes becomes permanent mark this on your character sheet usually just fill in the circle scribble that thing in or you put an x permanent rot points stay for the rest of your life no matter how hard you scrub yourself permanent rot points cannot be used by the rot eater mutation it's just bad permanent how many permanent rot points can you have before you uh turn into a zone mutant 10 10 okay uh, oh, oh, just so everybody knows, we're we're talking about moms and chlamydia and stuff. You know, it's just an example. But as a more specific example, because uh, Max brought up herpes, if uh, if a girl ever says it's not herpes, it's a cold sore, <laughs> run away, run away. She has both. Run away. Oh, she yeah, cold sores are herpes. It's the same thing. It's herpes of the mouth. Run away. Pro tip. There you go. All right, moving on. So that's it. We talked about rot. Uh, there's really not much else to know about the zone travel. That uh, you know is the rest of it's in the game master section, chapter nine and beyond, which I think goes to like chapter sixteen. Is all game mastery stuff. Wow. Uh, I'm not going to scroll through it all, but I'm going to scroll through some of it just to get an idea. Hope never dies. That's an important one. Yeah. Well. Okay. So. Tells them how to handle the arc and so forth. You know, if you want to pause here and get some secrets, you can. Zone ghouls, they look uh, like, uh, well, they remind me of Tuscan Raiders, but. I want Somebody to be call a zone ghoul when I grow up. They don't really? have to worry about rot anymore. <laughs> can I? Okay, you can play a zone ghoul as soon as I'm allowed to play a Nafan. Oh, no, a Marauder. Uh, okay, so both Never? of our dreams are dashed. Yeah, right uh anyway so let's look one last time at the sheets at the back of the book come on you can download these just in pdfs from the free league site or from the legion of myth webpage also i have uh character sheets there and oh it's this oh these are items you can find yeah yeah this is awesome toothbrush i saw that yeah, where's where's the roll? Okay, roll D six six six. Really? Go. Well, yeah, because everything in the game is six siders. So, the, oh right, so you roll three sixes and there you go. What? Call. Oh, low, oh 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 oh, and don't add them up. No, low, medium, high. Low, yeah, yeah, and then it, it becomes if you roll all ones, it becomes one or eleven. If you roll all sixes, it becomes six six six. Okay, there you go. Wait, wait, wait. Just for funsies, what is the six 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 item? <laughs> it is i don't know yo-yo it's a blunt instrument unbelievable a yo-yo that that is a waste that is a waste of a good pun come on 
<laughs> That's awful. Well, a 613 is a towel marked Sheridan. Oh, 665. Yellowed copy of Mutant Chronicles RPG. Mutant Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Hey, we covered that at the beginning of the year. Yes, we did. All right, so one last time, we'll take a look at the character sheet here. It's empty, of course. Uh, again, you can go through my character creation video to learn how to create a character, and that is curated, so that is a video that stays on point the entire time. Strength and Jilly Wits, got your circles over here, name, role, appearance, talents, got your conditions, starving, dehydrated, hypothermic, sleepless, yep. All your skills, you'll add in your extra one down here. Remember, only characters of a certain role can learn the specialty skills. You'll have your gear. Do you remember how gear works, how many lines of gear you can have? Uh, it's your strength times two. Oh, okay. Got it. So that's why it goes up to 10. Count your bullets down here, which is your money. Write your mutations in there. How many mutation points you have. Remember, you start every session with a mutation point. Armor, weapons, relationships. This is why you build your characters. Oh, I said build. Sorry, the old geek. Uh, this is why you make your characters together. Because you are going to have a relationship with every other character in the game. And you're also going to create your arc. You're going to create all these things together. So... You create your character together. You're going to have somebody you hate. That is an NPC. Somebody you need to protect. Well, it doesn't have to be somebody. It can be somebody or something you need to protect. That should also be an NPC. And you're going to have a big dream. We didn't really talk about that. Watch character creation video for more. But you've got these role-playing aspects for your characters. Obviously, Heathen Dog's big dream was to have nine wives. There you go. That's basically his min uh, win condition. And I People need to protect them all. It sucks. <laughs> there you go. Uh, people you've met. Roll means all of the bad husbands. All of the all the bad. All of the husbands that are that are super angry right now. There you go. Den, this is your house. Your house. Oh my god, I turned Canadian. Um, this is your house. This is a place that uh, where you uh, where you live. Uh, it's your description and your gear. You can stash gear in there. Obviously, you can't carry it all with you because you'd be encumbered every session. But you can have some stuff back here. Tiny items, those are items that don't take up encumbrance. And there you go. Black and white version of it to, for easier printing. Uh, what is this? Arc sheet. Food supply. We already looked at that at the beginning of last video. And, oh, zone travel. Here we go. Coordinates. That's on the map. Type of terrain that's there. Rot level. Want to know that. Threat. What threats are there? Maybe you fought some zone ghouls. Maybe the zone ghouls are still there. Maybe you chose not to fight them. Remember, you don't have to... Your, your job in this game isn't to clear out every zone. No. Exploring and murder hoboing are two different things. You don't need it. And uh, I am going to... Uh, I want to start that one. And then you can add your own comments, and then there's the black and white version. That's it. So... Do you have any final questions before we go read through the chats? Do you have any final questions about Mutant Year Zero? Next no. week. Well, maybe next week. <laughs> Depends on what goes on with Palladium Books. Um, maybe next week is uh, I start Mutant Gen Lab Alpha or Kevin and Sean are going to be here from Palladium Books. I don't know. I don't know the status yet right now of stuff. So uh, and that's my fault. That was that was that was my fault. We, we will find out. But we'll find out. But as we go into Mutant Gen Lab Alpha, I'm not going to be covering Mutant Year Zero anymore. You're going to see a lot of similarities, which is why it's only going to be a three-week session. Right. But, uh... All right. Crafty says, uh, matte PDFs are super cheap to print on poster paper at Staples, FedEx, or Office yeah. Depot. That the, We were talking about the maps and writing on the maps and stuff like that. Yes. I mean, for some reason, people don't have printers anymore. That's what I hear. People, mm -hmm. people don't buy printers. Like, oh. Yeah, they want copy. everything in digital. 
yeah hired cappy what a fucking boomer yeah i want to hold it in my hand yeah some sometimes you you gotta you gotta take notes and it's easier to do it with a hard copy so you know get over yourself all right next one is crafty again sounds like if you don't have a stalker the party's kind of screwed i it does sound like that i'm not gonna lie i, I also have that opinion right now yeah, and I, and I can see that. I'm not going to disagree with that. Holy. I'm also not going to agree with If you leave it. the Ark. Again, I, you are doing yourself... I don't want to say a disservice. I don't want people to feel like they have... Well, if we don't have a stalker, we can't play the game. That That isn't how it works. It is going to be harder. It could be more exciting for you, though, as well. Also, it depends on what you're doing. There's a, there's a difference between playing an exploratory type group, which would definitely want a stalker, a gearhead, sure. uh, an enforcer, um, maybe even an animal handler, but or are you playing more, more political in, type thing? Yeah, more political. And this game, I didn't go into it, but that's actually part of the game master section. Boss versus boss is a thing. So you could play at that point, you could play, well, the gearhead a different way. You'll have the the chronicler. Now there's nothing wrong with the chronicler adventuring but you know uh yeah so it partially depends on how you're playing it ultimately though you do need to search the zone so you can do it it's just it is tougher and you have to take more precautions okay and then we got rex uh sometimes you have to make tough decisions and weigh short-term rewards versus long-term rewards this is what i was talking about uh you you, you do all the risky stuff first while your population yeah. is relatively high you know, that's that's that I was talking about that. And then he had this to say. Yeah, I again, I don't I don't think it's a bad. I think there are benefits to either or I don't think it's bad to jump right ahead and say, you know, well, we got the people. Let's go do this. I don't I don't think that's wrong. I just don't think it is the only answer. I think there are reasons right. why you could hold on to it. Sure. Near to yogurt comes up, says so this game is basically trying to survive in <laughs> yes. Chernobyl. Yeah, man. Yeah. Kokoshuko says, I mean, I get cold sore sometime. Well, Kokoshuko, guess what? You have herpes. Well, I, I have herpes. I, I, cause, uh, well, first of all, I had chicken pox and then, uh, I had shingles in this year and shingles in that year. That's herpes zoster virus. So I got yelled at for not having, uh, for not going to the doctor when I could have got Bell's palsy. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd yell at you too. I, but I'm not, you know, married to you or related to you. So I'd probably just laugh at first, but <laughs> there you go. That's the right answer. And then Rex comes in and says, I see this game does a bit of fourth wall breaking. There, no, it, it, there, there are times where getting out of character is built in. Yes. In the assembly, you're talking as players, not as characters at that point. Yes. Because you all have to decide in advance and move forward as a unified front. And some, some people who make characters literally can't logically do that. So you have to step away from that idea and create this unified front and moving forward with these expeditions or with these plans at the assembly, stuff like that. So there's, there's breaking of character. I'm not sure about fourth wall type thing, but there's definitely breaking of characters built into the game. So with that in mind, and I saw his updated comment there, we'll get to that in a second. Um, it's one of the things I really like about this game. Now, I like to be in character all the time. That's just how I like to roleplay. Look at the GM's alcove sessions and <laughs> some of the like, consternation I caused over there uh, by being constantly in character. 
and the intensity of the character. But I love the fact that I can target. Let's say Heathen Dog hasn't played much. He's he's not strong in role. He's heard of Dungeons and Dragons. I've got this weird game coming out. He doesn't know if he likes role playing. Whatever. Hey, do you like do you like to have input and build a stronghold? That sounds like it could be kind of cool. Okay, I've now I've now given you something to grab onto that maybe you're not strong in the role playing side of it, but you love the assembly side of it. I've added somebody to the game. And I it gives people a chance to the only complaint I've ever actually heard about the arc uh was people don't like the fact that PCs who are supposed to be scrubs or nobodies basically, they're not bosses unless you play a boss, are running the entire society isn't that the elder's job isn't that the chronicler's job who's protecting the elder isn't that the enforcers or the boss's job you know who are who ha- kind of have that role would it be those npcs no because the way free league sees you as a player is you are the one basically developing the world oh it, it goes is- beyond that it, it goes actually beyond that because now we know that all arcs are in a safety zone zero rot you as a PC, go out into the world where there is rot, where you could feasibly die while we all stay here safe in our beds, you get some freaking respect for that. Sure. Or I'm going to bust some heads. That's how it is. So, yes, you are you are a minor celebrity just because every time you step out of the arc, you are rolling the dice. Now, to be fair, that doesn't have to be guaranteed, but it absolutely is a possibility. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and and again, it's up to you and your table to come up with why that happens. If you if it really does matter, well, why would the PCs be doing this? Well, because they were assigned again. These the first five people that the chronicler saw. You, 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 and you. We need you to come with here and uh, hear some wise words from the elder or something. Like, whatever. It doesn't matter if it was random or not. If you go out and you come back, you're you're a minor hero, because no one else has the has the balls even if ordered to do that. Or you're like, shunned. No, I'd, I'd rather be shot in the head. Thanks. There, there, there are people who will shun you for going out there as well. So, hey, you know what? Th- those, those people get uh, kicking the nuts. That's, that's <laughs> They're one now, of the two d six that gets rolled at the end yeah, of the you're, session. You're one of the two d six that that had to go. You know, I, I, I may have helped out a little bit, but it happens, right? Anyway, uh, Fladley, uh, this is the, this is what your mom had, herpaganosyphilides. Yeah, and uh, this is why that uh, that when 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 we found her body in the in the expanse. And everybody got too rot. Got rot. <laughs> Everyone got rot. This is what rot is. It's it's herpes, gonorrhea, syphilis, and AIDS all rolled into one. That's rot. He, we just we just nailed it. Pig bird sars. And bird sars, man. No, no, pig out. pig bird sars. Pig bird sars. Okay. Um. So he follows. He met with Yo Yo uh, and the rule book as artifacts. Understand the game is future Earth. Actually, is it's post apocalyptic Earth. Everything in the game is something you can find here. Hockey masks. That's actually a piece of armor. Stop signs. Uh, so, I, so I wouldn't call it fourth wall breaking. I would say it is a destroyed Earth. There used to be a TV show. I can't remember what channel it was on, but it was like Earth of the Future. Like what happens 5, 10, 50, 100,000 years after humans no longer exist? That might have been the name of the show. Oh, no, no that, that was a Discovery Channel. It was it was after after man. I think yeah, it was something called, like where, that, where it, the, the idea was humans just blinked out of existence. What yeah. happened? What happens the next hour, the next day, the mm-hmm. next year? And it went on. Stuff like that, yeah. Imagine that, except for it was with nuclear bombs. Uh, so, yeah. 
So I, I don't see it as fourth wall breaking. I see it as being part of, and you could change that Sheridan towel to a, to a Hilton towel or a Kmart yeah. towel or a, okay. <laughs> yeah. so. or a, or a crusty teenage towel, whatever, you know? Yeah. A big Tweety <gasps> Bird beach towel. That's, that's how you get the population back. You, you, you find a teenager's crusty soccer towel. No, you can rebuild. That is, oh my word, that is not on the stream. Guess what? Subscribe, like, and share for Krusty Socks. I knew there was a reason all teenagers did that. Now we know. We're actually planning for the apocalypse. We're saving society, Mom. Shut up. My mom's got a mink coat that doesn't need a hanger no more. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, that ended segment <laughs> or the second video. I hope you guys have liked, honestly, I hope oh, let's get this back up. Cause I'm still actually talking for the segment. Nope. Not editing that out. Um, I hope you guys like how we're handling this series. If you really want me to go word for word, let me know if you want me to skip over some things a little more, I will be skipping most of the skill based and, um, and combat based stuff because it was covered here. Other stuff that we're going to talk about, like how the empathy attribute is now called instinct. In Gen Lab Alpha, we will. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk how talents are now called powers and why. We'll cover that. So, and what is the deal with Paradise Valley? Because Mutant Gen Lab Alpha is has got one distinct difference from the other ones. It doesn't have something you're building up. Instead, it has another out of character gameplay for you guys, and we'll talk about that with Gen Lab Alpha. So, hope you guys like it, and I look forward to your comments. There we go. I didn't change the title for your first slide because it was the words were too long. So I hope you're okay with what I went with here. What'd you go with? I went with overview instead of uh, information and background. That's fine. I suppose yeah. that's fine. All right. I'll be back in a minute. All right. Sounds good. Ah, uh, yeah. What's that comment? hey kevin you just wouldn't be in my game then because yes i will absolutely it's not control your character belongs to my world not to your person so there it's that simple and if you don't agree to that you won't be at my table it's just doesn't matter to me you can play somewhere else i don't care if other gms do it you don't have to do it but at my table uh when your character dies your character sheet belongs to me and i have a big folder up there that includes quite a bit of characters from past games uh, like I said, I can't stop anybody from making a copy of uh, of character, so you can keep copies of it or whatever. But the character that you're playing at the table comes to me, and I've literally ripped the page in front of somebody who pissed me off to the point. I'm not giving you. Shh. <laughs> Go. So, uh, I think that's actually in my folder too, taped up. <laughs> I'd have to look, or I made a photocopy of it. I forget. But, uh, Uh, I do it for two reasons. One is uh, life after people. That sounds right, uh, Omano. Uh, one, because I may want to utilize that character for something else uh, on the world. Uh, two, I prefer that people don't use characters they played in my game in somebody else's game. I also prefer that they don't play characters from another game in my game. Uh, and while it doesn't stop it at all, especially if you have a copy of it, it just does a little minor thing to help discourage it. And two... I want to remember the characters that were in the games that I ran. Ah, oh, yeah, I remember how he did that. Yep. And since I'm running the game, it's my table. 
If you want to call it control and domination, I will do it. So. Yeah, well, I, again, you don't. What online tools? When if it's an online game, sure, but I don't run online games. So what online tools? When you're sitting at my table, you're not going to have your phone out. You're not going to have your tablet out. You're not going to be like, I keep my hit points here on my tablet. No, you don't. You keep it right here on a piece of paper. Um, so, you know, it's again, it's not to the point where it's like you can never have this again. Make a copy of it. I don't care. I get the original though, and I mean that the original. Uh, you make whatever copies you want to make. As far as notes that you have for your character, like if you keep a notebook of your journal, no, you can keep all that. I mean, if you put that on your character sheet, that might be weird, but you know, hey. Um, let's let's uh let's change the subject now before you alienate everybody. Well, you remember that I did that when you when you play uh, when you play my like my Earth on games or uh, you weren't there for my D and D games. I keep your character sheet. I know I have your character. I have Barton up there. I can pull. Die. Huh. Does it? Uh, I still have a copy of. I have a copy of Barton. I have the original. I know that. I I have, I have the final. Okay, I think I have your Cavalier. The one with or, your signature on it that didn't get honored. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah one I, I have. I don't have that one. I have. Uh, I have the Cavalryman. I have. Uh, yeah, I definitely yeah. have Bob's characters because Bob was the one that got all pissy. Yep. Uh, I have Garth. Well, I mean, that's just from the Earth and I also have some of those D and D characters. I think I have Tracy's D and D character that she played with us um i'm just trying to mention names of people he knows but i mean he knows that i did that and it was never it was never an issue bob was the only one to throw a fit over it nobody else had a problem because somebody'd be like hey can i just make a copy of this before i give it to you yeah okay i don't care all right trying to move stuff around give me a sec yeah, I just don't know, real if uh, Rex, if I would, uh, if I'd call it fourth wall breaking. Maybe, maybe I see the term differently, but because uh, I mean, I'm also not looking at it as a movie, but uh, maybe, yeah. Okay, ready? No, I gotta get it, get it ready here. Share screen. <laughs> Crafty. Move this. Okay. I'm on I want a stamp like that. Everyone wants a stamp. Hold on. I wasn't gonna do it, but now I am. Er, move over here. Present, share screen. And get that off the screen. I want a stamp like that. Can I zoom in on that more? Not really. Oh, cause of death. Yeah. <laughs> Dead cause of death. RIP. That's funny. Certified to be deceased. That's a big stamp, too. It is. I, I would go, pop, pop, pop. <laughs> I'd be like all over the character. No, I wouldn't. Okay, let's get this back up. All right, for segment two today, Ethan Dog's got three little sections that he wants to regale us about it is like an entire free league day today i don't know how that happened but we're all free leaguing it today and uh i asked him if he wanted to take a look at vason at some point because i was like you know you like call of cthulhu you like those type of games and more so than me uh i'm just not as into anything i don't know I, maybe i've been burned too many times with investigative type games that, that go too deeply into it also well this one is not i'm not into more modern uh type games as well but 
Basin definitely has uh, a following. It has an interesting art style. I'm also going to show off a web page here real quickly once Heathen Dog you know, dives into his stuff. But uh, instead of me going over this more, I'll let him give you his 30-second elevator pitch about, uh, about what this is going to cover. But ultimately, it's just one of those things where it's like, I wasn't going to cover it this year for the rest of uh, our free league. And I'm glad that he's uh, taking a look at this. So give us your 30-second elevator pitch about uh, what this is going to be before I hit the proclivities. All right. Unlike the other free league games that we're doing this year, Vason is very much based on investigation and horror. Now, unlike Call of Cthulhu, it's flipped. Call of Cthulhu is horror causes investigation. Here, investigation is the is the uh, cure for the horror that you have. And the horror here is relative to your group. You can have it jump, you know, up to 10 like a like Cthulhu, or you can keep it at a two or a three. It's fine. It's up to you. You have the ability to dial it up, dial it down however you want. But the investigation here is key. And we're going to get into that in just a sec. Cool. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Please follow that QR code or refer to the description below for the link to the charity we support, which is the Wounded Warrior Project. Thursdays and Saturdays, you can watch the Dirty Casuals on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Fridays and Sundays, you can watch the Friday Night Chill Stream and RPG Digest on our YouTube and Rumble channels. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences, and if you like our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. All right. Okay. So first, let's bring this up. Boom. Basin. All right. The whole deal of this, this is 19th century Scandinavia. All right. You know, Netherlands. I'm a dirty Dutchman, whatever. You know, it's it's that area. And it's all of the the Vasin, the supernatural, quote unquote, supernatural creatures are based in Scandinavian lore. So last night uh mc uh mc fulton actually screwed it all up gave it away but this game <laughs> is a lot like the tv show grim g-r-i-m-m that that one that one's based mostly on germanic type stuff but this one is scandinavian type mythology and lore and all of these supernatural creatures are hidden from from everyone except for people with the sight or thursday's children in, in myth is is what they're called you can actually see these things even when they're trying to hide normal people 99.99 ad infinitum people can't see them at all unless they want to be seen and the reason it's built into the 1800s is because that's when the world in scandinavia started changing the slow but inevitable and increasingly in, in increasing in speed throughout the entire century toward industrialization changed the way humans and Vason interact. And we're going to get into that. Would you say this has a beyond the supernatural feel? No. Okay. No, it is, it is, uh, it is a lot tamer than, uh, than beyond the supernatural because all of these Vason aren't technically evil they're they're not they're not out to kill you your mom and your sister and you know pick their teeth with your bones that they're, they're not doing that a lot of times they're not just misunderstood 
they're actually scorned by accident. And again, Oops. we're gonna we're gonna get into that right now. We're gonna go to the introduction. And why is it too? I don't know. Okay. Throughout history, supernatural vasin have lived side by side with the people of Scandinavia, but these creatures are not perceptible to human senses unless they choose to be invisible. They have helped out farms, assisted in calving, making sure that, or Calvin, whatever you want, make sure that stray ewes find their way home and kept people safe during harsh winters or wildfires in exchange for some of the farmer's milk or grain. Vasin have filled the fields with flowers, shown the way to ponds where people can see their future reflected on the surface and whisper dreams into the ears of the sleeping. Now, these Vasin are fairies. They're trolls. They're they're, uh, they're mythical figures that aren't inherently evil, maybe inherently mischievous, but not inherently evil. And they live by rules. They will help you or they won't hurt you if you give them something, some kind of offering or tribute or respect or honor something like that but in the march toward industrialization people are forgetting the old ways to embrace the new so a lot of these vasin feel abandoned neglected or mistreated that's where the problem comes in that's the rub they want to be remembered man go ahead just want to be remembered or want to be honored because of all the things I've done for your family or your village or your town for generations. And now, and now this is, this is how you do me. You do me dirty like this. I'm pissed off now and problems start. That's also where the investigation portion of the game starts. Vasing causing problems. No one can see it. Just the effects. You know, you as a player character, you have the site. All player characters have the site. You have the site. You can see them. That means you can investigate. Now, how do you do that? This is where it's 75% Grimm and 25% Call of Cthulhu. Okay. Investigation is important. Any game whose modules almost always have handouts, investigation is key. And guess what? This game has handouts. Oh, yes. Clues. Clues that you collect to get the whole picture because the only way to defeat Vason for the most part, is not brute force. You almost can't kill them. But there are ways, the old ways, the lore ways to drive them off, put them to sleep, or exile them to another dimension. You can do that, but you have to learn how. You have to learn what this particular vasin is. And then how do I get rid of it? Or what does it want? Can I just give it what it wants and it goes away? Sometimes, yeah. Once a year, put put a dead calf in this spot in the forest and you'll be fine. Maybe that's the answer. You don't got to kill it. You just got to give it a give it an offering once a year. OK, well, uh, it only wants human sacrifice. Well, then it's got to go. <laughs> Sorry, we got to figure out a way to kill it or drive it off permanently. But that is the story of Vason. That is the world you are introduced to, you are thrust into. You are a, a paranormal uh, fix-it man. You can see the invisible threads that that tie the supernatural creatures to the events that that you've been that have been brought to your attention. Now, how do they bring this to your attention? Well, that's the society. You are either a part of or loosely affiliated 
with something called the society. History of the society. Uh, Linnea Elf, Elf, this is all Scandinavian stuff, just <laughs> can tell you a lot about founding the society and what happens afterwards. Once the game begins, it's up to the game master and the players to fill in the details where needed. Perhaps the basin from an organization's past comes back to take revenge, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here, here's the deal. The It's, it's very much... Uh, if you want to go beyond the supernatural, it's 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 very much like the Laszlo Society. I was going to say it, but I decided not to. <laughs> yeah. I, th I figured you would. This is a, a group of people who know the score, and they take records, they take notes, they they have they have lore. Maybe not all the lore you need, but enough to tell, enough to give you a direction to go. And you are part of the society because they gather people who have the site. And uh, how do they find them? I don't know. I mean, it's it's up to the game master to decide how the society finds people with sight. I mean, I don't know what the 1800s equivalent of you know uh, the the tabloid rags are, but you would you would look at the tabloid rags for un unexplainable things and someone at the center of it, and you go check out that guy or girl at the center of it and see if they have the sight, and then bring him, fold them into society. Because if without the society, without people with the sight, without this investigation. Without the Grimms, basically, this situation is going to quickly get out of control because Vason, who are not appeased, who are not uh, properly given respect, they they get angry and they could go insane and just start killing folk left and right, and no one can see them, no one can stop them, and at that point, it's gotten to the it, it's it's gotten really bad. And the people who do have the site basically have the only the only recourse is to kill it or try to. We don't want to get that far. We want to get to the point where you live here. I live here. This is the changing of the world now. And now we can all move calmly into the new century, into the new age of man. Without the Vasin being completely left behind. That could be the idea of your campaign. Or maybe the idea of your campaign is to eliminate all Vason. It's up to the game master to set the initial tone. But you as players can move the needle during gameplay one way or the other. What meets the spirit or the intent, the perceived spirit or intent of the game? But is it the, more the discovery side of it? It's uh, again, it's up to the game master. It can be 75% okay. investigation, 25% implementation, or the complete other way around. Okay. Maybe. The society's job, as according to the game master in this world, is to eliminate the Vasin completely because we no longer require them. They're no longer needed. We have steam engines. We have Gatling guns. We have all this stuff. We don't need Vasin now. We have medicine that actually works instead of like chew some tree bark and cross your fingers type thing. Now you have, you know, actual medicine that works. We don't need Vasin anymore. So your job is to get rid of them. Or... If your society is different, according to the game master, maybe your job is to integrate the Vasin into the new way of doing things so they don't go all weird and and start killing folk or, you know, destroying whole crops or whole uh, herds because they're angry. Because the world changed and no one told them, well, now it's your job to tell them. Maybe that's it. Now, if you want to go all X-Files where all, all of the Vasin are are alien-esque and, and really can't be understood and just have to be survived, fine. Or if you want to go the more grim route where, no, they are also thinking creatures, can be reasoned with, and can move forward with progress so they don't have to be left behind. 
this is all up to the game master to set up and then you as a player to to walk through and like i said maybe move the needle one way or the other if the game master sets up of eliminate all vase and they're all supernatural evil and everything not human is evil kill it kill it kill it with fire you as a character can move the needle in the other direction by acting more you know a appeasing the vasin getting it calmed down talking to it and then finding an alternative going forward where the vasin is is uh vilified and doesn't have to start kidnapping children anymore because it feels neglected you know bring them into this century and so, so he's pouting in the corner i don't get to steal kids anymore <laughs> Well, hopefully he feels good about not stealing kids because now now he's getting his due. I mean, a lot of these Vason, when when you investigate, you find out their background, you you do the investigation lore thing, you find out all they want is once a year, they want a new hat. Seriously. One of them is like, I want a new hat once a year. That is their appeasement. And if you do that, then they're gonna make your crops grow. Or all, all of your all of your herd will have will have a, a fertile year. That if that's all it takes, why not use them, right? Sounds good. But some of them, they want human sacrifice. Those guys, well, they either got to change their ways or they got to go. Because we're not doing that anymore. We're moving into the, into the future. We're moving into the new age. Either, either get in line or you get left behind. So that's the basis of this role-playing game the times are a changing there's a beat of a new drummer the vasin are stuck in the old ways do you get rid of them or do you bring them with you into the new era of enlightenment into industrialization have them fit into the new world or drive them out hey you know if, if you're a square peg this is now a round hole if, if you can't adapt you got to go Without getting too deep into system mechanics and so forth, because I know that's not the intent, can yep. you tell me, uh, based on the roles or classes, whatever they're called in this game, like like what is it a, an average character will do during a session? Just in a very vague, generalized sense. Because average again, will do in in what instance? In, in you know, when playing the game, like the investigative side of this, like uh, what what is the character's the player character's role in this? Okay, the the the, the player character. Now you have to build your character as an investigator. Whether whether it's only twenty five percent focused on the campaign is twenty five percent focused on investigation or seventy five. Without a good investig in, investigatory ability, you're lost. You're done. You're never going to win because you're never going to know the strengths and weaknesses of your enemy. You have to be able to dig through the lore. So these skills and talents that are investigatory in nature in the first half of, of any, of any adventure is going to be key is going to be paramount. And then the implementation of this solution that you found through investigation. Now the other classes, the, uh, to to talk about mutant year zero, the enforcer classes, the the gearhead classes. The, these are the people who are now who are now uh, tasked with implementing the solution you found, and either that's going to be brute force, or it's going to be guile, or it's going to be building a, an apparatus to to perform this function. Whatever it is, that that's where your skills and talents are going to be necessary. Investigation, execution. Now, 
each class has a different way of doing these things, but each class in this game has the ability, the at least basic ability to investigate. That's important because that's linchpin to this entire game. Research. Okay. I want to show, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take over your screen for just a second here or not your screen. You're ready for your second part, right? Uh, almost, yeah. I'm just going to get into the whole okay. area. Oh, well, then, then I'll do it because I wanted to show the what uh, Free League's got available right now. But I'll, I'll wait till you're done. Okay, yeah. The whole map here, uh, it, it gives you it gives you a, a map of the Scandinavian area, the big general area. Now, there are some some cities, some bigger cities that they that the game wants you to start in, which is fine. You can. You don't have to. It's up to the game master, but I would take these tools if I were you, because the the uh, starting cities are actually strategically placed near several different biomes. So the the amount of Vason that you can have in this small area is greater. So you know, greater uh, range of gameplay. Now it gives uh, it gives an overview of 1800 Scandinavia. It's very important to understand that many events happened between 1800 and 1899. Many technological advances, wars, 1848, man, Europe changed, <laughs> conflict. The game specifically states you can put these things in any order. It doesn't matter if it happened in the 1800s. It could happen in 1820 or it can happen in 1870 or it could happen in 1848. You don't have to stick strictly to the real world timeline because that's very restrictive. Alternate Earth. It's exactly. alternate it's Earth. Very restrictive for the game master because now you must do things in order. It has to go here, 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 because that's how it really happened. You can let that go. Let it go. These are all the things that happened in the 1800s, and that's exactly what the Mythic Nork thing is, is telling you. All of these things happened during the 1800s. That means they can happen during your game in whatever order or whatever combination the Game Master feels is appropriate for the game. Do it that way. And it gives a history, a brief history, big thousand-foot view history of the Scandinavian area between 1800 and 1899. This is important for the game master to know. It's, I think it's important for the player to know as well because it, it gives you a taste of the history and lore and what you're dealing with as a player character so you can play your character a little more era appropriately. That's great. But it's imperative the game master know because you're the one setting the scene. You're the one making these events happen. So there it is. Okay, now, what do you got? Uh So right now, Vason is still being supported. So for people like, oh, Free League doesn't support its games. There, there you go. You can pre-order right now the Lost Mountain Saga, which is something that's going on at the, nor the north of the map that Heathen Dog just showed you. <laughs> I, I don't know much about it. I, I don't follow. Vason is not my type of game. I do like Year Zero Engine. I do have Vason. Uh, I, I back, was it Kickstarter or whatever it was when it first came out? But uh, it's not my type of game. So I'm not going to continue. I just did that to back, you know, freely because I like freely. But you like things like Basin, Foundry, Basin Print, Basin um, Bundle, Basin Dice. I do have some of these dice. Yes, there are specialty dice involved in the game, but you don't have to have them. Same as Mutant Year Zero. 
uh, screen, custom card deck. I do have that. Here we go. Uh, one of the big sellers is um, Mythic Britain Ireland, which expands your map from just being Scandinavia. Mm -hmm. Because uh, Ireland and and Great Britain in general has a rich mythic history in the you know in the 17, 16, 17, 1800s. So it it has it has its own uh, has its own uh, uh, stories to to be told in this vein. So I get it. Seasons of Mystery. This isn't the PDF that I've got. I don't think it might be. I can't remember, but uh, it's an adventure pack. Let me make sure. That might be it. Oh, no, I have this one. I have a Wicked Secret and Other Mysteries. Tell by the cover. So, yep. and you'll be talking about that more in your third. Well, I'm, I'm not going to get into that in particular. I only read it to to get the idea a, of how the adventures are. An idea started. of how yeah. they do their modules. Yeah. Nope, that's 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 what I figured. We don't want to spoil adventures for them, but check well, that out. I, on I the am going to spoil something. <gasps> no. I have to be spoiling it now or in the next in the in the next one I'm going to spoil it in, in the next video I'm going I'm going to spoil what the Vasin really are because just like Max said earlier if you have player knowledge and game master knowledge in the same book you, you're just you're just setting up for, for players to know it all anyway so shut up all right I only have a couple starred comments here oh, that can go away thanks again patriotic assault for your uh, ten dollar donation. Mr. Max Boyvon says, can we stop the industrialization? Well, guess what? He just gave you the answer. Yes, you can. You can. You can. You can stop it. Uh, al align yourself with the Vasin. Shun the society. Align yourself with the Vasin. And uh, tell them the, and tell all the Vasin you meet that their woes are because of the steam engine. All, all of their woes are, are because of advancing medicine. All of their woes are, are because of growing cities. And tell them to take care of it. And they will. I only starred one other one, which is uh, this one. It is grim. That was a good it was show. A good show, yeah. It was. I, it wasn't my favorite show, uh, but it it had it had a good premise. I liked it. So, and that's what reminded me of this game. Or it says, I, I didn't watch it again. That it, that's just type of Aesop's Fables, Grim. So, so it's just not my thing. But when he said that last night. <laughs> and, and uh, somebody even guessed it on the, the live stream, the video game live stream. Uh, I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. That actually makes a lot more sense, even to somebody who hasn't read the show and isn't really into Vason itself. It's like, oh, OK. And in a way, I like that better than the Call of Cthulhu stuff. At least theoretically, I'm not saying it's a better game. I'm just saying because you can do more with it. You can be more, how, how do you want to say, it, fanciful with it, so to speak. Yes. So. Because un unlike in Call of Cthulhu, in Vasin, there are fairies and, you know, they're not intrinsically evil or want to eat your eyeballs like everything in Cthulhu wants to kill you or eat your eyeballs, it seems. You're not allowed to say this without also saying hashtag comicsgate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get you ready for your next one. All right, so Heathen Dog gave us an overview of the Vason game. Well, Vason is not just the name of the game. It's also a name of the entities within the game. So I'll let him start his little 30-second uh, pitch here and then proclivities, and then he's going to tell us all about it. All right. What are the Vason? The Vason are supernatural creatures that live in Scandinavia and have for thousands of years. Yes and no. Now, in the Game Master section, where it says the players shouldn't know this, it tells you exactly what the Vasin are. 
But the thing is, it's not a separate book. It's not a Game Master book. It's all one book. That means the players are probably going to know it because they're going to read it. My players don't do that. Yes, they they do. do. (laughs) Yes, they do. So I'm going to drop all that crappy pretense and just tell you what the Vasen are. They're supernatural creatures that are tied to the land. Yes and no. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. The focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of Hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. Join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash legionofmyth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Chill stream where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Please like this video and leave a comment to appease the algorithm gods. Share this video on your favorite social media platforms to help us peer out of the shadows cast over us. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to Legion Myth for more tabletop RPG goodness. Okay. And of course, like and subscribe because that makes us feel awesome. There you go. And feelings Uh, matter. Feelings matter. Well, only my feelings matter. Your feelings don't matter. All right. So what I, what I say before they're supernatural creatures tied to tied to the Scandinavian area and have been for thousands of years. That is true, but it is also not the reason why it is not is because Vason in reality are manifestations of people's superstition. What? They exist. They're not real. <laughs> they're real because we make them real. Their delusions become real. <laughs> They they are they are delusions that are real. Okay. It's a strange dichotomy, and that's why moving from the pre-industrial age to a post-industrial age is such a problem for them. Because we put all of this mythical nonsense into the world that coalesced into them, and now that we're that we're changing the game, they're just left behind. That's true, but it gives an opportunity, an opportunity for the player characters to to actually change how the Vasen work, to make them fit into what the world is becoming. How do we do that? Well, it's up to you and the game master and it'll be different. It'll be different every time. So that, does that keep good replayability? uh, Or do you think it's just theme oriented based on what the, the game master's personal uh predilections are i think it's more theme oriented really. okay but it says here i don't want to edit document get out here. uh this chapter and those that follow are only intended for the game master if you are a player you should read no further okay uh on uh, promise me uh pinky swear it's not do, gonna do, do you want to share that on the screen yeah yeah share it on the screen because it's not gonna happen no, 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 
It's your book. You share it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, it says right here. Let me get it. There we go. For Game Masters only. But it's in the same book as all the stuff players need to know. And guess what? Anyone can buy the book. I'd read it. Yeah, I'd read it too. That's how it is. Okay. Vason and humans. Vason and humans have lived side by side for thousands of years as both adversaries and allies. But neither the humans nor the Vason themselves understand the true depth of this relationship. They are dependent on and shaped by human belief. If people stop believing them, they would weaken and maybe even cease to exist. Few Vason and humans know this is the case. The player characters and the players must not be aware of this as they start to play. Dude, cat's out of the bag, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> let, it, let it go. Let it go. All right. This is now common knowledge for everyone who wants it. Putting super secret stuff like this in a book that the players can, can easily get a hold of is dumb. You made bad choices. This is your outcome. You don't get what you want. So what are the Vason? They are manifestations of our, uh, what do you call it? Imagination? Uh, imagination, superstition, religious beliefs, maybe. Okay. All of that. They are, they become what we know them to be. If that makes sense, we, we believe if you believe fairies exist and fairies act like this, if enough people believe that in Scandinavia, then guess what? Fairies exist and they act like this. So it's a collective consciousness kind of thing. Yes. Yes. So morphic field nonsense, if you, if you prefer. All right. But they can be changed if the people's perception of them changes, they will change along with it. So if you want to win the game, here, players, you want to win the game, here you go. Change what people believe fairies do and are and want. And that's exactly what fairies will do and want. That's it. That's how you win. So there you go. I just beat the game for you, players. Good job. <laughs> but the, the the writers of this book beat the helped you helped you beat the game themselves. Because this was not going to be a secret. It was stupid to think that it would be. Uh, here we go down here. Here we go. This dependency of, like, like I said, uh, Vason and humans depended on one another early in, early in human history because humans didn't know anything. And Vason were given magical abilities over the environment, over nature by humans, their subconscious. So if you wanted fields to be plentiful, if you wanted, uh, all of your, all of your, uh, cows to, to give like extra strong live births, then you would appease these Vason who live in the area. The cow spirits. Yeah. Guardian. They, they, they become guardian spirits as long as they're given proper tribute. But as humans progress into the age of knowledge, into the, into the industrial age, we are letting go of superstitious things, which include these Vason. But people, your, your grandma still believes in the evil eye, right? Guess what? That means these things still have the evil eye. So they get pissed and they lash out. That's what happens. Now, what do they lash out with? They have magic. Trollcraft. Ooh. Yeah, they have several kinds of magic. Curses. Enchantments. Where is it? 
uh, enchantments, curses, where the trollcraft, and that, yeah, enchantments, curses, and, and trollcraft. And uh, they, depending on the Vasin, be, be a troll, a fairy, a glognard, a, a wanliwoo, or whatever the hell they're called, doesn't matter. They will have certain powers and or abilities. And they will use them how they're supposed to use them. That's why the investigation is so important in this game because each Vasin, each each Vasin race has powers, has abilities, and there are specific counters to these abilities. For example, we have here somewhere around here is magical uh, talismans, which I can't find. But for example, uh, 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 there there is a any weapon made of cold iron is effective against fairies. Any okay. weapon made of silver is effective against, say, trolls. This is just an example. I didn't read, mm -hmm. but uh, there, uh, uh, holy water is 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 effective against these uh, vasen. If you want to protect yourself from vasen magic, this specific holy item will give you a plus two to resist trollcraft, or to resist curses, or to resist enchantments. And there is some magic even people can learn to do. Definitely not as powerful, but you can learn it and use it. And unlike Call of Cthulhu, you don't start going insane because of it. <laughs> so that that's fun, right? What 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 allows is it a magic? What allows a person to be able to see Vason? It's it's a luck of birth. Okay. You, you could it doesn't fully explain it because it's up to the game master is it genetic uh did, did you when you were young did you have an encounter with with an invisible vasin and it, it traumatized you to the point where your body adapted so now you can see it, it whatever you know gotcha. it's, it's it's however the game master wants to explain it you roll in, the six yeah in in grim it's a genetic component your rods and cones in your eye work in just the right way to where you can see things that other people cannot see. Great. You want to explain it that way? You can do it that way. You want to do the supernatural trauma? Like you you watched your wife get torn apart in front of you by invisible hands. But as it was happening, your mind broke a little bit. And then the and then these claws started to appear in your vision, and slowly you start to see the arms attached to it, and then suddenly you see a troll. Turn it off! Turn it off! Yeah, sorry, that that's how trauma does. You can't just turn it off. Now you have the sight. Well, now they call it neurodivergent. Got it? Yeah, now they call it <laughs> neurodivergent. But you know, now now you have the sight. You are now a Thursday's child. That's how it is. <laughs> God. You made me laugh with the Thursday's child come. <laughs> oh, well, it, it's it's riddled in this book. Monday's okay. child, Tuesday's child, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, the whole thing. It's uh, be, because myth and folklore are in the forefront when you're talking gotcha. about Vasin, because that's exactly what they're based on. That's where they draw their strength from. Their very life is from myth and folklore. The only way to beat them is to fight them using their own game. So. What do Vason want? Man, they want what everyone wants. They want to live. Women? They want, sure. <laughs> you know why? Because people want women. So Vason want women, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. They want to thrive. They they want what they want. Some of them, every year they want a new hat, man. That's it. 
You're stuck in this hat thing. Is that in the because book? Because it's, it's, it's completely <laughs> ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> but it's what it's what this one wants. Or Fair. they want a pint of blood or 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 they, they want a, a bushel of wheat burned in a specific clearing in a field once a season. Each one wants something different based on their folklore. If you give it to them, they either don't screw with you or they actually help you throughout the next year and or season of growing crops or whatever. So a lot of times just appeasing them is the right way to go. Because if you, if you appease a certain basin and when he's happy, he makes your crops grow at double the rate throughout the next growing season, that sounds like a good deal, right? Who needs Monsanto? I've got <laughs> Dobby the elf over here, right? Great. Do that. But if there's a vasin, if, if, if there's a trollish vasin out there who every time someone steps on this bridge, he's going to kill him unless someone gives me, you know, the, the heads of three babies once a year. Uh, no, that one's just got to go because we're not doing that. We're not doing that. You just got to go. So you as the player character have to decide that. How do you handle this basin? And that's based on the investigation, what you find out about them, what they want, what makes them tick, what works against them, what doesn't, what's their goal. And after that, you implement your solution. Are Vason killable or is it one of those things where you just contain it for a thousand years? They or are killable or containable for a thousand years or whatever using their lore. Normal guns, axes, whatever, unless it's part of their lore, is not going to kill them. It can drive them off. If, okay. if, if you break a Vason not using one of the mythical ways to, to kill it, it will retreat for a certain number of days, weeks, or years, but then come back. Probably pissed off. And for folks who don't know, breaking is an actual game term in the yes. user engine, which basically means one of your, it's effectively being moved down to zero hit points. Let's just put yeah. it. Yeah. They don't actually die. They retreat or they are banished for a certain amount of time or whatever. But if you kill them the way the lore says they die, they die. Okay. Because the Vasin are controlled by the subconscious of the group human consciousness in the area. So if everyone thinks holy water kills a troll, guess what? Holy water is going to kill a troll. There you go. So you use holy water instead of bullets. So how do you, how does your group handle Vasin? Do you handle it the appeasement way when you can? Or is it you know, vase and blood makes the grass grow anyway. So let's just kill them. <laughs> it's up to you. There's no good and bad in this. There isn't. You don't even have to take sides, really. Humans or vase which one? Pick one. No, that's a false choice. You can pick both or you can pick neither. It's up just to if, you. Just if you pick both, both, you're doing something to appease it. Exactly. You are probably appeasing it or finding it a different location to where it can do its thing without being bothered by the, the ever advancement of society. Okay. So that's what the Vasin are. They are supernatural creatures. They are tied to the land, but the only reason they exist in any appreciable form is because of the subconscious of human beings, giving them form and power. 
So what do we got for chat? Okay. For chat, let's, oh, I'm scrolling the wrong area. Oop, let's start with here. Omen Owl says, you let players use your books? My player's too cheap to buy their own until they're invested. Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm not I'm not judgy, download, boohoo, whatever. You know, you, you can find books. They fall, they, they fall off a truck. Whatever. But if it's in a book that's for players, the players are going to read it, and then they're going to find this out. Trying to keep it secret is an idiot. It's is an idiot's you know job. I'm not doing that. I I uh, I tend to buy books of games that I play. If you know if I'm only gonna doing it as a one shot, probably not. But if Heathen Dog can be like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna run I'm gonna run a, a Vason campaign for whatever reason. I agree to join it. Uh, I'd probably buy the book simply because I want to have that reference material available to me. Right outside the game, exactly. during the game, if necessary, whatever. So but that's me. Yeah, if you're playing online and everyone needs access to the player's handbook, right? I would give I would give access to all the players to the Google Drive, read only access to my player's handbook in PDF form so they can all read it. Well, that's exactly what you have to do with this book because if they're going to make a character understand a character, understand the world, they have to have access to this book. Mm -hmm. And it's got the secret information in it. There's no way to stop them from reading it. Don't read past page 100. Okay. No, that's exactly <laughs> where they're going to start. Page 101. Yeah, exactly. Exactly where they're going to start. This, this is human nature, people. It's not rocket science. Point blank says, according to Watsy, players don't buy books. You're safe. <laughs> yeah, players rent books. Again, fell off a truck. The, uh, the, the trove is still alive in the Wayback Machine. All right? There's books everywhere. You can get them anywhere. Rex Steele says reprint the book into two books. Now I, that, that would be better. If you make a book, a general book, and then a DM's guide book, at least you're making the effort to keep this information compartmentalized. And you don't have to give the players access to your information. You give them this book. Not this book. At least you're trying at that point. But Free League wasn't even trying at this point. It wasn't even trying. Put it all in the same book. Screw it. I actually did that with my Mutant Year Zero books. I cut the, I, because it's very well defined, player yes. section, game master section, I actually have PDFs that are just of the player's version. I was going to print those out until, you know, my account got banned. Uh, that was actually on my list of things to print out so that I always had, hey, players can look through this, no problem, have it at the table. Uh, yeah, because I didn't want them to have access to the other stuff. No. Now, I, I thought I starred Crafty's comment, but I guess... Uh, I did. I could have. So, uh, cra hold on. I want to find Crafty's comment because I thought I started, which is this one right here. The issue I have with TTRPGs in general, I like having one book over having multiple books. If for no other reason, the companies will charge full price for two books over one. I could care That's less about that. I, I, I get it, but I could care less about that. If I'm a player, I only buy the player's handbook. Yeah. I don't buy, buy yeah. I don't buy the game master books or all the other stuff if I'm just a player in the book. Right. You know, but if, if you're the game master, then you're stuck. You're stuck paying for two books, and you can be salty about that. I get it. Yeah, but I mean, I if it. I do buy two books, hey, you know, I spent the money on it. It's my book. I get to do with it what I want. But if you're just trying to get the player's information out there, you can have the book cheaper. I get it. Full price. You got to understand that there's distribution costs. Yada yada yada. You can get in all the marketing of that. Is it fair? Is it right? Who knows? But uh, I've talked to a lot of people recently about doing shipping of stuff like this. And there's very little difference between shipping a 100 page book and a 200 page book. So 
the reason that's why they cost the same. In my experience is pretty much true anyway. Nuriogar says, uh, to explain the missing sock from where the dryer goes. Yeah, everybody go. believes yeah. it. Everybody believes that it's the it's the underwear gnomes or whatever yep. that are stealing from your from your uh, dryer or washer. And I know it's true in this house. Jeez. Well, the the thing. Hang on, hang on. You uh, here's here's a pro tip. All right, it's not your dryer. It's your washer. If you overfill your washer during during the agitation process, lighter garments can go over the edge and down the side, in between the housing and the drum. That's where your that's where your socks are. If I were washing the clothes, I would agree with you because I do it all the time. I take every last bit. Poof. Well, I do separate colors, whites, and so. But uh, I throw it. In. My wife washes clothes like seven times a day, every day. She's got one dirty thing. It goes in there. It gets washed. It's you know it's a Japanese thing. It's so, a Japanese thing. Yeah. Well, she, she's used to the smaller washers. Could be. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, so what? Uh, Laura Freely Games is very cool. You just have to be extra careful about spoilers for the players. Sorry, Rex. No, I don't. Because this is unrealistic expectation of secrecy. Completely unrealistic. Yeah. I, the Laura Freely is, is, you know, it's funny. The more I look through the different books comparing Palladium and Free League, they couldn't be more opposite in so many ways. But they both do the things that I like very well. One is definitely a more complex system. One is definitely a more simplistic system. Now, I prefer simplistic systems, but the way Palladium does its complex system works wonderfully because it's yeah. cinematic. One is a, a character that you can get done in like seven seconds other than the, uh, uh, the relationship side of it. The other one, it takes four hours to make a character. Again, lore. Kevin has some amazing lore for his Palladium stuff written across... Oh. This many books. I, 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 how do I get my hands full screen here? You know, it, whatever. Across all the books that you can't even see. Free League, on the other hand, drops the lore more like hints, more like concepts, but it's still absolutely fantastic. It definitely evokes the feel of what the game systems that setting is supposed to be. I think the only one that I found to be wordy is Coriolis. I do think that the Coriolis lore is a little too wordy, but that could just be that there is actually a lot involved, more involved in Coriolis than a lot of people think. But I love that dichotomy, and I think that they're both games. One of the reasons why we probably gravitate to some of these games is because all that fits in so well. What else we got? Last one. Oh, you started one here. Uh, this is the argument that my Robotech GM made when I told him I wanted to buy Rifts. He kicked me out because I would know too much about the mechanics of the game. What? You want your players that is, to know that mechanics. That is ridiculous. That yeah. is, again, that it's a book that you as a human being are allowed to buy. It doesn't say Game Master only. And he kicked you out because, no, you're going to know too much about the mechanics of the game. Did you punch him in the face? Can I hold him down? This is dumb. That's dumb. There is no expectation of secrecy if the secret is publicly available to anyone with 20 bucks. All right. I'm sorry. Well, I, I can disagree with that just a touch. And it's because of a module that I had ruined of mine way back in high school called Child's Play. Uh, it's second edition AD&D module. But what troubled me about this was it said game mechanics. I want the players to know the mechanics. Oh yeah. oh yeah. 
So the reading into the super secret lore, buying the module that I'm running just to try to defeat it. Now that's a dick move. Yeah, it is. It is because a, a module is considered game master only. A dun dungeon master's guide is considered dungeon master only. Yeah. But if 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 this guy's pissed off that that you you bought a basically the riffs book, which is the player's handbook basically of riffs, and he kicked you out, he's a dick. Yeah. That is that is unrealistic expectation of secrecy completely unrealistic and i don't believe that dungeon masters can cheat dungeon masters are meant to change rules as long as they're fair and consistent uh, consistent and reasonable yes and and everyone knows about it and there's no secrets about it yeah uh but yeah uh, anyway that yeah that that's 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 weird because it came to mechanics I, but putting especially it was it a rex teal i think was the one that made the comment in the previous or in my video on mutant year zero where you know, it's talking about maybe change up. Um, was it? Or, or talking about how all the all the games work together, and knowing all that kind of seems like it's more of a one shot. Or maybe that was violence solves everything. I, I somebody posted. And yeah, if if you're running, oh, if you're running the campaign as written, and you don't make any changes, and they read it, there are a ton of spoilers in there. There are spoilers about the legitimacy of Mutant Year Zero of Eden of the mutants themselves. There's uh, there are spoilers about what's really going on behind the scenes in Gen Lab Alpha. What's really what what really happened to the humans of Mechatron? What you and so forth. If they read that, yeah, absolutely is a spoiler. That spoils how you're running that. Can a good game master build a different adventure outside? I, I don't know what Vason gives in terms of uh, of like little adventures in the book or ideas, but uh, absolutely those things can be spoiled and ruined. Should not be in the same book that you give the players. If it's something that doesn't ruin anything, if it's just like, hey, 10 Game Master tips on how to hand out treasure, I don't care if the players see that because I'm still going to do my own thing anyway. But anyway. Are All we right. good uh, moving on to segment or part good. three? And in, in the next video, we're going to talk about uh, how an adventure in Vason is constructed and uh, all, all the things that you as a player character uh, need to understand what's going to happen, your, your course of events to solve this particular mystery. All right, give me a, give me a minute. Sure. Do you want a minute just when the proclivities are playing or you want a minute now? A minute now. Okay. Got to make sure I got to find the right spots. Oh, no problem. But this GM wants everything to be secret. Yeah, I mean, I'm considered a secretive, especially for modern games. I'm considered a secretive GM because I roll everything behind a screen. I don't care. If you don't trust me, don't be at my table. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think that's part of the DM's job is to, you know, keep things moving. Sometimes I'm rolling for things I don't want you to see, whatever it happens to be. But yeah, if you're if you're mysteriously changing the rules of the game to dick the players, or if you're changing the rules of the game without letting the players know that the rules changed, or with you can tell from the way they're playing, the expectation of the rule is to be as written in the book, and you didn't tell them that it's different. Well, yeah, that's absolutely a dick, GM. That's but. I don't think anybody runs 100% raw. Some people might, but I don't think anybody runs 100% raw. So there, there are always changes, as long as I'm aware of them or I understand them. In fact, my problem in GM's Elko's game is that I wish he would make some changes to it, but he's running it about as raw as can be, and some things just don't make sense. But that's not his fault. That's the game's fault. So. Hmm. All right, I'm ready. All right, for our final 
Vason topic, we have adventure ideas. So Heathen Dog's going to tell us what kind of investigations and what kind of adventures belong in this game, system setting, Scandinavia. I don't know. He'll tell me right now what, what, what we're talking. What are we talking about? All right. Your particular adventure is called The Mystery. And it's a read because it's an investigative game. So that's what it is. And this, this section is for the game master, but there's no super spoilers or anything like that. It's just how to build a compelling mystery adventure and it gives you a flow chart like guidebook do this 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 and this and we are we are going to talk about how to build the how to build and implement an adventure in Vason. the core values of hashtag rpgate and any good tabletop group are escapism not representation entertainment over activism and natural organic inclusion not forced diversity Please follow that QR code or refer to the description below for the link to the charity we support, which is the Wounded Warrior Project. Thursdays and Saturdays, you can watch the Dirty Casuals on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Fridays and Sundays, you can watch the Friday Night Chill Stream and RPG Digest on our YouTube and Rumble channels. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences, and if you like our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. All right, the mystery. This is the adventure. The first thing a game master has to do when creating his own adventure, his own mystery, is choose the Vason. What Vason is going to be the antagonist? This is the most important thing because each Vason will react differently to being disrespected or being forgotten or being neglected. They're going to react in a different way. This is the conflict. So before you have the conflict, you must have the vase that caused it. So in your mind, you you uh, picture picture the vase, no, and then now you know what it does when it's pissed off because you can look it up, and now you know the conflict. You know what's happening, and then you have to build other elements, elements that are important to suspense and to bring the characters along for the ride. Remember, this is a story-based adventure. It's going to be. And the story-based mean it has to be railroady or that's the thing. Yes. Okay. Not super railroady, but there are guideposts you must follow. Okay. Or or you're not going to succeed. And as we all know, players are the natural enemy of a good story. <laughs> here, here, hold that up. Hold it up for a second there. And then I'll do this. And I'll, there you go. There it is. That's that's the heathen dog shirt you can find on our Redbubble store, which is in the description below. Yes. Now, <laughs> so you have to build this correctly to make them believe they're not being led on a path because they are. They have to be. This is a procedural mystery. You have to follow procedure. So how do you do that? Okay, first you must consider the clues the character players will need in order to solve the mystery. How they can get to the location where it takes place, what atmosphere you want this place to evoke. By defining a so-called countdown, you give rough descriptions of events in a step-by-step way that will exacerbate the situation. The countdown is is a tool the game master uses to create urgency in the adventure. For example... Let's say that uh, there's a, there's an island in the in the Baltic Sea, a small island community, and it's being beset 
by uh, children are are waking up to their their fingers being removed. Gosh. No blood. It looks like it healed over for years, but it happened during the night. That's crazy. That's tabloid crap, but it gets the player character's attention. Now they travel there and they start investigating, but the countdown starts. The first thing in the countdown is the, the local preacher starts talking about doom and gloom, gets gets all of the people of the island in an uproar. Now, now they got guns everywhere. It makes the job of the player characters harder. And if they don't solve the mystery quick enough, another part of the countdown happens. Someone gets accidentally killed in the middle of the night by this roving band of amateur militia. Sounds like my timelines. Exactly. That's exactly where it is. It is, But in here, they call it a countdown. Because if you don't solve the mystery in time before the countdown gets to the last event, zero, you lose. Zero being the, the, the Vason is permanently pissed off, or the, the, the Vason kills the entire town, or the, the Vason kills you, or, or, or kills a kid that he's kidnapped, whatever. You as the game master decide what the fail result is. The end of the countdown is always a failure because your player characters should be able to solve the mystery before the final countdown. You can get that song stuck in everybody's head now. Okay, sorry. (laughs) So the second part is about shaping the mystery into a text you can use during play. Let me explain. It describes the phases that make up every mystery, which are always played in the same order. The text also includes tips on how to create atmospheric scenes. The chapter ends with some suggestions on techniques you can use while game mastering. Now, I'm not going to go into the the big, huge parts. You know, there's the Vasin. Every Vason has a specific name, and it gives example of names. Example conflicts. Someone wronged the creature. Someone's taken something from the creature. Someone wants something from the creature, but didn't go about it in the correct way, the lore way, which pissed it off. And now it's causing problems because of that. If you can figure out the conflict you do the investigation into the vase and to see what it wants or how to fix it or whatever you can appease it drive it away or kill it before the final countdown examples of primary conflicts a thursday's child named pernil jacobson wants to use the will-o'-wisps in the swamp of lake ariskov to kill her family and claim her father's inheritance She has invited them to the Merry Lad Inn near the swamp. Pernille has a reputation for being psychic and claims that her sister, who died at a young age, is haunting the wetlands. She (laughs) hopes to lure the family members out there one by one to be drowned by the will-o'-wisp in the swamp. This conflict is between Pernille and her family with the will-o'-wisp as a duped third party. She's using this particular vason to do her dirty work so she can keep her hands clean. That's the conflict. Now, the player characters come into this when the deaths start happening. Someone calls them in for help or word gets to the society and you are dispatched to this village or this town to investigate. Now, the first thing you think, oh, it's the Vason. You investigate the Vason. But then a countdown happens. Another member of Pernille's family is killed. She's one step closer 
to her goal. All the money, all the inheritance just for her. If you don't solve the mystery fast enough, she's going to win. So the Vason just a red herring in this case. In this case, the Vason is is basically the gun. And Pernil is the actual killer. Yes, it could be that. Easy. Now, secondary conflict. A secondary conflict can be used to establish a link between the place and the player characters. For example, by involving people mentioned in the player characters' dark secrets. That's part of character generation. Everyone has a dark secret, blah, blah, blah. You can also use themes from the player characters' backstories. If a character's motivation is to help those in need, the secondary conflict could revolve around a local land order trying to evict a poor single mother. A secondary conflict does not have to be solved by the player characters. They can put it behind them as they return home. This is optional, optional content, basically. If you want to put this in there as a game master, you can. You, you tailor these little tiny side missions that success or failure does not impact the main mystery, the main conflict, but is something so the individual players can shine a little bit. We can have a little bit more insight into your character because of how you react to this secondary mission. Now, now to just so folks don't start freaking out, there are no 30-page backstories in the Free League yep. games. It's a sentence yep. or two, It's yes. but you can put the pieces together, the dark secret, the pride, whatever game you're playing, together enough to uh, absolutely make these adventure hooks. Forbidden Lands does this wonderfully as well. Okay. And then after you have the Vason, after you have the conflict, after you start the countdown, now you have to be able to explain the scene, explain what the characters are seeing. And with this, you need atmosphere. This is going to depend on where in the, in the Scandinavian lands you are. Are you in a swamp? Are you in a forest? Are you in uh, a city? All of this is going to help you describe the scenes you, the characters are going to be in. Examples of atmosphere, hot and dry summer, a windy moor, herbs and large amounts of blue flowers in the area, you know, of, of, uh, of the, you know, village outside the village you're in, uh, the sea, you know, the Baltic sea is, is, you know, it's big. You can be anywhere, uh, remains of ancient artifacts, a Viking tomb, Norse runes, anger towards a new police chief rebellion in the air. This is atmosphere. This is, it could be a red herring or it could be a guidepost to a discovery of a lore or a secret that you need to solve the mystery. This is just for wasps. I'm out. Um, I don't know if they have wasps. It's kind of cool. No, it's no, the second last one. Mosquitoes and wasps. Oh yeah, that's bad. Okay. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> Clues. This is, this is the trail of breadcrumbs that your players have to follow to solve the mystery. To solve a mystery, you need information. Clues are the information. Your, your players have to be able to discover information through clues to solve the mystery. If you don't let them, you built a bad adventure. They're never going to win. It has to be winnable. Now, when I do Call of Cthulhu adventures, I always have three ways to, to uh, find the answer, and you don't need every character to do it. Two characters working together can find the answer. Because someone will probably die. Because it's called Cthulhu. Probably someone's going to die. Or go insane and be useless. You can bring that over to Vason as well. 
Not everyone needs to be a bookworm, but you should have one. Not everyone needs to, to, you know, to be a constable or a former constable, but you should have one. It gives them, it, it gives you the ability to have different kinds of clues be relevant and useful to the player characters to solve the mystery. So what do we have so far? We have the Vason, which creates what kind of conflict you're looking for, which brings the player characters there. Then we have the countdown until failure. The events that happen during, during the time of the adventure, and if you don't solve the mystery by the last one, you lose. And then we have the clues and the, the atmosphere, and then the clues to lead the characters to the right answer. What's next? Well, you have the countdown to countdown to catastrophe. That's what they call it. The very last countdown is a catastrophe because you lost. Probably someone died. By the way, the art in this book is not something I'm really fond of. It's no, just it's not very my style. But it's it's visceral. It, but it's also absolutely appropriate for the game setting. Yeah, and then we have advice for the game master. This is to help smooth gameplay. So friends. Um, no friends, no escape routes. The player characters leave the city to venture into the unknown. Make sure that they are isolated and exposed. This is, again, an atmospheric thing. If if they lived in the city their entire life to, to investigate this thing, they have to go to this, to this old rundown or abandoned town in the middle of the forest somewhere. Then uh, the forest is, is, is Scandinavian for, you know, Black Death Forest. Okay, that's going to get weird, right? Yes, make sure they feel it. Helping the characters create these mental images will create uh, an, a very, very interesting gameplay atmosphere, and it will get the players immersed in their characters' trobs and tribulations, which means they're going to have more fun. So I think that is probably it. Oh, and uh, it talks about ambiance and stuff like that. And here's a flowchart. You know, this is a, a clue in place one leads to another clue in place two leads to another clue in place three. And now you have all the clues you need to understand what you're dealing with. And then you go and confront it. Or it could be this chart. You could find the, these clues are found in a random order, but you need all three clues to properly go to the confrontation. You know, it, it gives Don't you be locked on that three number, but it is a good rule of thumb. Yeah, it, the three is just a is just an example placeholder. At least three is good. You, having just one clue and have a eureka <laughs> moment is dumb. That's dumb. Three is is a pretty good place to start. Hmm. More, it starts getting tedious for the players. Less, it's too simplistic, and they're not having a good time because it, it, they didn't have to work for it. So this is a good rule of thumb: three different clues in three different locations help you get the actual solution and an understanding of the problem, which leads to a solution. And then the confrontation where the solution is implemented successfully or not. So that's how you create a mystery or an adventure in Vason as a game master. All of these things are necessary to bring everything together and get the players to have a good time. All right. What do we got for any chat? Um, before I do that, uh, so would you say that the adventures written in say like this book are written in that format? Yes, they are. They're okay. definitely written that format. And uh, one, one thing I didn't get into this game 
just like Call of Cthulhu, loves player handouts. <laughs> loves it. Now, the the starter mystery in this book has handouts. That mystery that that he's that he's holding right now has handouts in the back of the book. You're supposed to photocopy them, cut them out, and give them to your players. Oh God, that's right. Like half the book is handouts. Yes, it's handouts because these are the clues. These are the clues the players need to solve the mystery to get to the confrontation. Without it, they're lost. They will not have a solution. That's a map. I don't want to show that one. No, you don't want to show that. It's fine. But in all investigative games, you're going to have handouts of some kind. Yeah. Of some degree. Yeah. You're going to have it. So and I, I like handouts, actually. Yeah. Uh, I'm the type of person that, that likes the handout, something that uh, the players can hold on to and refer back to. Exactly. Yes. You can. They flip it over, write notes mm-hmm. on, on the back of the handout because it's pertinent to this clue. Great. Helps them solve the mystery, moves the story along, and they are invested and in having a good time. It's also tangible. One of the things that, you know, I think online play lacks a lot is that, uh, you know, you don't have books and you don't have the people next to you and so forth. But yeah. all those things, you know, whether it's holding the dice or holding that thing in front of you, you know, immerses you in the game a little more. Yes. Kokushuko uh, Papashenko says uh, there's a beginning. This is used using your words. <laughs> there's a beginning, middle and end, but no railroad. Because you talked about in the past how you do, you do your adventures or you got an obvious starting point. There's a middle point and an end point. So he, he corrected you. Okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but the 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 clues are like breadcrumbs moving the players along a specific path. They need to get all in this case, all three clues sometimes in the right order like this one, sometimes in any order like sometimes sometimes get clue one and two to learn clue three. And then, yeah, but they need to get all the breadcrumbs to take them to the proper destination. But if you do it in a way that's fun, that's immersive, that has a proper atmosphere, they're not going to realize they're being led to the answer. Or if they realize it, they won't care because it was fun. And the only other comment that I started was, uh, I gotta, gotta get, that, get shirt. that shirt. Well, link is in the description below. It's on our red bubble page. Yep. Where's uh, the natural enemy of a good story? That's the heathen dog shirt. So the players can overall still do whatever they want, but the end goal is agreed to be at least somewhat predetermined as long as the players succeed. Yes. The end goal is predetermined, but their success is not. Like I said, there are, there is the countdown to catastrophe. If they don't solve the mystery by the time you get to the last countdown, which is the catastrophe, they lose. So winning and losing is already written. You as the game master know what a win looks like. You as the game master know what losing looks like. They don't yet. They're going to find out one of them. All right. That is it. That's all I have start. So that's fine. Okay. Any, any final comments that you have? Obviously you didn't get into the game mechanics. That was intentional, but any final comments you have about uh, Vason and, and I mean, is it the, is the type of game that you think that you'd be interested in playing and running at some point? Uh, yeah, I mean, I got I got really good at at creating Call of Cthulhu adventures on the fly. Just top of my head because it's formulaic, just like Basin. It is formulaic. Once you have the formula down, 
you can just make it up as you go because you know what's supposed to come next. It's an investigative drama. You have to follow the chain of clues and roadblocks will pop up every, you know, every so often roadblocks will pop up that that's the, that's the, uh, uh, countdowns. And if you don't solve the mystery by the end, you, you lose. Okay. It's very formulaic. It's very easy. Once you, once you know the formula by heart, it's very easy to just make it all up. I don't know how deeply you read it. Would you say that the adventures in this book are all one shots, like four hour session type things, or do they no. go deeper than that? No. Uh, the, the, the modules are made to be between three and six sessions. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. That's even better. I think it actually says it in the beginning of the module book. It's, it's meant to be three, three to six sessions or three to four sessions. Uh, so many hours a session. That's their yeah. estimate. Okay, that that's cool because I mean I, I don't like treating it as like a you know a supernatural episode where it's done in an oh, hour. I get it. You know, I get it. So that's that's cool. I like that. All right. Well, I guess that is going to end this for uh, for our segment two today. This has been a long stream today, but yes, uh, I think it's been a lot of good information. So uh, yeah, we're still going to run through the because since there weren't that many, we'll still run through the comments. We'll still take uh, call-ins, but we're going to be kind of quick about segment three today. I have a lot of things to do with these videos after the fact. So do you want to get the invite out there? And Okay. Uh, when did we stop my segment? Oh, a minute or two ago. Okay, cool. All right. Let me get the invite out there. It's organically done. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait. We need to say more about Vason right now. No. It's time for your YouTube comments and call in. So that's right. Uh, we have people who uh, want to call in, talk to us today about Mutant Year Zero. And I will field anything with regard to Mutant Year Zero, as long as it's the main game, not uh, Mechatron, Gen Lab Alpha, et cetera, et cetera. And then do you want to talk? This is the last day. Yeah. Yeah, since it's the last day, right. Uh, anything you've got about, uh, about Mutant Year Zero or... Obviously, anything about Vason because Heathen Dog covered Vason, except for the game mechanic side of it, because sure. he didn't go over that. And I didn't go over it because it is like just like all most free league games, it's it's based off of the Year Zero engine, the original the Year Zero engine, <laughs> the original one. Yeah, for the most part, for the original one. So, if you know one, you know enough to play the other. Yep. And it's one of the reasons why I put the games in the order that I did, with regard to how we're doing them for what uh we're doing year zero first then we're doing coriolis then we're doing uh forbidden lands and the reason why i picked the, that order is because there are some larger changes in between them that i wanted to focus on but still showing that if you watch the combat section for mutant year zero you understand the combat section here you just have to learn that coriolis uses three action points per turn instead of just slow action fast action you have to understand that uh, uses two types of dice instead of three but there's a reason for that you know it makes sense gear is gear in a science fiction setting doesn't fall apart randomly as you use it you know things like that so uh, all right let's see what we have for comments while we wait for calls to come in and uh see that's for wow somebody commented on wizards that's cool but that isn't for last week. Did it super? This is for you. Super helpful. Eh? Here, zoom in even more. There we go. That's probably too much. Super helpful. Thank you. That was for you. Yeah. Stars without number. Yeah, that's an yeah. old one. I mean, anything yeah. that's got that format, that's an old one. Yeah, that's that's a Legion Myth live stream stuff right there. Yep. Go ahead and bring my Hawkman if you want. Our Hawkman. 
Hello. Wow. Hello, Mar Hawkman. Hey. Um, what do you got for us? I was thinking about the Ad Astra thing again. And um, Max mentioned that when it was discussing in the book where the humans had been like building strongholds and stuff prior to the um, apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it basically says like they went here, they went there and, and they went there. So you have people building, you know, undersea cities like Rapture from Bioshock or underground vaults like sure. in, in uh, Fallout. Or space stations, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's just one of those things. It's like, um, so what exactly have they said about orbital installations or Nothing. lunar colonies? That, or whatever? That, that actually could be the net what's coming up next. You know? And 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 that's cited it, again. It, nothing's been said about it unless it's been on like a behind the scenes video. I don't usually watch a lot of those. It just says that they exist. So as I read off when Heathen Dog stepped away, it mentions that they're underwater. And again, Mutant Mechatron, that game takes place in Dome Number Seven. Hmm. There was more than one. It's, it's the abbreviation for it is MM Seven because it's actually called Mechatron Seven. There are other domes out there. There are more enclaves of humans depending or on where you go. Or there were more domes built. Whether they still survive is a different right? thing. Exactly. Exactly. No, so we, well, the, the, uh, if you go back to the Fallout example, that's like how in Fallout, there the, the Fallout vaults, vaults are yeah. in the hundreds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's hundreds. I mean, it could be. I mean, it's it's intentionally vague because you get to do what you want right. with your world. I mean, now, as far as the Ad Astra thing goes, the only thing that I remember reading on that is that there's been no contact with anybody who went into space, and it was the richest people who went into space. I thought I'd read that it was lost, but I might be confusing that with some Palladium stuff. So I, I, we read too many games, so a lot of this stuff gets jumbled up. But ultimately, when I heard that Ad Astra was actually going to be an upcoming supplement, it confused me for a moment. And I was like, okay, but what, what are you adding to the game? And I, that's why when we were talking about clones or aliens or whatever, I hope it's not aliens. As much as I love that normally... I don't think it fits. Maybe you you mm. think I'm wrong, but uh, what could it be? It's going to be interesting to see what it is because it's got to add something to the game, right? Mutant humans, mutant animals, robots, and purebred uh, blood humans. What is missing from that? Well, see, there's actually cyborgs in in a in one particular sci-fi movie I saw uh, a while back that, that that came up. That's just a it was one of those things that. As a concept, it just felt incredibly bizarre when I first saw it. But then later on, I actually decided it was rather creative. That being that in this particular universe, when humans started going out into space, they started having, you know, weird hill, hill mutant kind of humans show up. And maybe that's what happened to the humans who went into yeah. space. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to speculate on, on what they're adding to the game with regard to that. I'm looking forward to it because I'm glad to hear that they're still doing something with the IP, especially since that other company, the same one that now owns Conan and Solomon Kane and so forth, owns the IP for Mutant uh, Year Zero also. So I am, I'm interested, but uh, we'll see. I, I hope it adds something interesting because Elysium, I, I bought it because it's part of the series, but I was not a fan of Elysium. It's if you like, you know what? If you like Vason, you might like uh, Elysium, <laughs> just without the the spirit parts, because it's really an investigative. It's heavy role play. It's contact oriented, investigation oriented style play. You know where the rest of it, 
not that it doesn't exist there's literally a military role in it but the the other ones are more combat oriented even the robots have a bit more combat it felt to me so it kind of changes the flavor so it'd be interesting if violence solves everything put the genetically engineered superhumans that could yeah. be possible but but it has to stay within the same power level of the animal powers the robot uh i forget what they're called now the robot abilities and the mutant powers of the humans i mean that, that actually sounds pretty doable though because yeah. like that one movie part of what made that movie so weird is that uh certain of the versions of like the uh, space mutants were functionally vampires because <laughs> okay. and, and and so you would have like a vampire hunter wars on lunar colonies and it's just all right weird. now i'm starting to feel a little weird yeah i know i know <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you mark i appreciate all righty all right all right uh get another comment on here i wouldn't mind pl- so this is now this is even older my god older, dude this yeah. must be when you first joined us like what six yep. years ago yep <laughs> that this is like way back in the days image but uh, it says i wouldn't mind playing a, a, a an original shifter with high level spells plus the 12 starting skills of so course. i guess that's that's the first game. the first edition rifts. Yeah, this is first edition where a shifter isn't broken just dumb but okay. any anyone with high level spells is going to be useful so there you go there's apparently been a lot of activity on the old legion myth weekly live stream look at that we got yeah. uh, well that's not uh it's right you one two three stars stars right without there. number a way, really old one and you see lab 2021 wow. <laughs> okay now to something that actually happened recently okay see i know you weren't here last week but uh, we won't cover the ones we covered last week but very glad you addressed the city rat i've grown on how important this occ is and your succinct breakdown does articulate this better than i could have i try to point my more energetic players to that occ usually they resist but if they do end up in oh, how long is this All oh in, involved in everything and have a blast what would you suggest as the optimal size of a rifts campaign with new players campaign does he mean party size size of a party five people five people in the party is perfect for riffs perfect you can have a spellcaster you can have a psionic you can have uh but the important thing is you can have a support class and it won't overall negatively impact your combat ability as a group you can have that rogue scholar you can have that city rat you can have that 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 doc you can have the operator get all the benefits behind the scenes from all those classes, but you can still have your, your Merc, your juicer and your, and your Borg. There you go. You can still do it. And five people is not hurting cats. You're not at the hurting cat territory yet. So you as a game master can handle it. As, as long as they're not douchebags, you can handle it. So five. I generally, I mean, I, I'm not going to speak to Rifts because I haven't run it, but even with like my After the Bomb games, I generally, my perfect size is one Game Master, six players. Eight players, I've, well, yeah, I've, that, that really is the extent of the herding cats. And I don't know if, to, if today I could do that as well as I did in the past. Five is my bare minimum because I think under that it becomes too reliant on each character individually. Mm. Like that's 25% of the, their shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I like between um, 
five and seven players, five and eight players at max. Um, that six is a nice sweet spot for me. And it really doesn't matter the game that I'm running unless the game is just totally not developed, you know, for more than, I think Conan is a perfect example of a game that's probably not developed for that many. Yep. But uh, See, with, with rifts though, you can have two, two uh, man at arms classes. You can have uh, one or more, one or, or two magic or psionic, and then one pure support class. The reason being you're, it's not going to affect your combat ability is because the, the mage and or psychic can support the men at arms during combat effectively. They can, but you have that, city rat you have the rogue scholar cyber doc whatever to either all to, to do all of the cool stuff post pre and post combat that the others just can't do and it, it it makes perfect for you can be put in any situation and still thrive uh not gonna look at that because that was a nasty comment uh, you've already talked to this adam simpson person right about mage uh, not yet no okay I, I wanted you to. I wanted to give you the link so you can you can watch his stuff to see if uh, I trust you your judgment on that. Okay. Um, uh, I respect to see my say. Okay, I already answered that. I think I answered that last week. So, any way to get a riffs episode for encounters? Please, yeah, nine days ago. These are old. We didn't get a lot yeah. of comments this week. But so I I I did I did look at that nine nine days ago, and uh, I decided to uh, either next week, if uh, if Kevin doesn't come on. Well, or, let's or let's. I'm being a little pedantic. Let's not say it that way because it's my fault if if and how this okay, is going. Okay. So if if Kevin isn't available to be here next week, if the things if things aren't working out, yeah. Because Max Liao is a lazy fuck, then yeah, then yes, then then uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do it though. It's gonna be general encounters for the game master's point of view. And your your big problem, Chris, was uh these these uh these mechs these robots. These vehicles, they have radar. How do you sneak up on someone with radar? I'm going to get into that. It can be done pretty damn easy. So the Rifts Game Master Guide kind of goes into touches, this. Touches. But but the better one, the Heroes Unlimited Game Master Guide has a really good section on adventure design for yeah. things like this. And I think it's better also because you're talking more modern technology with people that have access to more, even more equipment than you have in rifts that can sneak by things that can avoid things. Yep. So I, I think that makes it harder for a game master and the, the heroes unlimited game master book does a really good job. I, I don't know what, uh, <laughs> wow. My wife. It's going to be our new mug. Wait, wait, why didn't that scroll down? There we go. It's from my wife. Like I said, good thing she's pretty. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I, I highly suggest that anybody who pl runs Palladium games, this is again, personal opinion, get the Heroes Unlimited Game Master Guide. It is the best one. I think the Rifts one is dang near a waste of money. Pardon me for saying it. There's some nuggets in there, but the Heroes Unlimited one is absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, the rest of these are old and I covered them last week, unless you want to address. Uh, wait, stop. Rift's Ultimate Edition. Nope. Nope. Which, I said stop, not move. Okay. Occupational character classes. What does that say? I need to know about the hate for the shifter. Oh man. Well, that that's that's an old yeah, that's why I was skipping over because I thought you were looking for this up here because that was a video from a long time ago. Yeah, it was a video from a long time. That, Focusing that, on yeah. Again, you if, that. if if you want to have a full explanation of the hate I have for the for the shifter, especially the the current shifter from the Rift's Ultimate Edition, then 
uh, search YouTube for Legion of Myth, Kevin, Kevin Sambita interview part three. <laughs> it's in the first 15 minutes. You just got to watch 15 minutes. I'll lay it all out for you. Uh, where, oh, oh, where to go? There's, well, there's actually one I want you to look at, uh, cause last week I want to see how you'd answer this one. Okay. okay. This is the last one we're going to cover and then we're calling it a day. Okay. Carpet of adhesion solve. Ooh. Let them have a round or two of attacks, then the NPC gets free because it has an ability to dissolve the carpet. Very similar to like how you handle a mimic. Or what's the what's the other monster you get stuck to all the time and you, um gelatinous cube? Yeah, something like that. Well, that one I think you have to fight out, but either way, yeah. But but it's like what if what if for this whatever reason the person dumps his alcohol on the ground. I'm oversimplifying. And now he, it, it, that carpet of adhesion turns into a sticky mess as he's lifting up his foot. You can see the strings, but it allows him to walk away. All right. Uh, number one, you would have to change the rules of the game. Would be That's house fine. rule, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can house rule that. But I'll tell you right now, there will be a goddamn witch hunt if the players didn't know this house rule beforehand. Well, they, they could start using it as well. But yeah. Yeah, just just so you know, I don't know if you know who the evil DM is, but he does a lot. Well, he used to do a lot of Palladium videos. Mm. This dude knows his Palladium. Okay, that that's good. But again, that's a house rule. Yep. yep. Be, because uh, in the in the in the Rifts Ultimate Edition uh, explanation of the spell, there is no way out of it. Even with supernatural strength, you can't force your way out of it. It's all up to your time. How much did you roll? Did you make your save? No, two and a half minutes. Suck it. Did, did you make your save? Yes. 2d6 rounds. Suck it. You're just you're just stuck there for that amount of time. I, I would like to make it something that's not easy for everybody to get a hold of. So no, you can't just dump your whiskey on the ground. <laughs> there you go. Some kind of uh some kind of special universal solvent. Yeah. Well, yeah, but and if you've got something, say like uh um what's the scientist, the rogue scholar in your group? He might be able to make it. Got one application of it. Sure. Three applications of it. That's Whatever. it. Yeah, you know, you'd have to prepare beforehand. I mean, you're you you as a player would have to be prepared for something like that. Because I I wouldn't I wouldn't let you make it on the fly. Like, oh my god, I'm stuck in a carpet adhesion. Wait, it's sticky. Oh, I, I I know how to burn away magic. Probably not. You probably don't. Like off top of your head, no, no, you don't. Rex Steel so, asks, are players that picky about rules changes and rifts? Yes, players are, are picky really? about about spontaneous rules changes in any system not just riffs that, 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 that's, that's the exact same thing as pulling, pulling the carpet out from under them. You know, they're going to fall and be pissed because that's not how the world worked up until you wanted it to be different as the game master. And now it works differently. Well, I made my character with the rules of the world that they were, you keep changing the rules. Now my character doesn't feel like he's my character anymore because it completely changes how he interacts with the world. It can be that serious. One rule change can do that. So you as a game master have to understand, you have to be very careful what rules you homebrew, what rules you change, because it could fundamentally change how a class works or how a spell works or how a power works. Completely change it. It can. You have to be ready for that. You have to be cognizant of that and look ahead for that so it, it doesn't piss off the players enough to where they leave. 
All right. So, anywho, uh, Nerdy Ogre, no, no, the, this is just stuff we do on the side while we wait for other people to call in. Again, it's just weird to me. I know I've said it every week except for last week that uh, <laughs> since we started doing this, we don't get as many call-ins. But no, the call-ins are focused on what we talked about beforehand. And I think Kokushuko's right. Uh, just keep me in the loop. That's all I ask. Because my big thing, like... Uh, Look, I change, I don't want to say a lot of rules, but I do change rules that I think that I want to have a different feel. It seems small, but like my one that I changed for Earth Dawn, where I say it's not plus two the target number, but it's minus two steps. Even though theoretically, and I know the math makes it a little bit more difficult the way I do it, but theoretically it's around the same difficulty to do that change. The fact that you're minusing two steps from the roll has more of an impact up here than just adding two to the target number. Now you have to be, you have to be worried about making snap changes in the moment as a game yeah, master, absolutely. you should yep. never, ever do that ever, ever. It's going to more than likely be a mistake. For example, in earth Dawn, you change the way first edition taunt works because, because you thought it was too strong. Yeah, that's fair. But the day you discover it in the middle of the adventure, that is not the time, time. to change it. At the end, you think about it. How are you going to change it? How are you going to make it more fit in, in into your world the way you envision it? And then take the answer and bring it to the players and say, okay, I'm making a change to this power. Moving forward, this is how it's going to go. You put thought into it. You've you've looked to see how it could make or break uh, your your game moving forward. And then you introduce it to introduce the change to players you never make a change based on impulse in the middle of a game session right never ever Always yeah that ta taunt change i i think i made it before your group i think i made it for the group prior to yours it was. i, yeah. I yeah. can't remember or i made a change once once garthon got the talent at you know because he was a troubadour so once he got the talent you told us no it doesn't work exactly like the book says it works like this yeah, and it's I didn't even I completely forgot about that. The funny thing, the irony of that is I got into a huge drunken argument <laughs> for the playtest of second edition that people remember. He knows because we didn't win our Earth on uh, competition or whatever the hell it was at Gen Con one year because they remembered me. Um, but uh, yeah, over taunt, and I did think the taunt was two parts. So how I change is normally it lasts. It takes nine steps. Okay, let's use a D20 system because more people know it. It basically minuses nine to all rolls for nine rounds. It's crazy. That's that's crazy powerful, right? So what yeah. I did is I had it have a, an initial impact. By the way, the rules starting with second edition has been modified. It's not that bad anymore. But what I had it do is I said, okay, no. You're going to slowly recover from this over time. So it actually started at nine, then went to eight, then went to seven, to six, you know. So... Yeah. uh it lessened what they do now is they do it by success level so every success level is like one step or two steps or something i, f I forget but it still can be devastating but not for nearly the amount of time yeah, not and for the entire combat because nine rounds i i can't remember a combat no i can remember one combat that went uh, went over nine rounds i can remember one can you okay that's it so it's the whole combat. You're minus nine steps to freaking everything. That's crazy. All right. Absolute with that. Oops, sorry, go on. No, ab absolute bonkers. I think this episode's gone on long enough. It's been a long one today. I thought it was a good one, though. It was a long one. Uh, I'm getting really hungry to the point where it's like I got growling noises here and I've got like uh, I want to fall asleep and pass out. 
Uh, so I'm going to one more time say like, subscribe, share. Thank you to all you folks who hung out with us for this time. Do you have any words of wisdom today? Or should we just bounce into... Uh, well, no, we, we, we talked about it a lot. Yep. And uh, if you are a game master, you can change the rules. You can alter them. But never make it be a surprise. Give the players a modicum of respect and they will they will return it in kind. They will accept your changes, even if they don't agree with them, as long as you show them that not only you put thought into it, but you want to hear what they have to say about it when you make the change. You do those things, and they're much more likely to accept it and just move forward.